Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Let's plug them, let's plug them into it. Okay. Here we go. Boom. Just quickly, where's the lighter? Because it's still bringing us the bottle of water. Uh, just don't know um, So, what? Oh, we've got a bottle of water. Uh, so, what are we titling? The periscope? Uh, T W I O T. Should we put hashtag T W I O T? Yeah. Hashtag T W I O T. And then put um. Director's commentary. Line. Yeah. Is there she can you oh can you get six and the city two? You don't need to write live because it's periscope. It's implied. Oh, yeah, true. So I think out of the gates, let's um, address it purely as a podcast. Try and just focus on the mo- doing the commentary for the movie first before we start, because it's going to be hard to resist just engaging with Periscope. That's a good point. <laughs> so like, you know, at least just lay a base of we're doing this director's commentary yeah, cool. so that anyone who's listening and doesn't see it live will be like in on the gig. Am I on the record with that statement now? Are you recording? Wait a minute. Hello, hello. Still a genius. We're all good. Okay. Don't... Hold your horses. Okay, I'm about to hit broadcast. Good on you. Jets. Cool your jets, ye unwieldy beast. Are we, uh, oh, I see. Stop! Oh, we framed him. Oh, no. Have you oh, changed no. the the origin of the broadcast? Not the origin, the framing. Is that a thing? Kaylin and Anne Rebecca Phone have birthdays today. Oh my god, look at all this uh, love hearts. I don't know how to... 
Hello, welcome along. We're just having some technical difficulties. Do you know if you can reframe it? i got no idea. I gave you one job. No, I gave you heaps of jobs. But I don't think we can. So we're going to have to bloody... Hey, guys. How we doing? Great job. Hey, thanks. How we bloody doing? Brendan Lovegrove is on. Oh, Brendan's here. Hey, hey bud. How you be? Fuck. Well, this is a goddamn... Uh, my crotch. It's okay. It doesn't solve anything. Yeah, it does. It does. What? Just the, the feeling. These people are happy with this. They could watch our arms. I don't know. Considering the length of this. Can you turn it upside down? I've got to get right. What do you mean? Oh, like that? Yeah, that would help. I don't know if I can. How's everyone doing out there in Periscope today? What are you, what are you buggers doing? Oh, look at that. Now it's me. I don't want that. Bloody goddamn nightmare, isn't it? Guys, you want to talk to the people? Yeah, I do. Well, I'm just watch. I'm just watching you. Yeah, figure it out. Yeah, as helpful as that is, it could probably be more helpful. You know. There's also this screen here is covering all of the comments. Oh, true. Black Friday was pretty good, thanks, bro. Too povo to get out there and start beating up old ladies for a discounted toaster, but still, it's a, it's you know, it's the best, most American holiday there is. We're gonna have to shunt these chairs real close together so we're both in frame. Just be careful with power and come on in. The world is fun, baby. Um, just gonna fix the screen, guy. Oh, good job. Oh, yeah, this is great. Look at this frame. Everybody, give Tim a round of applause, please. So we're about to do uh, a director's commentary of Sex and the City 2. Um, f- no one no one in this room killed JFK. I can also tell you that, Tim. Uh, so you, are, they go- are we going JFK conspiracy already? Yeah, Not Tim's bad. interested. Yeah, so we, we're going we're gonna, to, once uh, Tim figures out what he's figuring out, we're going to start watching Sex and City 2 and tell you exactly how we made it, uh, what went on behind the scenes. You know, what stuff was lucky to get in, what stuff was uh, unlucky to get cut, and all sorts of uh, trade and industry secrets. It's, um, How's that? It's going to be very interesting. That's great, Tim. Can we just angle that down? Truly exceptional. You can't see what's happening here, but uh, Tim is rocking a very impressive setup. Yeah, we've got a real... Um... It's a real cobbled together but beautiful <laughs> scenario. Is just... that? That's about... That's good, mate. That's about where we're at, eh? I think I'm very impressed. Um, well, I guess that'll have to do. So, shall we? Let's get some headphones in. Let's get some Sex in the City on. No, Thomas, you won't hear or see the movie. You're just watching two people watch it and tell you how it was made, which is the hook for me. I think that's what makes this. Yeah, I'm very confident there's some uh, copyright implications for <clears throat> Anyway, here we go. And welcome along to this, the Sex in the City 2 director's commentary uh, with myself, Michael. And myself, Patrick King. Uh, we are the directors of Sex in the City 2. And uh, it's really exciting, actually. It's been pretty much since we released it. I haven't revisited this film. I don't know about you, Michael. 
Um, so it's going to be good. It's going to be good to dive back in and really remember the experience that was filming it. Absolutely. A lot of people got confused uh, that we were one person. I noticed even in the credits they didn't correct that. Yeah. They're like, how can one person be so prolific? We always uh, with that TV show, and the, the simple answer is <clears throat> one person wasn't. Two person was. Yeah. I think we put as many, you know, we put so many slashes in and hyphens to try and say, look, we're different entities. But your insistence on directing like Ronaldo in football or Cher in music, I think, is the source of a lot of confusion. Going simply as Michael is just not enough. But anyway. I think Michael is probably the best name for a director possible. You look at Michael Bay, right? And he hasn't hasn't been that renowned, even though he's made good work, because he's degraded himself by giving himself a last name that he trades on. I know that I'm the best Michael out there. I should it's, be the look, only it's Michael. Bold, therefore, it's I am bullshit. Michael. It's confident. It's also, I've been costing you a lot of work. I mean, you haven't been hired since this, since this film. Hey, what I would like to ask is, um, we've we've uh, done the liberty of periscoping this little event as we're doing it as well for the fans, for the Six and City Two fans. Can you guys hear us? Okay, because I've got no concept if that's um, initial or not. That's, I mean, look, that's at once we're, we've got to really focus on what on what's at hand here. And this is the first flashback. Oh, and fair enough. The only flashback sequence we put in the movie. I want to do the whole thing. Continuity uh, error just backwards. there. I want to point out our first one, uh, which was the guy with the Walkman and the stripy top walking on twice. It could just be that that was the, the fashion at the time. And I've always said this. I don't think I don't think that qualifies the continuity error. Just such a popular outfit that was that a lot of people were wearing it. A lot of people you think walking it was around two in that dudes. stuff. Well, that was my experience of New York City in the 80s. Patrick King, you may have a good point there. A lot of people do look the same. And as uh, Griffin Marta taught us. Oh, <laughs> if, wait. What was that song? If everybody looked the same, you get, get tired, tired of, looking of looking at, at each, each other, other. Or confused in your circumstance. And that's why we moved on from the 80s. Coke-fueled 80s. I mean, we moved on because of time, the nature of time. We didn't move on from the coke, though. God damn, no, I'll tell heavens, you that No, I'll tell you what. We were up to our gills in cocaine all the way till we said that's a wrap on this film. And uh, if you do see any anything that you deem as sloppy, if you know, a lot of I've, I tell you what, my family didn't really hold back when this movie came out. They really let me have it. And <laughs> uh, did, I put some a, comments. What did you hear from family members when they saw this? Ah, uh, you know, they were saying it's offensive, it's degrading. It's cultural imperialism. And I was saying, well, you know, it, that's how you see it. But if you make this whole thing on cocaine, it feels like you're, you're doing God's work. You're doing the best goddamn thing you could do. And I think you'd agree. I mean, you were, you were as excited on set as I was. Mate, I was like a little puppy running around. It's actually... Uh... <laughs> we disrupted a lot of our own takes by running into... I tell you what, man, these director's commentaries, you really have to have two hemispheres of the brain working at once because the, the movie audio really kind of throws you. And I can understand now where with some director's commentaries, the dudes just aren't up to the task. Are you saying that you might be one of those dudes, Michael? <laughs> it's trying. This isn't my first director's commentary, though, as well, you know. Yeah. We got together for the first movie as well. Of course. Laid down one of these tracks, right. which as, caused a lot of problems for the studio. Yeah. As I was saying, one of the reasons I, was, I didn't mention this specifically, but one of the reasons the budget blew out so badly on this film is because we were, I mean, first of all, we spent half of it on cocaine immediately. Yeah. We got a half the movie down payment. We put all that on coke. We flew to the Middle East and we'd set up these cameras and we'd get the shoot rolling and then we'd run into it because we were so excited to be involved. We'd run into the takes and start interacting with the girls and yeah. uh, we're in charge. So obviously there's no one, you know, the the best boy or the gaffer can say, get off the set, but... <laughs> we fired them. We fired them, yeah. 
It was a, it was a disruptive process. I think that's why most people get into the business of being director as well, just so that you can get into a franchise you enjoy and really start being a part of it, mm. jump into the scene, mm. waste a lot of money. Write yourself in. It's a roundabout way of doing it, but it's a great way of immersing yourself in some of the most uh, exciting and interesting now, this is, fictitious uh, universes. A piece of the movie which is actually allusion back to the opening shot of the uh, 80s man, where mm. people all look the same in the 80s, because... Uh, our film's protagonist, SJP, is dressed identically to Chris Noeth, um beloved preacher from... Well, uh, not when we knew him. I mean, he was, he was a heathen. And uh, in our experience shooting with him, he was, he was tough to wrangle and tough to control. But by all accounts, he's really cleaned his act up. And uh, he's touring the Bible Belt now with a pretty interesting new self-help book, uh, a ghost written by Tony Robbins, I understand, which is a huge gift for Chris. Mm. Uh so yeah, I mean, but <laughs> the title of that book again? It is uh, preaching in the Bible about a guide on how to do it. Uh, so he's sort of just selling preaching as a as a livelihood. Yeah, some people would advise against that as a business plan because usually you don't get your uh, honed set of skills and source of income and then farm it out to everyone else so they can compete with you. But he's uh, a, he zigs where the world zags. He does. That's the beauty of Pastor Chris Noah, pastor also, preacher. Uh, son of a son relevant? Of a, <laughs> Do we mind? We, we don't we, mind. We don't mind. The good Lord doesn't mind. Uh, we spoke over the dialogue in that scene, but you'll notice that we've, we've gone to the trouble of uh, including all possible references to this being a gay wedding. Uh, just because. I wish there was a gay wedding counter, like if we can make up some hardware solution where we'd you ding a it. button every time it was on. It a bell. On the screen. hardware solution would ding. be a bell. Yeah, but also like it came up on screen, so there was a, a counter, a running tally. Going. Yeah, because God knows we couldn't do that in our coke-addled brains. Uh, is that uh, we're just getting some comments from the internet, folks? Is that Dickbot and blackface in the background? Funny story. It's not. Uh, that that uh, is actually what's his name? John Lovitz. John Lovitz. Um, Tim's, so I Tim's didn't realize. That we had our any friend skin Tim's tone. painting of John Lovitz. Yeah, our mate Tim is doing some paintings of grown-ups too, which I heard he was supposed to do a long time ago, and he's very apologetic about. Um, he didn't realise there was skin tone uh, in terms of the paint, so he was kind of just using different browns to try and get shading on a face. You know what? We're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about this adorable dog. So it's which, can of worms. Uh, we frankly don't want in the recording studio. To be honest, this dog was the most expensive part of the casting budget. Uh, that That's dog's right. handlers and agent cost us an arm. That is, and a yeah. Leg. Well, the thing is, George Clooney is that dog's handler, and uh, if you have George Clooney on a movie set, you can't just pay him as a dog handler. You've got it legally. Uh, he's got a, a clause in his contract. You've got to pay him as an actor. Yeah, it's and obviously, the clause clause. Yeah, George Clooney obviously one of the uh, clause most... clause. Yeah, I, I you like it. Yeah, I mean, I liked it when you came up with it five years ago. I still like it now. It's it's, a... it's never not a good joke. You do love that joke. Uh, but yeah, so, you know, he was, 2010, he's probably the highest paid actor in the in the world. So he really bled the budget. And we couldn't get him on, we couldn't get him on camera for any of it. Yeah, funnily enough, though, uh, in the similar way to when George Clooney funded his satellite operation through his Nescafe ads, he used our budget of being a dog handler on this movie to um, create a uh, artificial intelligence robotics lab, which was kind of weird. Yeah. He, I don't know well, if that like, was kind of more art imitating he was pretty, life. Or... He was pretty shtum about it too. I don't think he'd be too comfy with you saying that out loud on mic right now. Yeah, sorry, I've said too much already. As someone online's reminded us as well, uh, George Clooney voiced a dog in South Park. Mm. 
So he's got a lot of association with, with dogs. dogs. Yeah. He's, he's very used to working with canines It's as m- canines. much like if you watch Seinfeld and there's uh, supposedly a Superman in every episode. Uh, if you look at any photo of George Clooney, you'll notice that... There's a dog in the frame. There's a dog in the frame. Uh, now, in this scene of Sex in the City 2, there's no subtitle to this movie. We get introduced uh, a little more formally to one of the show's heroes. Well, Stanford. We... Yeah. No, wait. Anthony... No, this is Stanford. It is Stanford. Boy, you'd think I'd know that by now. Uh, it's been five years, as I, as I say. So, I mean, all is forgiven. That's quite understandable, Michael. Um, I mean, do, how did you how did you find him to work with? Well, this guy, he came to set. He was prepared. He had he had his lines down, and then he had five pages of alternates that he wanted to do, of alternate takes he wanted to do. Uh, yeah, you and did, I you, like the fact that he kind of forced us to do all the odds. Yeah, well, well, yeah, even when we thought they were a bad idea. He was yeah. like, guys, I worked really hard on this. I want to get this down on celluloid. Yeah, and that, that was another thing. Is he all his scenes are shot? You'll notice that the the thirty-five looks, mil. Yeah, it's different. They were shot on thirty-five mil celluloid. Everything else is digital in this movie, except so he Bloody was Stanford. originally a much stronger component of the film, but we had to write him out because we just couldn't afford between George Clooney, the cocaine, and the and the celluloid. I mean, can you imagine going into you know Sex and City Two, one of the most anticipated movies of the year, and blowing your entire budget in week one? It really? made for. Especially, it made for a dire... Do you know how difficult it was for myself, Michael, and my co-director here, Patrick King, to try and hide line items about dog handlers that was like in the seven digits? No mean feat, folks. That's why I'm so glad that we had Hollywood's greatest remember, shysty yeah. accountant, um, in, uh, Robert Robertson. That's right. Before we hired Robert, I had one. there was one funny... And I'm sure you won't mind me sharing this, Michael. When I, uh, I, I, I walked into your hotel room where we were staying... And you were you were quite literally you had books on the boil. You'd boiled up some water and you'd you'd thrown some books in there because you were so frenzied and panicked and you and you hazed that you, you thought you were in the room and you said, "Is that rosemary? Is that sesame seeds?" And I said, "No, no, that's uh, the good set of books." He's cooking. You're in the pot. Yeah, cooking them, cooking them up, cooking them up. And uh, we got away with that, but uh, you know, as, as we say now, I mean, everything we're putting onto this recording, we could. Technically, be held up in court. Um, oh, yeah, I guess so. Technically, so a just, lot of things, yeah, Guy just, Montgomery. Just, just is what I would say if that was your name. Thank God it's not. It's <laughs> stupid name to name someone. I don't know why you're going to town on a random a random name. That seems unnecessary. Oh, look, I just I say what I think and I think what I say. This crown. Uh, yeah, let's talk about this crown <laughs> because I'll tell you what caused a few issues for us um, while we were filming. You might have heard some Hollywood rumors about uh, different movies where there's like supposedly a curse for on set. I yeah. tell you what, everyone who touched that crown when we were not shooting um, inextricably came down with a virus. Yeah, and, like, a pretty serious one too. So we got yeah, and we got what just one of the uh, DAs, the director's assistants, a guy called Keithy. He became our designated crown handler, and he got he got. I mean this. It says it in very small type at the end of the movie. This we dedicated this film to Keithy because he he didn't make it through. I mean, he got that crown made him violently ill. Yeah, big time. He was leaking out of every office all day, every day on set. It was it was filthy. Frankly, it was uncomfortable and disgusting. Liza Minnelli has joined us in the film at this point. Um, Sex in the City Two would not be what it is without Liza Minnelli's appearance. I think we can all agree on that. Some people said. You could probably afford to cut the wedding scene. Like, it's not really referred to later. Thematically, there's a weak attempt for both of you boys to worm your way through the film by continually referencing it. Thing is, don't know. 
upon second viewing right now. I've only seen it one time before. Don't know if it's strong enough, really. We probably could have lost this scene. Maybe they were right. I don't know. I think, you know, that that's how many times you want to watch the movie is once. And it, it does, you know, Liza's, she's uh, she's an eye catcher. She's a... Uh, you know, she's a she's a feature piece. She's a tent pole in this film. You can build a film around Liza, and she also held up the tent uh, in the catering. Yeah, again, those budget cuts. Thing. I mean, we were really uh, improvising on set, weren't we? We were sort of that cl- classic Kiwi ingenuity, that number eight wire kind gazebo? of gazebo. Is that the word I'm looking for? The gaz, the gazebo. Yeah, the gazebo. Yeah. On which take did Liza get the dance perfect? Uh, funny thing, that's, none of them. Yeah, none of them is the answer to that. So what we've and, done is cobbled together a few of the best options. Hits. Which is, you know, I mean, pretty common practice. You'll notice that the drummer in the background of this shot is nowhere near touching the drums. Uh, with that's right. Well, and that's a, it's sticks. a bit of a funny story. We actually we borrowed those drums from your brother, didn't we, Michael? Yes. And we uh, did. they were brand new. Yeah. And, and he said, "Don't you get a mark on them?" So we we made sure that there was always thirty centimeters before, between stick and um. Well, as you know, my brother is a terrifying man, capable of very grim acts, uh, which unfortunately we know. Walk too well. Yeah. Well, <laughs> let's not walk down uh, that particular boulevard of memory lane. How do you feel about the dance scene these days? Now that it's been, you know, we've had time to mull it over. I think it's good. I mean, I think before you talk about the dance scene, you've got to talk about the song Single Ladies by Beyonce and say, did that did that stand the test of time? And the answer is yes. Yes, and that a thousand dance, times That yes. dance, as iconic as the song, and uh, accordingly... Yeah, I mean, it's. I'm, I'm glad we put it in. It's a good piece. It's a real tent pole, as, as, as we've discussed. Um, now, I would like to applaud our very early on decision to employ Runkle as part of this franchise yeah. because I think we can all agree Sex in the City would not be what it is without Runkle and his infamous crunkle. Yeah, well, the, the funny thing about Runkle is uh, so we, we hired him as an actor. I can't remember his acting name because he, he was so method for Californication at the time that he was actually acting in character as Runkle. He wouldn't let us call him anything else. Yeah, on set. Uh, so, Which is weird because his character name in this was Harry. It actually created a few problems for us. But, created uh, huge problems for... Uh, luckily we shot around it. You know, for Charlotte or Kristen, to use her real name. She's not method. She uses her real name from time to time. Which is obscene considering she's really only been in this franchise. I would have thought we'd have her by now, you know, Patrick? Uh, yeah, but you can't. You, you've got to stop looking at people as possession of sex and, the, you know, they're, they're their own beings and they'll when they walk off set, they can, they can do as they please. And uh, I mean, they I, are with that attitude. Well, I think, I think that's a very important way to look at everyone on, on set when they walk off the set, you know. They're on their time. They're you on keep their saying time. saying that. They're on their time. I never really understood that saying because as far as I'm concerned, if we are paying people millions of dollars to be in this picture, I own them for the duration of the shoot. No. If it's the middle of the night and I want a cheeseburger, I can sincerely Look, just get Jessica no, you out can't, to get me a cheeseburger. You can't, and I think we found that out the hard way. Fucking lawyers. We did uh, actually, Tim. Th- Tim. Tim. I'm getting all blocked up over here. Thank you for the uh, question. We did actually get Blaze Pizza. Uh, we we hired them. Do you mind if I just apply a little nasal spray? I don't. It's I'm, called. I'm sure the people are picking up in their air holes will. I'll just revenge. Should I do? <laughs> do you guys want to? Yeah, do it on mic. Absolutely. Oh, oh <laughs> that is nasty. <laughs> oh Jesus. Oh man. Oh, it's menthol. Uh, but to answer your question, yeah, we did have a deal with Blaze Pizza to too. come on because uh, we we the other they, one went they were they weren't unionized, but we wanted all our lunch breaks to come in at under 
190 seconds. And obviously, Blaine's Pizza with the 180 second promise were a great match for us. Holy shit. Uh, that claim turned out to be uh, a lot of baloney. Auto- <laughs> uh, this segment of the podcast, of course, brought to you by Otrivivin Nasal Spray. Uh, oh, man, I'm leaking now. It's all bloody. It's gone. This is highly unprofessional, Michael. I'm back. (laughs) I'm back, baby. And better than ever. Uh, I'm just going to find my water. I got it. Oh, now, Alan, wasn't she a joy to work with? Yeah, you did enjoy working with Alan. Yeah, and by working with, I mean putting my penis inside of, because as a director, people are property. (laughs) Uh, You caught, I mean... My memory obviously is so hazy from this time, but it makes a lot of. You haven't worked since this movie, and I think. I mean, oh look, I'm making, revisiting the shooting experience with you. I make crass jokes. It's it's what I do. Alan and I have never been in a room together because of certain legal restrictions. After a couple of text messages, I said, "But do you know what? I respected it. I respected that there was a an order that was put in by a court because I'm a dude who believes in the letter of the law. All good." Go about your business, Alan. And this is the beauty of having two directors on set. If someone doesn't quite jive with the energy that I'm putting down, I can chuck Patrick King into the situation. That's right. And uh, we sort of do a good cop, bad cop. The mobiliser, as I call yeah. you. So, you know, you'll, you'll be rough and tumble with a lot of the actors and then I'll step in and I'll I'll, I'll, t- I'll take things easy on them. You know, oh, yeah. I'll, uh, oh, yeah. I shot a lot of this film uh, in, water, in water, like in, in baths. Um, just, you know, get the actors in swimsuits and do the dialogue across bathtubs. And you'll notice none of that made the cut. And that was an executive decision from Michael. Just want to let everyone know that uh, watching, we're up to minute 18 in about 15 seconds now. If you're trying to sync up at home and you haven't so far. Mm. I don't know that it's necessary to watch, to watch along. It's a nice option, isn't it, I guess? Oh, look, it's up to you. I think too many body. times people go, director's commentary, I better... Listen to this while I'm watching the movie. 90% of the time, you don't need it. You really don't. What are the 10% of times when you do? If it's a Kevin James movie. Mm. Is that just More Kevin James? Chasing Amy. Kevin James account for 10% of all, all films you've watched. At least. At least, at a minimum. Well, he's so prolific. He bloody, he's made so many. And I've only seen 10 films. You got him to shoot your wedding. It was good too. He shot it in 3D. That was the crazy bit. I wasn't expecting that. Yeah, Not for that budget. God, he works well. You did the whole wedding in front of a green screen, didn't you? Sort of felt like it was his his event more than yours by the end of it. Mm. Would you do it all, if you could do it again? You know, if you could do the wedding again, would you and you and Sandra? You know, I mean, would you would you do anything different? I'd leave, like I would have left then rather than later. If that's what you mean. I mean, of course, our marriage hindsight, didn't, Yeah. Well, didn't hindsight's twenty twenty, isn't it? Sure is. So I guess that adds to your question. Ideally, the wedding wouldn't happen at all. Now, uh, funny thing about Kim Cattrall on set is she, she would insist on going full method uh, in all of these, all yeah. these scenes. Yeah, yeah. Which was, uh, you know, obviously shooting in, shooting in Abu Dhabi was pretty difficult to get away with. In response to the person on Periscope asking if we thought about a worst of all time book club, the answer is no. I think there's uh, quite what enough time. What literature would that include? So obviously Suzanne Summers' book, 
Um, All of Carrie Bradshaw's books. Did, did, did we uh, release Carrie Bradshaw's books as books? Because that sounds like a surefire way to just print out a blank notebook with a cover on it that says it was I've written been, by Carrie Bradshaw and make a lot of money. I've been toying with the idea of launching a Carrie Bradshaw Instagram. Really? Yeah. What would you have on there? Just beautiful shoes? Just beautiful shoes and clothes. Get a merch line going. I like that. Like Carrie that by Bradshaw. Chris knoweth, you dirty rascal. Boy, he was quite the deviant on set. <laughs> he sure was. He'd be coming in, out, in and out of saunas at all hours. Really loved saunas. It's like working with a prune of some of the time. Yeah, it's disgusting. I refuse to touch him. He was very faint as well. Like He was very faint-headed a lot of the time, which made him very vulnerable to our direction and very open to sort of different ideas that otherwise he wasn't that keen to go with. Yeah. When he was sort of more of sound mind. For example, we were like, Chris Noah, do you think in this uh, take we could get you looking like you're not completely repulsed by Sarah Jessica Parker and that there's some God honest chemistry between you? And he was like, look, I'll give it a shot. And, he, and God bless his soul, he really had a good go of it. Did he get away with it? I mean, you know, the, the story's on the camera, so... You be the judge. We'd love to hear what you think of that particular scene, actually. It was a, a real bone of contention on the cutting room floor. Do you know what I like about this director's commentary? Having a live periscope feed so we can measure as people come in and out. It's almost like a power level to how we're doing. <laughs> the numbers start stepping. It's like, oh, God. This you ain't going well. No, you got to realign your attention uh, with the film. Yeah? Oh, Yeah. That's the real measure of success is how engaged you are with the film that All we right, made. Well, you can you tell people about this scene? I've got to fix the technical thing. I sure can. Uh, this was this was actually quite a good fun day on set. Uh, we crashed a real wedding uh, and sort of just imposed our will upon the uh, upon the whole thing. Not unlike what Kevin Smith did to Tim's wedding, we sort of thought, well, there's a good idea. There's a good trick. Uh, let's copy that. And that's exactly what we did. Um, and, <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it, as I've said, we worked under rushed conditions or, you know, we were under time constraints or budget constraints. We were under a lot of pressure the whole time on this movie and we tried to hide it from you, but I think, it, you know, some of that pressure leaks through. Uh, you'll notice that Pauline Hanson, the former Australian politician uh, who had some pretty out there opinions on different things, uh, she was actually, this was her daughter's wedding that we crashed. So she's in the background of frame here at this at this uh, luncheon scene. There she is. I don't want to alarm anyone, but uh, <laughs> that phone feels hot enough to actually <laughs> burst into flame right now. <laughs> so I'm, I'm gonna, if, I don't even know if we're still on Periscope right now, but if we are, I'm going to just shut that off for a, for a cool minute. Maybe put it in front of a fan and uh, just sort that situation out. Sorry, as, as you were. Oh, I, was just, I was just telling them about how we uh, we crashed Lisa Hansen's wedding to, to, to shoot this scene. And... Uh, I was sort of uh, winding up to the point at which we got thrown out, uh, broke a lot of equipment, uh, got in a lot of trouble with the local council in New Hampshire who ruled with an iron fist. It's like bloody North Korea trying to get uh, some outdoor filming done in New Hampshire sometimes, to be completely honest. I uh, I have uh, serious issues with the mayor, Keith Hernandez, and the way he's he's running things. Former baseball player, I believe, or certainly a namesake. This was a note that we got from the studio. Uh, we're going to need a little something in there for the fellas. And we brainstormed for nigh on three weeks, trapped in a basement with nothing but cigars and whiskey. 
and we we came well, we, up. Yeah, we, well, came, we we floated a lot of ideas actually. We were in a bit in of in retrospect, the one that we went with might not have been the best. Obviously, the one we went with to put you out of your misery, if you if you haven't seen the film and you are curious, was breasts. Uh, how do you breasts atta- attached to an uh, an Irish nanny? Which might, like there was. We had a whole storyline about why she was there, which I think actually got left on the cutting room floor. Yeah. So out of context, it's a little... Uh... We also had sort of the surreal stream of consciousness storyline. Uh, sort of, we got actually um, Terry Gilliam to animate it, but it was it was us in a boat. This is when we sort of mixed the, uh, the cocaine with hallucinogens. It was us on a boat... Uh, and we were fishing. We had lines cast out from the clouds down to earth, and on the end of our line were boobies. And we were fishing for fishing for male punters, uh, but it was a bit too meta and a, uh, certainly a bit too confronting. Some of the imagery. I mean, you know, men bleeding from the from the side of their mouth, flesh flesh all over the shop. It was raining flesh. If you can hear a lot of clattering shit going on, I'm trying to hook up a fan that we can point at the. Um Streaming device. Okay, so I feel like the the real story here is is hardly the making of Sex and City Two and much more <laughs> Tim Pat's maintenance or sorry Michael's maintenance of um of his technical setup. What are we doing here? Can't imagine a fan's going to sound great on Mike. <laughs> You'd be surprised. Oh, it's not even turning on. Bloody piece of shit. Last time I do my holiday shopping. We shot all of the scenes set in Carrie and Big's apartment uh, in one afternoon. So all of these takes you're seeing, they were the only takes we actually got with, uh, you know, we, we only got one take of everything and we had to just buy all the, those are the only options we had. So, um, I mean, yeah, and, and some say that's to the detriment of the film and I, I'm inclined to agree. Looking back on it, if, if I had my time over, I probably would have allocated more than one afternoon to shoot the bulk of the emotional heart of the film. I mean, we see this is where we see Big and Carrie fight. This is where we see them, you know, explore their relationship. This is where we see them make up and uh, vow to be together forever once more. And uh, to only give yourself two hours to shoot that seminal part of the film, uh, it's it was regrettable. And that's one thing that I would like to say to you now, five years later to you, Michael, is... I think you are right. I think we should have shot this in the more traditional fashion of allocating, you know, three or four weeks to get these scenes done. I, was just- I don't know what you're talking about. If you can't make a movie in a couple of days with some cocaine and hallucinogens, it's not a movie worth making. That's how the old Hollywood saying the goes. The trouble is, your insistence on following these strict time constraints and then your actual concept of time being so altered on account of all of the drugs you'd been ingesting. I mean... It was very difficult to to keep a schedule. The producers had a fucking nightmare working with you on this film because you just had no idea of anything. Well, maybe if they were prepared to work with me a little bit better and acknowledge the fact that once I have given the actors seven figures to be involved in a shoot, I own them in their time, then there wouldn't be so much bloody friction, Patrick. The difficulty is, Michael, that unless you can convince all of your crew to... uh, you know, join you on your psychedelic journey and therefore be able to abide the timing that you insist upon imposing upon everyone, it's going to be impossible. What you're describing as a director, what you want as a director is impossible. What you are describing, this animosity that I was receiving on set, is people's unwillingness to unlock their minds during the gorgeousness of filmmaking, the magic of the cinema, and to go on a psychedelic journey with me. 
Patrick. There's, there's the two different. Now, if maybe you were on my side, you'd join me a little bit stronger. People would be more on board. We're like parents. We need to work together. We can't be working at cross purposes here on this. Fuck. Oh, Steve. Yeah, look Real pleasure to work with. Yeah, this guy was a real pro. God, he was good. Magda, on the other hand, uh, I could have done without. Yeah, she was very confused a lot of the time on set. Uh, she, I think her agent, I think, pitched the job to her as, Magda, you're the new host of Family Feud. Because she'd keep barreling the camera and sort of beginning to host the shoot. And we'd say, no, Magda, you're a, you're a nanny in a New York house. She also had a propensity to um, giggle a lot at uh, whenever someone would make a double entente. <laughs> Which I can tell you, considering this movie is Sex in the City 2, was a lot. Mm. We keep telling you, Magda, Magda, it's not Family Feud. You're involved in the same franchise that you were involved with years ago, but now we're making a second movie. She said why. We said we've forgotten. She said then, I'm Then on she board. said, we asked for the audience, and the answer is Magda, and she'd, she'd start applauding herself. Yeah. She had confetti cannons in her belt. She'd be... She'd hooked up an of- LED... Uh, set of like a light switch to a hat that she was always wearing to get that fucking LED hat off here. Oh, we took all my patience. Now, this is the bit where she barrels the camera. If you just, uh, yeah, we there it is. We There's the money shot. We couldn't cut around that. Um, she did it every take. Yeah. And at the same point as well, like it was very impressive the sort of control she had over her body. What we're glossing over at this stage, obviously, Patrick, is Brady. Birth of the Rat King. This is the moment. This is the origin story of one of the greatest supervillains ever known. Kind of. I think we found halfway through making the movie the reason that we uh, signed up to do this was to try for, was for the potential of a sequel, of a spin-off sequel uh, that was sort of centered more around Brady. And, I mean, yeah, we're the directors, not the editors, so you'll notice we didn't really get as much in as we would have liked. Not as much Brady. I like it though because it's like, uh, and I've said I've said this before, Patty. I've said it before that to get the scariest version of the thing, you don't want to show people the monster. You want to suggest the monster and let people's brains fill in the blanks because they will make something more terrifying in their own brain than we can possibly yeah. imagine. And so I think we've left just the right amount of crumbs on the ground. I sure hope so to show you who Brady is going to become. I think maybe for for repeat viewers, but one time viewers, it'll be very hard for them to. Um you really need to go back to the well to uh, to pick up the the crumbs that we left. Yeah, on the way to to the to the gingerbread house to mix my metaphors there, if I could for a second. <laughs> well, speaking of mashups and mixing things up, we have got some people online asking about the potential of a uh, crossover with TMNT. Oh, I'm sick if of those I've questions. Once, I've said it a million times. It's not going to happen. Michael Bay has sullied the good names of the Ninja Turtles. Look. We get. I love the Ninja we Turtles. We get letters I from my kids. Grow up on the Ninja we Turtles. We get letters from Michael. We get cakes from Michael. We get Michael knocking on our door at all hours of the night, saying, "Please, guys, can we do a crossover?" And to Michael, we say the same thing: "Go fuck yourself, mate." It would be like if you tried to cross over um, Batman with Aquaman. That's it, akin to what it, it would be it'd, like. It'd be like if you tried to cross over Lionel Messi playing football right now in his prime with Diego Maradona playing football right now as a as a, a slightly overweight elderly gentleman. It just doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make any the, sense to me. One of them sure. is still a high-functioning, valuable entity, and the other one is... Tell is you it, what, this nose of mine, 
Give me a world of hurt. Yeah. Well, I mean, you'd, you've got a deviated septum, obviously, from uh, time on. You've only got one. Interesting thing about Michael's nose, if you look up, up at it from underneath, he's only got one nostril. He calls it his, uh, his big noose. The big noose, he calls it. Isn't that right? To smells more smells, you say. Jesus. Isn't it funny how, like, it's got no your cartilage nose can in pretty it. much kill you, eh, if you block it up? Makes it hard to breathe. That's good. That's good when you do it right into the into the microphone. Yeah, no, I know people appreciate that. I want a first-hand account of my nose and its business. So, in this scene, uh, you'll notice what we continue to argue about today, whether or not it's a continuity error. But the hand slaps that uh, mm. old Lily puts onto Charlotte's dress here, you know, they they grow further apart on her ass. I don't. I don't give a shit. Don't know why I brought it up. To be honest, um, but it is a I fight that Patrick I and I had a lot on. You brought it up set. because you you do secretly give a give a I, bit of a shit. I don't. I don't. It never should have escalated to the point of us pulling guns on each other and a dispute while think, we were I in don't front think, of the cast and crew. You know, looking back, I don't think anything on set should should be enough for us to draw arms. Uh, but these are the lessons you learn when you're when you're only directing your second film and you're under these high 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 pressure circumstances. Samantha Jones uh, so obviously putting me- a little yeah. vagina cream on. Method once more. Finally- now, look, I'm not a woman, nor am I a doctor, nor am I an OBGYN, but I do question how many creams you topically apply to your vagina um, for like a, a hormonal rebalancing. Because presumably all the medication that she's taking on screen, if I remember correctly from the film I made, is to do with, with steadying the ship. She's going through menopause, right? What would be a vaginally absorbed topical ointment that would affect your hormones? I'm not a woman. I'm not a doctor. But I just, I, I don't know. I can't yeah. remember if that was a good decision we made or if we researched it. Yams, enough. it wasn't really our call. As we said, Kim was very method. So she would, um, she would, she would, she was actually just through the character of Samantha, she was just abiding her own hormone uh, schedule. And, uh, Estrogen cream obviously was part of it. Uh, Touche, touche. People watching online, and I, you had you had some uh, real bones of contention with uh, Kim on set, and you actually because you knew she was method. When we flew into Morocco, we didn't actually shoot in the United Arab Emirates. When we flew into Morocco, you you ensured that customs would take her her hormones off her. Yeah, I wasn't prepared to deal with that. That was a <laughs> a real dick move. Yeah. It was kind of like I lit the fuse and then fucked off out of the situation because I thought it'd be a funny go for everyone to have to deal with her. But I I left immediately. Now, at this point in the movie, not a lot's happened. Uh, We remembered... That that was intentional. We'd we'd set it in Abu Dhabi. We were still very much in New York. And uh, what we thought we we might want is sort of a nagging piece of conflict, just a, a piece of conflict that could sort of underpin the rest of the movie and really drag any positive experience you might have right back down to the base level so that you as an audience member could maybe uh, empathise with how we as directors felt while constructing the film. And uh, this, is the, this is that turning point where suddenly everything just feels like it's dragging you down, just pulling you down to earth. And, and look, Patrick, as you know, what we were so focused on with this film is relatability. I think everyone can relate to owning two apartments in Central City, New York, um, mm-hmm. Everyone mm-hmm. can relate mm-hmm. to accepting that the financial climate mm-hmm. doesn't afford to sell in one of those apartments, so you simply keep it and uh, move your lavish lifestyle from the twelfth floor down to the That's ninth right. as some sort of 
acknowledgement that the financial crisis has happened. Um, I think lots of people can relate to being given a Rolex. Uh, Absolutely. For your, we, for your first wedding anniversary. We Yeah, that's right. And we For your of, first wedding anniversary, yeah. a vintage 1968 engraved Rolex. Everyone can relate to that, right? That's right. That's a normal thing to give. Yeah. We treated the uh, characters as sort of avatars for us and our friends, which is why you could hear such passion in Michael's voice then as he revisited the memory. Because I'm so happy. I'm so happy that my intention has been transferred to the eternity of film and that it was executed so astutely by us. God, we're good. Now, this bit sure has dated the film in retrospect. I think it was it was Chris Chris ad libbed the line state of the art flat screen, uh, and we said we sort of flagged it at the time, didn't we? We said that's gonna that's See, gonna mate, look- it says right here in the script. I got you a tally, yeah, and he wouldn't say it. He wouldn't say the words. I got you a tally, Carrie. And we just stoked. We wanted him to uh, to afflict a more Cockney accent in this scene as well, just for variety, mm. uh, just as an option. You know, what we'll do on set is we'll do we'll do several takes uh, off script, and then we'll do a few sort of mess arounds. Uh, but in this circumstance, we actually try to get Chris to to shoot the whole thing in Cockney, uh, just to just to jazz him up a bit, just because we thought it would look funny playing back when he starts speaking Cockney, and we'd all go, "Ha, huh, Chris, what are you do? How did this get through, Chris? This sounds terrible. What are you doing a Cockney accent for?" And really sort of turn you know turn it back on him, uh, but he didn't do it. He was too quick for us. He is quick, isn't he? I think I knew then that he was going to turn his life around from deviant to pastor. Yeah. Oh yeah. Do, 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 do. I, I tell you, as a director and an audience member, it's this part of the film when things become pretty hard to to engage with and uh, keep track of. There's a lot of stimulation happening as well. We've got uh, we're we're here in the control center, folks. Um, there's a it's heated discussion happening online right now in front of us about whether or not you can shoot periscope videos in the horizontal format. Obviously, it is the preferred format. <laughs> um, I, I don't think the software allows for it. We tried it at, right at, right up the top. If you're just joining us late, didn't quite work out. Um, and then uh, I think if my phone gets back up to the temperatures it reached before, <laughs> the the battery might actually <laughs> explode. So I hope it's worth it for you guys to um, to be watching this because uh, <laughs> seriously, it might kill us and burn down the studio. <laughs> and the thing is as well about like battery acid that shit's going to hurt if it gets on us uh you you big time you're making me terribly uncomfortable right now michael look if anyone knows how to put it in horizontal orientation i'm all ears i'm all fucking ears now uh really what we're doing on film at the moment is resetting up the bit of the movie where we're talking about uh, Carrie's book because we <laughs> we noticed that people had forgotten she was an author and that is kind of important to the series. Uh, so we just wanted to dig back into that thread. Yeah, we've kind of wound up with several loose... If You think of the movie as a sweatshirt. Yeah. Uh, and us as the crocheters or the knitters of the, of the sweatshirt mm. or jersey. Mm. Um, sweatshirt, actually. Uh, we... What we wound up with wasn't a wasn't a. <laughs> Did you deviate too far from your original metaphor? Had to pull yourself well, back. no, I've been in arguments before where people think that it, people say a jersey is any sports team's like apparel. 
That's a jersey and a sweatshirt is a sweatshirt. I've always think, thought of them as the same thing. Anyway, we were trying to knit a sweatshirt and what we came up with was actually just five different bits of wool uh, that were fraying. So I just can't get away from what you've just laid down. Any bit of so like a like a, a, a what would be a basketball singlet for the Bulls? That would be a jersey. That's a that's a Bulls jersey. Yes, really. Even though it's a singlet, mate. <laughs> we're arguing on the same side here. I've. Uh, I oh, say so you're on the side of it's. Yeah, I, I I haven't been able to resolve it in my mind, which is why I auto corrected and avoided. I kind of get I confusion sort of get where they're coming from, but um, now what I love about this scene is none of it. To be honest, this is one of my least favorite scenes. It's just like what's happening here, you know? What's going on? Why did we bother filming this? Because it was an it's ad for most... Sobu Fusion. <laughs> the reason <laughs> they we shot pulled this... out. Yeah, I know. Well, and they... then they scrubbed any record of themselves from the internet. That's how poorly their business did. This whole scene was constructed around a product placement for a product that did so poorly they erased themselves from digital history. Yeah, which is, I mean, it's no mean fit. It takes a lot of trouble and effort. They were so embarrassed by the noodles that they released. I thought they were good. If you're um, not watching the film at home. Uh, and you just listen to the commentary, which I heartily recommend. What even to tell you? Carrie and Big are having a tiff about fucking nothing. He's had a long day at work. He wants to be on the couch. Carrie wants to drag his sorry ass out of there to go to an event for Sam's uh, movie, boyfriend movie. It's. I think people want to know less what the, what the storyline of the film is and more our experience working with the actors. And uh, this is this was actually a pretty good time. I mean, we we sort of again, as as we shot a lot of the film, guerrilla style, sort of went into a a film premiere and crashed it. Uh, you'll notice those aren't real bands; they're just plastic, sort of glittery VIP bands. But we got through. You all know the who same. I like? One of my favorite extras in this film. In fact, I, I'm going to go so far as to say a shining light. Can you see in the back? There's a girl in with a red cap on. Um, when we go to the shots of the paparazzi who are taking all the photos, you'll see her struggling to get in. There she is, yeah, yeah. trying to get her arm in shot. Dynamite, dynamite acting. By we, which I mean like very unbelievable and unrealistic. We actually but just we, big. we called her kid dynamite on set. Yeah, real uh, pro to work with. Real yeah. pleasure. Tim from Queer Eye, who you might remember. Wait, Queer Eye? No. Yes. No, yes. Project Runway. No, before that. No, he wasn't. Wasn't he? No, he wasn't. You're thinking of Carson, the fashion guy from Queer Eye. He did, Eye right. Or guy. one of the other guys from Queer Eye. Runway, yep, indeed. She really is working overtime. I've never noticed her. I didn't notice her on set, which I think probably frustrated her deeply, and I never noticed her on film until now. She's really working overtime, that extra. Well, this was the beautiful thing about having both of us on the project. We could really divvy it up. Yeah. The workload, you know? So I would deal with half the extras. I deal with deal the with other evens. Ha- the, yeah, yeah. Or and- males, as I call them. And uh, the the I guess the the thing of it is that it, sometimes we'd assume the other one was across all of it, and we'd both completely check out. Mm. And you'll notice all the scenes that we shot in Morocco or in Abu Dhabi, as it's set in the film, neither of us were actually directing those. They they kind of directed themselves. Yeah, you could say that. I think I will. I think uh, first of all because it's a, it's good to have transparency with the audience and let them know the parts of the movie we were trying and the parts we weren't. But secondly, I don't want my name associated with any of that stuff from the film. We've had a lot of people remind us that um, about 50% of the film is set, perhaps even slightly more than 50% of the film, is the stuff we shot in Morocco, which we weren't actually a part of. Um, 
sort of backhandedly suggesting that maybe we didn't earn our paychecks on this project. Um, to them, I say, you've probably got a point. Yeah, but it's too late. Uh, we've we've both spent all of our money. We've got a shared investment. Uh, we, we bought a timeshare in Jacksonville, Florida uh, from a lovely guy we met on a street corner. Uh, I think after the rap party, actually, we met him when we were on the way out of the Hilton LA. Uh, it was a guy who was selling a timeshare in, in Jacksonville, Florida. His name was Warren. Screaming Warren, we called him. Yeah. Sorry, voice, a raspy voice like this. Yeah. And he, he was a very persuasive salesman. And uh, we, we have it yet. Yeah, you are. Oh, you what street are you on uh, in Jacksonville? There, we have got uh, someone on Periscope who's also there. You might be able to actually go check on the house because um, we haven't been for a few years, so we don't really know what's going on with it anymore. Hope Screaming Warren's doing well for himself now. We had to get rid of the uh, condo. Actually, lost all its value because there were a lot of stabbings in the neighbourhood. Mm. So really, property mm. prices just also we couldn't a, get rid of the thing. Couldn't sort of pay someone a very to take it off traceable, us. very obvious uh, alignment between the increase in, in crime and our, our presence in the neighbourhood. We don't didn't ne- look good on us. No, did not look did good not reflect for us. well on us. Jesus, this uh, is another scene which I could probably take or leave. Um, to be fair. Yeah, we got Penelope Cruz in there um, so that we could put her, her name on the poster. To be honest, it's an old Hollywood trick. Let me tell you guys. And I'll tell you who's who's a real inspiration with regards to that is uh, Adam Sandler. Now, there's a guy who's who's taken the ball of just throwing names on a poster and running with it. And yeah. uh, if you're listening, Adam, big shout out to you. Yeah, uh, we'd love to we'd work, love with, to you work with you in the future. And again. Adam Sandler had a film in this a scene in this film that was cut. He had a film in this film that was cut, actually. Yeah. It happened on the TV when Big flicks it on, but we had to we swap it out because we had a dispute later. So we put on uh, Deadliest Catch, which is my favourite TV show. It is your favourite TV show. You actually applied to be on that boat for the first season, and they said, no, you, we're not looking for actors. We're looking for actual crab fishermen. Yeah, and, and kicked, crabs. Yeah, and you kicked I said, it. I could be a crab. And they said, let's see what your breath control is like. And uh, apparently my asthma took me out of the running to perform as a crustacean, and we can see it right here on Deadliest Catch. That's right. Eight. Your your good friend uh, Neville actually got he got in the role of crab too, didn't he? Really fucked me off. I haven't spoken to him since. Really? I also slept with his sister though, <laughs> which uh, some people would argue a little little too hardcore in terms of retribution for getting a role that I wanted. But um, I think I him. think using anyone as an object. Well, I guess you've you've got this unique sort of attitude, don't you, towards the treatment of people on set? Uh, yeah, she wasn't on set though. I took her out for dinner. It was all good. Sarah Jessica Parker here. We said to the costume designers, um, think I Dream of Jeannie. And they and said, give me that. Yeah, and they came back with a perfect I Dream of Jeannie costume. And we said, uh, why not? We said, sure. Yeah. A lot of whiskey. A lot of whiskey and a lot of the time on set is just us signing off blindly. <laughs> And just leaving the room, just in leave, the middle of shoots, just leaving the room, and we'd always come and tr- try and come up with different sort of catchphrase ways to exit the room. A um, lot of mid nineties TV shows, you know, like I'd I'd yell out, "Did I do that?" and then bail. Yeah, and and I'd uh, I, I'd actually copy you. You you were never there. You'd leave the room first, but I'd so always unoriginal. be so impressed and panicked by what you're doing. I'd just do exactly the same exit. I like this line. This is an ad lib from from Chris Noeth, uh, where he just lobs a grenade uh, straight at the character Carrie Bradshaw or SJP, as we called her on set. And uh, it, it's again, it sort of he, he did a great job of finding the heart of the movie and just that sort of 
dragging sensation that pulls you down to it. We call it the gravity effect, and the gravity effect is pretty much present the whole way through this film, just the sense that you're losing time and you're losing your livelihood. Uh, and the network said, we don't know why you insist on having this sort of feel permeate the entire movie. And we said, we don't either. Uh, we've talked to doctors and that, you know, they're saying there's probably medically there might be something wrong with you. Mm. But we did it anyway. We did it anyway and we sold the fucker. And now we're rich, baby. Well, we could say that briefly. Not now, but. We were rich. That condo really cleaned us yes. out. I've got a real bone to pick with Screaming Warren now that I think about it. I kind of, in my memory, I've always put him in the cabinet of good people. Like he's just a cool guy who we met who hooked us up with a business. He was a nice guy. He gave but, us both some coffee. He had that thermos. Yeah, I know. But like a multi million dollar condo, which suddenly loses all its value when you come in. I mean, you're not a little cheesed off about that? Yeah, it does. It does. It does cheese. You know what? It does cheese me off. Sounds gross when you say it. Cheesed off. Cheesed off is fine, but for someone to cheese you off, it sounds like you're saying something else. I think you you you're hearing something else because I'm I'm just saying he does. He did. He took my cheese. Took my cheese and all my money. I call money cheese. Oh, your money is your cheese. I'm off to off to earn some off to earn some cheese this weekend. Gotcha. Um, back to the relatability theme, which permeates the entire film. We are in the second New York City apartment for this couple. Uh, and as <laughs> we, we want to stay true to the TV series. So even though there is absolutely no point in it, um, we wanted to keep the narration aspect alive for Carrie Bradshaw so that she can comment on the mundane events that are happening in her life, as opposed to the more metaphorical wider picture commentary she was making about modern life as a single female in a metropolitan city which was so uh, iconic such a large part of the tv show yeah it was also a lot of us just covering our tracks because we knew that there were going to be glaring plot holes and we thought you know what's an easy fix what how can we sew a thread through this uh these five stray bits of wool so you you want to know why i've started having to call money cheese always I always want to know that. Uh, well, last week I was wa- I was walking home from an open mic for my slam poetry. Mm. Uh, How's that going, by the way? It's okay. Do you want to hear my latest poem? Yep. It's called Feelings. Yep. I got feelings coming through my body. Hold up. Hold up for one second. You, you would never tell a slam poet to hold up. Oh, uh, God. Like you're not going to do a, another bloody bongo solo during my slam oh, poetry, are you? Oh, I just jammed my finger in there. Ow. Okay. Fuck, that really hurt. All right, here we go. You ready? Poem time. I got feelings coming through my fingers. I call them feelies. It feels like an apple. I eat the apple. I put it in my body. I digest it. I got feelings. And yeah, it, it didn't go very well at all, actually. I was in a pretty foul mood after the open mic, so I was walking home, and I, I came across this... Whoa! 
Hate to stop you there, but can we just hit pause for one second because our main man, Coffee Guy, has arrived on set. Booyah! That's his third cup of joe for the day. And he, he is, is out of there. He had a real busy <laughs> schedule. Jesus Christ, did he what? He what actually, he, it's, a lot of people have asked us what, what exactly, you know, what is he doing and where's he off to? What's his motivation, so to speak? Yeah, well, did you see that waitress follow him as soon as he left? Yeah, well, the thing is, so he actually hires himself out, this guy. His, his, his real name is Michelle Landry. Uh, and he 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 works on different sets on different lots as a coffee drinking extra, and so he books out a day. He'll do sort of maybe one hundred five minute shoots in a day. He's the best in the biz, and you've definitely seen him perform in other movies. You just wouldn't know it. Yeah, and and an ter- Terminator Two and the bar scene when he uh, need your clothes, your motorcycle, and your clothes, your boots, and your motorcycle. Yeah, he's 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 just. Slamming back uh, Carlura and coffee in the background of frame. In Alien, um, when we first see Alien on stage, on screen, after we've uh, sort of created that, that moody feel for so, so long, um, just behind Sigourney Weaver, you'll actually see Coffee Guy there. Uh, yep. he's, in the, he's in the spacecraft. He's uh, Hollywood's, Hollywood's worst kept secret, we call him. He's in the Titanic. I'm not going to tell you where. You yeah, find him. you got to watch that one. That is a good film. Uh, and James Bloody Cameron, if you are listening, big big shout out to you. Love to work with you again. Love to work with you again. If, you, if you'll have us, we were, we, you might remember us, we worked as production runners on Titanic. Uh, we were the ones who put those barrels side on and uh, took and, and took out the, the actress playing Rose, uh, the elder actress. Now, a lot of people have pointed out that marriage in the terrible twos doesn't require an apostrophe at the front. And as a professional writer for... Uh, Renowned publications such as Vogue, Carrie Bradshaw would know that. Here's the God's honest truth, folks. Uh, we're not good spellers. We're not good with punctuation. Do you know what Patty and I do? We make dreams. We make dreams on the screen Dream come true. And you don't need a uh, stunning analytical brain with regard to grammar and punctuation for that. You need to think big fucking picture. And and, and I think we we do a great job of doing that. And you know. There's a, there's, I'm pretty confident that's the only punctuation or spelling error in the, in the whole film, but uh, if we had our time over, I'd, I'd, I'd make it again. It's fairly prominent. Yeah, I'd, I'd stand by it as well. So, so anyway, as I was saying, I was coming home from the slam poetry. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I really um, railroaded you there, yeah. Yeah, and uh, this guy, this this guy, who was sort of, he was wearing a, 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 a suit jacket, mostly, uh, of weaved together rats. And uh, he was a pretty confronting guy, his... Uh, Hair as as orange as as the flames shooting up from the gates of Hades himself. Wow! Uh, and he said to me, "Oi, you, yeah, start calling money cheese." And then he clicked his fingers, and the rats all exploded alive and started crawling all over me. And he Jesus. disappeared completely. And I uh, I jogged home and had a had a shower, quick smart. And uh, I don't know I don't know much more about it than that. But but let it be known, I, I'm I'm certainly calling money cheese from here forth because I don't want to. I don't want to trifle with that guy any more than is absolutely necessary. That is fucking terrifying, mate. I'm sorry you had to go through that. That's okay. It's no good. It was a pretty rough night. Mm. And then I got home and my girlfriend uh, was was having sex with my brother. So that was obviously pretty upsetting as well. It was actually probably, saying it back out loud, it's, it was a rough day, but it wasn't all bad. Uh, I had half a half a thing of a nine pack of nuggets in the fridge. So I had, had a good bit of dinner. Not all bad then. Chris Noeth. Refusing to put any liquid in that cup to this day. Yeah, I'm perplexed and disappointed. We just got a text decision. from him actually. He's on the Periscope and he said he's, he's changed his name to Chris Noth. 
Uh, he, he no he longer he, well, he, he no longer pronounces S because he believes that S is the sound of the devil. Jesus, or Jethith, if Chris North. There's would quite a conclusion say. to get to when your own name has a few S's in it. Oh, it's it's changed the whole way he preaches. A lot of people are having trouble understanding him in his sermons now. He was saying because um, well, he's essentially changed the concept of language. How long's this movie? Uh from memory. I think the first cut we made, the first pass we did, it was seven hours long, and I think we somehow managed to whittle it down to two and a half. Okay, good to know. Good to know. How are you, Sarah Jessica Parker, very astute uh, periscope watcher. Um, that's hilarious. This that's that's tickled me. That is how Big would say it these days. Uh, so tell me, tell me, Michael. I mean, what are your what are your memories? Because this is all part of that afternoon we spent having to shoot the whole film in one afternoon in the apartment. What do you remember of doing this stuff in the bathroom? Um, this scene, I'm not so attached to. Uh, I could take it or leave it. I uh, kind of flipped a coin as to whether or not we were going to keep it in. Um, to be frank, but you know, Chris Noth is giving it his all. SJP? Uh, I like the reference to um, Rodney Dangerfield that we managed to slip in there. The, we got her to say five days a week. Five days a week. This guy. Take my wife. Not we, really. Take her. Yeah. I uh, actually restructured uh, the mortgage on my house to hire Rodney Dangerfield as an acting coach for Sergius Kapaga to get that line. Which might just be confusing so. for some people considering how long he's been dead for, but mm. we had a necromancer on set as well, so we were all good. If you were to look at our books, the the ones, the sort of untampered with ones, as they actually read, I think, you know, I, I do see why the studio had some problems with the way we were spending the budget of the film. Mm. I mean, we were like a couple of kids in a candy store. We were, we were running riot, really. Yeah. We took a few liberties, it's fair to say. But do you know what? Sometimes a film set needs a necromancer. Well, I, this I, was I one you, of them. look, you don't need to sell it to me again. I was yeah. on board from dot one. Yeah, I know. Really respect you, Patrick. Really respect the hell out of you. I respect you for being open to learning about film from me and coming into bat against the studio when they said you don't need a necromancer on set. It is my pleasure, and I'm really happy that we're uh, actually doing this together again because I have I have missed you. I've missed you in my life. Mm. Uh, I didn't realize that you were really a rock for me. You're a really solid presence in my life, and uh, you know it's been things. Things have been tough. I didn't want to let you know. I didn't want to say it out loud. But yep. that that uh, Monday night story I told you from my poetry slam just earlier, that's not just a Monday night. That's more or less every night for me now. I, I feel tell. like my luck's really turned. and I'm You're eating yourself to death, Patty, and I'm worried about you. You're eating nothing but apples. You're ODing on vitamin C. It's not healthy for a man. You've got to get a little bit more variety in that diet. <sighs> Stop eating your feelings. There's a lot of people who care about you out there. Thank you. We're on the plane now to Abu Dhabi. Uh, this is sort of the point in the editing suite where one of the guys from the studio was like, are you fucking kidding me? How are we not in Abu Dhabi yet if this film is set in Abu Dhabi? Um, look, credit to them. We've been going for an hour so far when we got down to the final edit. Oh, which reminds me, actually. Um, I'm going to take a photo of us at the hour mark. Okay. An hour of friendship. An hour, an hour into a friendship rekindled. That's what I call it. 
Uh, not a real plane. A lot of people think that all airplane scenes and films and television is shot on airplanes. That's just not realistic. Uh, this is actually just a set. It's a train set um, that we we borrowed from a guy called Reverend Lovejoy. Um, and what we did is we had a, a shrink ray and we shrunk all of the actors down to train model size and we put them on the set inside one of the little trains from our friend Le- Reverend Lovejoy and uh, then we, we, we brought them back up to, to real size. So, I mean, that's another interesting expenditure. And looking back on it, it doesn't reflect well on us as accountants, which is unconventional to be hired as an director slash accountant, but that's the way we hired ourselves. So, My question is, was Mr. Lovejoy named after the Simpsons character or was the Simpsons character named after him? Uh, I think that the, the, the man we're talking about is one and the same. Oh, yep. That's cool. On an ordinary day, that wouldn't make sense to me, but luckily for you, Patrick, I did a lot of mushrooms this morning. That's my that's my Mikey. Have you ever been on a plane this fancy? I'm not even totally sure they exist. No, they do exist. We just said, think Star Trek. It's a bar. <laughs> and this and our set designers, they made it yeah. just off that simple instruction. That's how good they are. The set designers are real pros, actually. They're a real joy to work with. Yeah. Just saw a coffee guy actually walk uh, along the back of set. You be careful. There's a lot of cables around the place at the moment there, Patty. We're running a very high-tech... Op- yeah, absolutely. I'll have another bottle of water. Thank you. It's a very high-tech operation that we're running here. Hey, feel that phone, though. Put your, your hand on that streaming device. Is that doggy heating up a little? She's getting there, eh? Bloody hell. Yeah, she's pretty warm. Sorry, I actually just had to go for a quick walk down the garden path to uh, retrieve a bucket of water from the, the well, or a pail of water, as we call it here in New Zealand. Seems to be struggling with that uh, bottled water. Yeah, well, it's, right? a, it's not a twist-off. Oh, there we go. Which is how they usually do water. This is um, so because- part of the film where Carrie Bradshaw is attempting to explain to her uh, friends why taking a couple of days off a of marriage your week, uh, a couple of days a week off your marriage is, is perfectly good. normal and adult thing to do. Yeah. And I could not agree more. We had a uh, real difficulty directing this scene because as I mentioned earlier, we'd shrunk the actors down to, uh, to model train size and put them inside a model train. So they were sort of left to their own devices. And they had to shoot the whole thing themselves, those four those four main actors. And I think they did a pretty good job, pretty they bang well. up. I mean, all this, had we not flagged it with you, the the uh, Six and City 2 fan, you probably wouldn't have known that this was all shot on a model train. Well, the, the interesting thing about film is if you shoot everything in scale, you got no other frame of reference. Then yeah. it, when everything's yeah. miniaturized, it looks exactly the same as if it's normal size. But this, all, everything that happens on the plane, model train set, Terrifying technology that we stumbled on, uh, realistically. Mm, mm. You know, James Cameron gets a lot of credit for um, discovering bits of the Titanic that hadn't previously been seen. And, um, you know, the Wachowskis got credited with creating the film effect for bullet time. Not a lot of people realise that we invested a lot of time and money into um, finding out how to shrink humans, human beings. Successful. I think you, you, you speak for us well there and you represent us well. Uh, Michael, because that was that was a lot of work for us to do and not a lot of credit. 
And until we sort of blew the whistle on it just now and said, hey, this is the technology we used, this is what we did, um, it wouldn't have been known that we did that. And, you know, if anyone's interested in buying the technology that shrinks humans uh, without any sort of ill side effects... Get in touch. By all means, get in touch. We'd love to sell it to you. And uh, we're both falling on pretty hard financial times, so... Let it be known, the deal will be on the cheapo. Uh, the cheese shall be flowing at Casa Patrick King. <laughs> so the cheese is flowing. It almost suggests that you're paying people to take the product, which makes me wonder if this is how you got into the sticky monetary situation you're in right now. I'm not how sure I you... balance my books is my business. Why yeah, don't you back you... the fuck off? It was nice to see you to begin with. But All I'm trying you're, to explain you're to you, me. Patty, you're is me. that you don't make money by giving money away for the product. You're supposed you to take know. money off Incorrect. people for it. You don't make money by doing that. Other people might. I don't know where you got this horrible idea. You've well, been I, hanging I, out. I got it. You've been hanging out with the wrong people. I've been hanging out with the, the wrong People, all old right? tooth, what's I his t- name? Old old Toothy. I got up from screaming. Old Toothy. I got up from screaming Warren. Screaming Warren. Don't bring him into this. He I gave me. He did. He did. When you left, when we signed the paper, you left, and he gave me some financial advice that I've been abiding since. The scene was shot um, in real size, just so we're all aware. Yeah, Off we're back. We're now. back on planet Earth now. We're in Morocco. And uh, I'll tell you what, we did not get clearance to shoot at the airport. So we had to, which is hard to do with a big crew, but we had to shoot yeah. kind of around security. It's not until you watch it back that you realize how much of this, it's quite fun to almost revisit it in a sense, how much of this movie we shot on the fly, sort of guerrilla style. We actually used, in the pitch to the executives, we used uh, the Blair Witch Project as a reference point for how we wanted to shoot a lot of the film. and. Because we only, by accident, rented steady cams, we couldn't quite get that effect. But a, a lot of this stuff was done in motion and in fear. We were going to these guys. Listen, we're going to need to pay for a lot of licenses when we go to Morocco. And then what we did is we screwed that money away and we put more of it into the Necromancer account. Robert Roberts, uh, he, he told us to do that, and he's a smart man, smarter than me. Smarter than most, it'll be fair to say. Anyone smarter than you, smarter than most in my eyes, Michael. You're a you're a top bloke with a heart of gold. Go fuck yourself, Patty. Now, this wasn't a real hotel. This was a set, and the set itself absolutely riddled with borer. All of the wood is rotting. You'll notice if we go... I can't even remember if we go do another... Yeah, there we go. Shot at the back there with the perimeter around the thingy, yeah, the doorframe. You see less, it, it's been eaten. Yeah, we're missing a quarter of a doorframe there. Uh, and OSH, which is what we call health and safety here in New Zealand, if they had been on set, I'm pretty sure we wouldn't have been allowed to push on. But uh, Or it's all right, unless you made a wood. Unless unless you're Pinocchio making a film, you're not going to get affected by the borer. Well, or do you mean things we falling were, we, on people? We, we actually used this set right after Pinocchio 2. The sequel to Pinocchio was being shot there, and they did have a real puppet on set. And uh, tragically, a sentient puppet, that is, and tragically the puppet uh, pa- passed away. Poor wee enchanted bastard. He was eaten alive. It's the puppet equivalent of necrotizing fasciitis, getting bore when you're a wooden puppet. Mm. It's not a good way to go. It's no way to go. And, it's uh, like, um, you know how a lot of people muse that... Uh, burning to death is the worst way to die. Yeah. Imagine that if you're a wooden puppet. It's even worse. That's right. So in addition to uh, dedicating the movie to, to Keithy uh, Crown uh, Handler, uh, we also, there's also, you can't see it's Invisible Ink, but we also dedicated it to uh, Terry, the uh, the wooden boy. 
You can't see it, but if you what happens is if you squeeze lemon juice on the screen while the credits are rolling, the invisible ink will come up and you'll see the on your tally, yeah, 3D tally. Pretty cool technology. You got to use a lot of lemon juice though, like a lot. What is there to say about the film? You know what I mean? <laughs> when you get right down to it, when you've when you've spent as much time with the movie as we have, it's like what. What can you say about a movie like this? I would, you know, some people would probably say, um, if you could do it all again, Michael, yeah. if you could go back to February of this year, yep. when you were going to tell people the next exciting project you were going to be working on, um, would you do it? Would you do it again? You know, would you, if you could choose to direct or be involved with Sex and City 2 in whatever capacity you have been involved with it before, would you say yes? Do you know what I would do? I would uh, I would do the project again, but I would do it in secret and with a, like a, a pseudonym, like a, a nom de plume. A pen name. A pen name. A director's uh, alias is what I would use, so that I could still be involved with this wonderful production. But without any but of without the fear any of, of the retribution. Career, yeah, yeah, the career-ending ramifications. Because... We have not worked in film since. Neither of us have, no. Bloody blows. Well, it's Bloody it's difficult when you spend your whole career as a as a filmmaker to be told that you're you're no longer legally you're no longer allowed within five hundred meters of the set or the industry. I mean, how do you avoid an abstract concept like an industry? It makes no sense. Yeah, it's difficult. It's like trying to avoid a feeling. You can't I'm tell us to afraid of hunger. It doesn't make any sense, but that's that was that was a court decreed. So that's that's federal law. We're not allowed within five hundred meters of the film industry. So, I mean, it's, it rules out the internet, rules out a lot of books, rules out nearly all conversation. We found some loopholes, though. For example, if you perform uh, a movie live on a stage and periscope it out, that doesn't technically qualify as a film. Yeah, that is a performance. Uh, well, we I mean, it's a grey area, and it doesn't feel. The, certainly, the first time we did it, it didn't feel. It didn't sit very well with me. It didn't oh, no. sit comfortably within me. Well, but, we weren't um, making any money from it. That's why. No, you're all about that cheese. I am all about that cheese. Uh, let it be known, actually. I've just changed my will to this last night. I put it. My epitaph is that what it's called? Yep. So that's what will be inscribed upon my tombstone. Is uh, here here lies Patrick King, all about that cheese. And I want a, a new lay, a new a new kilogram of either Edam, Tasty, or Colby to be laid upon my grave each day. I don't want uh, mild because I don't care for it. What? So you're flipping between the metaphor and literal cheese, and then it's almost like posthumously you want the literal cheese to be a metaphor for money. Yes, you're you a crazy have man. Very very accurately and imaginably captured. The uh, essence of what I was trying to communicate. Now, um, this was the origin of our favourite bumper sticker that we made for the franchise. Yes. Hashtag decal your kneequab. This scene exists solely for that catchphrase, solely for that bumper sticker. And I tell you what, this movie did not make a lot at the box office, but it made a shitload at your local convenience store of people buying that bumper sticker. That's right. Uh, what we did is we muddled up the orders with uh, a bunch of old Barack Obama change bumper stickers as well. Um, so, you know, some people were, were rocking a, a, a change in equab 
or a decal. You need. We had two hashtags De- going. Decal we were, your Obama. Decal your Obama. One. Yeah. Or change your Nequab. Um, and an, and another third. So there's a third of that, and a third of the other one, and a third of actual decal your Nequab. Oh, and, bumper stickers. and those a, have become collectors' items. Th- there was a fourth one which was a misprint that's very rare to get your hands on, so it barely makes up a percentage. But it was um, Hope and Nequal. Hope and Nequal. Nequal, yeah. So it was kind of like a condensement of all. It was chaos. Now, at this point, it, it must be said the actors were. There was a bit of tension on set between them. Very testy. Uh, they weren't all getting along swimmingly, which is a, a film term for well. Because, uh, you know, you say, how did this how did the shit go? It originated when Alfred Hitchcock first shot in a pool. And they said, how was today's shooting, Alfred? And he said, I went swimmingly. And everyone was so inspired and sort of scared of Alfred. We all I'd picked just it like up to as a point out to everyone, 301 August 26th. That's what the clocks just told us. So I didn't mean to interrupt you. Uh, no, it's all right. It's just, an, it's just an anecdote about the one time I met Alfred Hitchcock. It's fine, though. I mean, I'm sure you've got lots of fascinating stories about your time with Alfred. Never met him. That's right. Always be a big regret of mine. That's why you're always stepping on my Hitchcock anecdotes. Yeah, I know. Because you're swimming in the jealous sea. You're drowning out there. Throw me a lifesaver. Throw me a lifesaver. Give me a hand out here, Patty. Uh, and here's... I'm, 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 a f- I'm awash in the jealousy. <laughs> a, fa- a fascinating fact for fans of the film... Uh, for those of you maybe who are trying to, to and fans of alliteration to it's gauge to gauge where the timing is, this is more or less exactly the halfway point. This so fifty percent done, fifty percent completed the movie. You had a progress bar loading. Uh, you'd be at fifty percent right now, which it, it, it sounds like a lot, but it feels like it should be more. And that was a conscious decision on our end. We wanted to play with the concept of time. I think we were so inspired by, you know, you with your hallucinogens and cocaine and me mostly with the cocaine on set uh, that we wanted to play with the concept of time. You're right. We've got a couple of people. I'm sorry to interrupt again. Some people listening live simply with the comment, holy fuck, this movie is long. You're not wrong. That's right. You're not wrong. That's a valid comment on the film. And and as my esteemed co-director Patrick here states... It was intentional by us. We wanted to mess with that. Nothing that happens on set is by accident. Some of it was uh, because our backs were against the wall and we had to go through with the only option we had, but none of it was by mistake. And that's a real point of pride. Mine, that's actually the top line on my CV. Patrick King, underneath that, never made a mistake. Underneath that, uh, crazy about the cheese. All about the cheese. Underneath that, stack that cheese. Um, I really like the interplay of the Eastern and Western cultures in this scene. To pat ourselves on the back for maybe the first time during the director's commentary. This is where Carrie Bradshaw really starts learning about um, different cultures, different nationalities, how the other half live. Garou is her manservant in the hotel, which I think we can all agree is a perfectly legitimate and fine thing. We don't need to give a second thought in the year 2015. And no. he reveals that he only makes enough money to see his wife uh, about quarterly. So about every time that one of the large companies that probably pay Carrie Bradshaw her money on a quarterly basis each year, that's that's when uh, Garo gets to see his wife because she lives in India because they both earn so little money they have to live in, in separate countries. And we they thought what would be quite a, quite a cool sort of touching moment would be for Carrie to, to take a lesson or a, you know, a feeling or maybe even just a 
something from it and uh, for that to for that to be no well we we tossed up the idea of empathy didn't we we tossed up the idea of sort of perspective but we we sort of forged ahead with the original path the movie was uh beating which was just blind comedy self-indulgence comedy to the point of comedy to the point of comedy which is why we've uh, immediately gone from the conversation about a man so poor he can only see his wife once every three months to the most lavish nonsensical breakfast I've ever seen for four people in my and life just to in make film sure, yeah or and to make sure that that distinction between those two scenes was strong we put in uh, that line there from Garon which is what would you like for breakfast which qualifies the logic of the scene is the fact that these four these four women had to order all that food individually so they have ordered quite literally enough to feed probably 10 families comfortably do you reckon we should rig up the asthma inhaler at this point I, I do over fifty percent done. Yeah, I feel like it's an appropriate time. I mean, your asthma is playing up, isn't it, Michael? It sure is. Yeah, I'm getting a real tight chest over here. Do you, do you, do you want to rig I up? Can, I can absolutely help you. Okay, I'll take over for a bit. Um, so this scene I could take or leave. To be honest with you, I'm not super attached to it. Um, real flip of the coin uh, when we're in the editing suite to determine whether we kept or or left it, but. Um, Patty actually made a con- compelling argument that if we were making a movie that was costing this many tens of millions of dollars, we needed to justify it with more minutes on screen. And um, there's very much uh, an illogic to that because a skillful movie doesn't need to be a long movie. But there's also something about if less is more, imagine how much more more could be. You confuse people with the length of this film. You baffle them with the slow pacing of it. They emerge from a two and a half hour cinematic cocoon saying, how did nothing happen? How did no character learn anything? How was there an absence of arc for this amount of time? And how did you sustain the process of making this? How is this project something that got released out into the world and put into real cinemas alongside actual movies. That is the challenge that Patrick and myself, Michael King, set out for ourselves. I'm sorry, I've, I've misstepped, I've misspoke. You've mixed us up, haven't you? My name is Michael, just Michael. My name is Patrick King. His name is Patrick King. I just sometimes get so upset. I get, I get worked up, I forget my own name. While revisiting this sort of uh, hazy and, I've said the word hazy an awful lot, this hazy and harsh, I guess, if I'm going to use the H sound, if I want to follow up that sort of alliteration, this hazy and harsh time in your life is it's, it's bound to dredge up both memories, positive and negative. Because uh, as with all film shoots, the whole thing wasn't, wasn't a walk in the park. Some of it was quite hard work. I mean, it's a fun job, as the great Cypress Hill said before, rap superstar it's a fun job but it's still a job i mean i don't think i don't really think people understand what it's like to be involved in this in this rap shit i didn't see it i never saw it until i was actually in it because you got to be in it to understand what it's like you know people always want to it's not actually cypress hill saying that it's eminem interesting you bring up cypress hill right now isn't it just i mean we for the use of the asthma inhaler we got in touch with them to soundtrack a lot of this movie and they just flatly denied us. They said, we don't know who you are. We don't know the franchise. We don't trust either of you to look at you right now. The fact that you're outside our studio banging on the glass with rocks, that is not the sort of people that we tend to work with. And uh, all power to them, they were right. 
Still, Black Sunday, top five albums of all time. It's a big call, but, uh, you know, that's the beauty of music, isn't it? It's subjective, a lot like filmmaking, although this is objectively a good film. Now, funnily enough, in the original version of the script, uh, when Carrie Bradshaw asks the man how much the shoes are, he's supposed to say 100 drones. Hmm. And he sort of... He wanted to sort of uh, predate drone warfare or yeah. at least the use of drones in, in conflict. Uh, just as a sort of reference point, just sort of timestamp the movie as ahead of its time. And uh, we, we just couldn't get that delivery right, could we? It's all right. You take the wins where you can and you accept the rest. As well you know, Patty. That's how we worked on this film. Just got to keep on trucking, keep on moving. That's right. I don't know if that drill's coming in uh, on this microphone. Our neighbours are just doing some uh, some work on the the house. It's very persistent, though. Really, just power drilling the deck, me just off, putting a big hole in the deck. Really, high pitched wine takes me back to working with Kim Cattrall. We realise at this point the likelihood of anyone having paid attention to the movie through this amount of time is very low, and so just for anyone who is sort of absorbing it in a in a malaise, uh, we thought we'd throw in a familiar character, maybe to just jolt them, to shake them alive and back into the world of the film. And that's that's how we got Aiden. We actually just ran into him in Morocco at the time. Uh, everything, Aiden thought we were shooting a documentary about what became of the stars of Sex in the City. So he's, uh, this is another classic example of us sort of having to reappropriate a lot of footage. Chris Noeth made a very off-colour joke that we should, re- we should kind of rework the storyline with Aiden and... Uh, He's been spending a lot of time abroad um, outside the company of his wife, shall we say, and that we should come up with a nickname which is Aidston, which I just I didn't, didn't feel care comfortable for, no. with at all. And I, yeah, I mean, if you are, if you do follow the Church of Noth, of Chris Noth, uh, Therial Pastor is what he calls himself, uh, carb free Therial Pastor. Um, from San Bernardino. He, yeah, he, he probably isn't too comfortable with us bringing up these unsavory recollections of what he was like to work with. I on can the kind film, of see why he talks like that, though. It is fun. San Bernardino. It's sort of Sex like and being the a snake. This is how I imagine snakes talk. Sucker and suckatash. Or cats. Pussy cats. Glamour pusses. If you are on the Periscope right now, you'll notice I'm fingering Dan Patrick's uh, undercarriage. Spiffkin. That is uh, a, a grab from the film Grown Ups 2 in which he has already uttered the line, who wants to watch me climb a rope captured through the medium of oil on canvas. Up here we've got, oh, I don't know where my hand's pointing. Braden Higgins in full effect with his papa. And that picture up there. And what's you, that one? That's Tim Meadows, isn't yeah. it? The one that's right Those there. Those of you one of mine. listening at home, obviously you can't see any of this, so the experience is wasted on you, for which we do apologise. What that related to was a brief stint where some friends of ours fundraised for a trip to go to America, um, for which they're eternally grateful for all contributions. Um, as and sort of inefficient the, in uh, extending their gratefulness as yeah. they are grateful. They gave out, they gave out some artwork. They're actually talking about um, getting some bloody merch off the line soon. That line good. there was uh, it was just very fortunate for us. We didn't know, but SJP and the character who plays Aiden actually dated on set, uh, uh, you know, during the shooting of Sex in the City. So that line saying it's rude to not call an old boyfriend for dinner, 
that's a real cry for help from him towards SJP, even though he knows full well she's married to Matthew Broderick. Worked on a lot of levels. You're right, Michael. You yeah, sort I'm of you, you had a similar look in your eyes when we actually were on set, which was you, you, I, I felt like at, at certain moments you'd get lost in an existential crisis. <laughs> Sometimes you question uh, what brought you here and what you're doing with your life, and certainly this is one of those. However, it brings me great joy to be here for this director's commentary at this precise moment in time because I'm going to get to present for you one of the largest um, continuity errors ever captured on film. Here we introduce the Australian rugby team. Now let's ignore the fact that the rugby world trials. Yeah, this is regrettable. Don't exist, I just wanted rugby they. in the movie, and you sort of bought me at my word. I mean, a lot of this plot doesn't make any sense, but uh, the less said about that. it, the better. Yeah, let's ignore that. So we're going to a slow motion shot. We can see in the back because we're focusing on Samantha, but in the back, Miranda has a knife and fork out where she's eating some food. She's she's tucking in. She's really getting stuck into the food. She doesn't care for the sausage. And now when we go back to her, boom, it's transformed into a tall drink. That's the magic of cinema. We put that in just to keep people on their toes. And we figure enough time has been now that we can point it out. I'm comfortable with it. Uh, you'll also notice in the background of frame here, uh, a, a father scolding his child. Oh, I love that. And uh, those weren't extras. Those weren't paid. They, they were non-unionized extras. So those were, there was a, you were witnessing real family conflict amongst a Moroccan family there at this hotel. Non-unionized workers is the best turn of phrase you've come up with for people who we accidentally filmed and didn't get a release form for. Yeah. And we toyed around with a lot of ideas. Assholes was one term we were using for a while. Which felt unnecessarily aggressive. They were technically, unbeknownst to them, doing us a favor. Apart from these uh, four leads, no one was actually paid to act in the film. Uh, not even Chris, Noeth, none of these people. Uh, sort of, I don't know if unsavory is the right word, but they're not great work conditions, are they? What's that? Being in Morocco? Or us just not paying anyone. Oh, it's yeah. It's regrettable. Yeah. But like, you know, the more I say back how we made this film out loud, the more I realize why we were railroaded from the entire industry. The fact we're even talking about it right now is highly illegal, but we're just playing ahead anyway. What I liked about shooting this scene um, is all the sand everywhere. I'm very excited by sand. gets me very aroused. Something about the fact that it can fit into uh, anywhere. Yeah, you spent a lot of our first day in the desert uh, in, the, in the hospital tent because you were so aroused by the sand. You only burned a lot of your appendage, but you, uh, you got a lot of small granules all up in you. Yeah, well, I insisted on climbing to the tallest sand dunes and then just rolling down naked. And uh, in this heat, health risk. Yeah, in any heat, it's a health risk. Uh, I, and I said that at the time. I said, I don't care what the temperature is, you're not doing that. But by the time I'd finished the sentence, you were halfway. I mean, you were moving quickly back then. You were like a cat, weren't you? You were, you were there, you were here, you were everywhere. You were halfway up the hill. That was part of the problem. My sentence it was too fell. damn fast. Deaf ears, yeah. And I kept doing forward rolls. Like somersaults instead of, you know, like sideways roly polies. If it was a sideways roly poly, I don't think I would have been in too much trouble. But doing the old uh, somersault. You roll down a 70 meter hill in sand. Naked. I got up to quite a clip too, you did. all told. They reckon I hit that tree at 30 kilometers. <laughs> That's not slow. Yeah, this your is a didn't lie. Um, terrifying shot in a hello to Dublin from us. Just periscope checking in there. Um, we wanted to create a post-apocalyptic hellscape in the middle of the movie where we see four visions of death, kind of like the four horsemen of the apocalypse just emerge from sand dunes, and I think we captured that tone beautifully. 
Yeah. What do you think? I agree. Pat track. It was your call, and I, I, I do sign off on it. I think because the general tone of the film is so muddled and diverse that we, we a lot of the decisions we did uh, make, you know, that we made an executive call on, they've come through. We watching just it, get watching bored. It, we what, get bored yeah. and we go, now we're going to make Star Trek, but it's a bar. Watching it back, I wouldn't say I'm proud of what we've done, but I'd say it certainly holds its own as a unique experiment. I would think people treated it as a blockbuster release. This is really more of an avant-garde kind of... This is... There are the brush, stroke, brush strokes of two auteurs all over, all over this film. Would you say that? I mean, so I, I feel like... Heady. I, I am... Uh, I'm pretty giving us a pretty big backpack there, but sure uh, I think we've earned it. All right, fair enough. I tell you what, us creating this uh, thin thread, though, of the four horsemen of the apocalypse being what this film's really all about, the more I think about it, the more I think we made the right call with that. Yeah, I, it, we took it back to the studio and, and their crusades did become a lot heavier and a lot more hands-on. Uh, and, the, the, you know, you saw the impact of it a lot, a lot stronger. And they said, this is too heavy. This is not the movie we wanted to make. Uh, we wanted to make a sort of a, a, a light hearted romp yeah. where we take the women who we've become so, so um, you know, yeah. familiar with and we love them so much. We want to see some conclusions for them all. And then, we, I mean, our first question was, didn't we do that in the first movie? Yeah. I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. And did I say happy conclusions? I meant we want to make a fuck ton of fun. Yeah. Funds. Uh, and, fuck ton and, of funds. And so, you know, at the end of this film, you'll notice we sort of wrap up all the stories quite neatly. That's a little in-joke for us. We actually originally ended the movie, uh, you know, it was a full-scale apocalypse all across the world. Uh, these four women were wreaking havoc, and they'd, they'd sort of merged the seven continents into four, and they'd equally divided up the globe into four quarters, uh, and it was, a, <laughs> it was a heavy finish. Do you want to know who was our biggest supporter, though, to try and get that across the line with the studio was Chris Noeth, because at that stage he was just kind of getting into his preaching affairs, and he said, yes burning hellscapes of lava flowing through the central city. I love it. It's going to show to everyone that uh, by us propagating casual sex outside of wedlock, we have ushered in the apocalypse. The apocalypse is nigh. Um, we must repent for our sins. Which we were kind of like, well, that, I mean, we appreciate you helping us try and get this thing funded Thank and signed you, off. It's not exactly, exactly what we were going for. It's more just like a fun apocalypse film. Like Bruce Willis and uh, what's that thing with the comet? Armageddon. Or God damn it, I hated that song though. Tell you what, that is the worst song Aerosmith. that Aerosmith have ever released. It was written for Celine Dion. Did you know that? That would make a lot of sense. Don't Want to Miss a Thing was written for Celine Dion. She passed on it. And then there was like two other people who passed on it. And Aerosmith, for some reason, were like, I'll do it. Well, but to be fair, it made them a yeah, lot of money. Yeah, in fairness, they've done very well. Fucking hate that song. I fucking hate this movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's fair. That's okay. We had a lot of fun in the uh in the karaoke scenes though. We'd get up we insisted on getting up between all of the actors and, and having a song ourselves and we'd only sing one song. We'd sing uh Ario Speedwagon's Live Every Moment just for a bit of a laugh. Uh, and it, it drove a lot of the extras insane. Uh, we had a few ex-rugby players who were there as skills coaches for the fake rugby teams. Uh, Con Barrel, a former prop for the Canterbury Crusaders, and uh, he, he he went full-blown crazy, actually, and he's still swimming laps in the hotel pool. Uh, he hasn't gotten out of fucker. that pool for five years. He's he is so in good the at shape of his direction. life. Yeah. You tell him to go somewhere, and he'll go until you tell him to stop. 
But if you don't tell him to stop, he'll just keep going. Much like Garo's character in this movie, where at least you dismiss him, he can't go home for the night. That's right. Oh, my God. And it just goes on and on. The great bit about this bit is um, it shows that Miranda just wants to look smart to her friend. She doesn't actually have a desire to learn a new language. That's very revealing, yeah. Of her trying to nail how to order in Arabic. She's just like, fucking whatever, cunt. Get me a drink. We did very well to unveil these insecurities, Um, you know, through, through through the film. I had a very exciting and enticing point to make. Oh, that's what it is. Yeah. Uh, oh no! <laughs> oh, my bottled water. Oh, that's God. all right. It's just, that's gone on the couch. It's just water. Oh, um, it's coming apart what, at the what, seams over here. What brother. I was going to say is that in in voicing over just how long we made this movie for our cinema release and uh, sort of re-experiencing it for the first time since 2010, Michael. Yeah. Uh, do you feel like it's it's too much? What is the? Length? I mean, yeah. Ah, uh, no. Do you? I stand by our decision to um, experiment with the notion of pacing and duration, to try and make literally the movie that feels like the longest movie ever made. And whilst people may bring up films like Titanic or Ben Hur, which are you know second for sec, there's more frames pound in the for movie. Pound. They're technically longer, but they don't feel anywhere near as long as this movie because I think we successfully made the longest feeling movie of all time with this. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I know. It's fucking like, exactly what you mean. It's second place for actual duration and first place for worse pacing. <laughs> and when you combine yeah. those two factors, it just becomes That's right. deathly long. If you're looking at a, a list compiled maybe by Roger Ebert or Leonard Moulton, you know, titans of industry with regards to film, and they had the list of longest feeling films. It would read like this: Sex in the City two, number one; Daylight second, not the film, the concept of. <laughs> There's quite literally a whole blank page underneath it, and then you go to the next page, and that's where there's uh, numbers three through twenty. And uh, while the the network weren't exactly over the moon with us achieving that, uh, you know, accomplishment. I gotta say, I feel like we really built something. I'm really coming in and out of what you're talking about. That's totally fair enough. We're up to our eyeballs in this thing now. <laughs> I've had enough. <laughs> That's too fucking bad, bro. <laughs> I've absolutely had enough. <laughs> I want to turn it off. <laughs> no, not an option. We must charge on with our exciting yeah. film laced with interesting plot developments and uh, character arcs. God, I can't even string a sentence together. I'm right there with you. <laughs> it's going to make the rest of this tray difficult. Tres difficulty. Deck butt, of course, in full effect now. Chin up, boys. Oh, wow, that's what you think. Only 15 minutes left. <laughs> Uh, that is, I know it's the sentiment is positive, but that is actually quite disheartening. Fifty minutes is an unholy amount of time to spend if you're already sick of something like this. Um, but I do feel like at least you know, with regards to 
Ah, uh, Tom Walker, welcome along and go fuck yourself. I would much rather be watching those two episodes of The Simpsons. Um, I can't, fuck, I can't even. There's no semblance of thought. We've got, we've got to turn the periscope off. It's getting too distracting. That phone's probably ready to burst into flame again. Do you know what we're having to do? Because it's getting so hot, the thing that's we streaming We cool it, it off by putting it in a box of bottled water. <laughs> I just, I turn the thing off and just chuck it in amongst the bottles. I don't think it's so good for the phone, to be honest, but at least it's cooling it down in a hurry so we can put it back on for a while. This guy came in with a lot of interesting offers. We couldn't get a single take uh, of this this actor who only went by the name of Dick Bot, in which he would give us the same accent. So we had to create an elaborate backstory. We sort of did a character profile on him so that we'd have a better idea of where he was when we were revisiting the script. And uh, we decided that he was uh, he was homeschooled. So he was born an orphan and homeschooled by the first sentient artificial intelligence computer, which was called TextEdit. Uh, and you might know the TextEdit voice. And that's why his accent is so unique, because he learned to speak from the computer program TextEdit. It's a rich tapestry that we weave for every character that we put in the film. No one's allowed to exist on the frame unless we know their motivations, their history, their barriers... And their desires. It was a 15-year movie to write. So we wrote this without having any knowledge of the actual television show or the first movie, Sex and the City 2, and it just sort of almost synced <laughs> the, up perfectly. The first movie, which is also called Sex and the City 2, which really throws fans. It's like, which one are you talking about? The first one or the second one? Well, the we did one. that. We retroactively changed the name of the first Sex and the City movie to make it a better one so that we could confuse people as to... Yeah, but uh, as everyone knows, because you've seen the posters, it's Sex and the City 2 as well as Tambien in Espanol. And then our uh, next release, Sex and the City to Helen Back, uh, is actually a documentary about the camera assist or director's assistant, sorry, Keithy, who uh, obviously got very ill handling Carrie's mask from the big gay wedding. Uh, the fourth we named Sex and the city which we thought was a pretty clever way to just sort of extend the title out. Uh, the next one after that, Sex and the City 5 Alive, uh, is a is is a voiced over entirely by Chris Noth as a snake, uh, sort of Five Alive being a play on Snake Alive, which is a play on I don't know what. The sixth movie in the franchise, Six in the City, the Six and the Furious. <laughs> was a hell of a lot of fun to shoot. Uh, I, do you know what's great? Do you know what I did find uh, to be a real benefit of working with these four actors? Tell on, me, Patrick. The film? Tell me, Patrick King. You could put cameras on them and just roll and not pay attention to anything they say uh, and know that it was going to be passable and usable. And we did that. Uh, as we've said, we were checked out for a lot of the time. We were filming in Morocco. So we didn't make any of the real... Uh, directorial decisions or editing decisions or we don't really know this part of the movie very well at all and from what i understand all of this dialogue is ad-libbed they didn't have anyone recording the narrative they were creating for themselves so if there are any holes in the plot or sort of continuity of their relationships that's entirely on them our hands are clean well i mean you probably could blame us for not being on set to ensure oh, it's real well. horses for courses type stuff I don't know if that saying applies to this. Uh, tell you, this this water is going through me like beer. I have got a bladder full of water. Oh, we'll go alleviate it. I'll take over for a bit, baby. Are you sure? I mean, Absolutely. it looks like you're running low on serotonin no. and the will to live. Tell you what, if you could bring me back some lollies, that'd be great. But you go do your thing. I'll keep I'll keep these these paying punters entertained. Don't you worry about that. 
just make sure you flick your headphones off before you go, because otherwise you're going to tear this whole technical fortress I've built in absolute sunder. So now this was a scene where we wanted to return to Carrie Bradshaw's predilection towards self-reflection and uh, narration. She's not saying anything of real significance, but we just thought it was a nice nod to the TV series. You know, it's a motif. It's something we like to repeat to remind people that there are thoughts happening in her head even when you can't hear them. Well, sometimes you can hear them, folks, because it's a voiceover, and that lets us know that she's always thinking things. That's how the movies work. Right now she's... Um, I was going to use the turn of phrase whoring herself up for a date, but I have been instructed by my legal counsel to stop using that particular turn of phrase, so I'm going to say putting makeup on and looking lovely. Getting ready to date her ex-boyfriend while she's away from her ex-husband on the other side of the world, and haven't we all been there? Her two friends... Charlotte and Miranda emerging from uh, some sort of sauna session by the looks of things, looking fine, qualm-free. Miranda's fashion choice, I've got some serious question marks over. Not quite sure who was in charge of the wardrobe that day, but boy, did they make some interesting choices. A uh, kind of violent green is what I would describe that as, halfway between puke and snot. And the cut of the dress... Mm, less than flattering. Someone's asking, are the girls still in Abu Dhabi uh, on the live stream? The answer to that question is yes. Yes, this movie takes place uh, forever. So they are both always in New York and always in Abu Dhabi. They're just always everywhere. They're like Schroeder's cat. They're just existing in superposition everywhere. And you're confused about how they are still there. But in literal terms, yeah, they are. They're still in Abu Dhabi. They're still in Abu Dhabi until right up until the very close to the end of the film. Like, we only get about, mm, I think, 10 minutes of film time when they're back from Abu Dhabi. I'd like to welcome back uh, my co-director, co-creator of Sex in the City, Mr. Patrick, Patrick King. King. <laughs> he loves to say his own name so much. This movie is 95 hours long, therefore they're in Abu Dhabi for 47 hours. That is uh, a common misconception, of course. That's actually quoted on the IMDb page. I have to change it every day because the, whoever it is is scientist, so I'm not being a fact. That's us playing with the concept of time. I don't know how many times it we can tell you. It just feels like 95 hours. It's not a 95-hour movie. If you look at it's like at the opposite of a casino. If you take a watch going in with you to Sex in the City, you'll get confused because you'll be like... Only five real minutes of time have yeah. moved, but it feels like I've aged about a year. It's like a hyperbolic time chamber. And while I agreed with a lot of the, I mean, you know, the people who measured the film in pure film terms, the, yep. the people, you know, the people on Rotten Tomatoes, those dastardly bloggers um, who described the movie in film terms, they had a lot of valid and fair criticisms of the movie we made. But what really got me is we didn't get any, uh, we didn't get a lot of, you know, scientists or physics experts or people who have any understanding on the theory of time uh, coming in and weighing in with their opinions. And I feel like for the movie to really be felt, those were the people who had to watch it and say, this is a real accomplishment. Physicists. Yes. Time scientists. Time scientists, yeah, you know. Tientists. Tientists. It's the name of a new diner I'm uh, oh, up. We missed one of my favourite 
favorite fucking lines in the movie, and I apologize, folks, for talking over it. God damn it, I regret that. I Luckily, I was the one talking. This won't be the last time we see this film. I'll do it again. Oh, that, that's let's right. reenact it. Re- let's reenact it. I'll be, um, I'll be Charlotte, and you be Miranda. Okay. Uh, I don't know. I'll be Miranda, and you be Charlotte. Okay. I've been wondering how you've been keeping it together. No, no, being no, no, parent, no. We don't need to go. Being that. a parent kicks your ass. Yes, but the benefits are worth it. One of my favorite lines in the movie. What do you got there? Uh, bit a bit of chalky. A little bit of dark chalky. You gotta, oh. you gotta keep the. Uh, the, the chamber's stocked with gasoline, uh, as they say down at the fire department. Whoa, that is such a potent smell of peppermint. It's a peppermint chocolate. Mm. As soon as you open the bag, and they're all individually wrapped, so how does the smell come out like that? So good. Maybe they pump the smell into the bag. Makes you know, like of, Subway. Makes a lot of sense. I'm sorry, I'm I'm chewing right now. Um, it's disgusting. It's you thought good. it was bad with a dynamic mic? Try it with a... Highly the thing person. of it is that we we right now, as we chew into the microphone and trying to recreate for you, what it was like for us when we wear our cans so we could pick up the dialogue. A lot of this stuff was uh, shot with people chewing. And so for us to recreate that for you is kind of you're getting a glimpse into what it was it's like. It's so being disgusting. Set. I'm right next to you and I'm disgusted. If I was listening um, to this audio track just by itself and just someone started chewing in the middle of it, God damn it, I'd turn that, I'd turn that shit off. If Lickety you were doing split. that and with this bar and I'd be so impressed, I'd give you like a Like it gift. took this long. There's a term you, for it. It's called like, you? what? A kiss. For a but kiss. There's always a gift. It is. It, there's a term for it. It's like myos, myospia or something like that. Myopia. No. There's an S in there. It's like when sounds give you a psychological hatred of some shit that's like a disproportionate mm. level of agitation. And it's often about people chewing. Or those little noises. Little mouth noises. Mm. Like that. Oh, yuck. So little did uh, Aiden know here, we're still, he's still being performing a doco about uh, where the stars of sex in the city are now. So I do, you know, people often ask me, do you, do you have any regrets? No, I don't have any regrets about it. Do I feel odd about having to manipulate a person the way we did to, to get him on board? A little bit, yeah. You are much more unflinching in your memory of this. You think if the fuckwit believed it, the fuckwit got what he deserved. And that is a direct quote from you. Yeah. It wasn't the last time I said it either on set. No. Far <laughs> from it. On the last day of set, you were so ecstatic and confused, you sort of just unleashed a torrent of every word you considered a curse in the world. It lasts for two hours and 26 minutes, the exact length of the movie, and you ticked off a lot of words that I never thought of as swear words, but the way you said them and the, the venom with which they came out of your mouth, I thought, whoa, you know, maybe crochet is an, is an insult when, when put in the right hands. I'm a dangerous man. I can weaponize what was the some, What crochet. are some of your other favorite swears that Cod you remember? swallop? Yeah, it's... I, I always think that word's too funny and ungainly to be a proper swear word, but when you wield it with the power that you can wield it with, I, it's terrifying. Poppycock? I think we can all agree that is a violent turn of phrase and one best left unsaid. What's great about this scene is uh, if you take a real close look at the picture, Sarah Jessica Parker's not really wearing a ring. We've managed to hypnotise you through the entire rest of the film up until this point. We are hypnotists. We did an interview with um, Dr. Phil, which never made it to air, uh, and he said, what are you... 
I'd, what do you, Michael, and you, Patrick King, identify yourselves as? I want you to tell me how you see yourself. I love you, Dr. Phil. Oh, look, Michael, there's no time for this. I need you to tell me what your job is. Uh, do more, Dr. Phil. And we said a hypnotist. Oh, shit, I've got to take a photo. It is imperative. Being Dr. Phil. Well, I'm a good friend of Michael and Patrick King, and uh, I don't quite know why they asked me into the studio, but uh, I'm here to tell you that uh, this movie is not good for your your health. I'm not a real doctor, but this is a real opinion. Uh, To watch it once is frankly reckless and unsanitary. To watch it more than once, say twice or one and a one and a bit, is uh, frankly. Uh, 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 health has it and to watch it any more times than that say this is the 40th time you're watching it I would like to say you gotta get your shit together man I don't know if that works that's not healthy it is at this point that you are watching um, two grown men just absolutely unravel (laughs) like you know we've, we've tapped into part of the brain which is beyond any consideration for what you're saying. It's sort of like when you're devastatingly hungover and nothing feels quite real or when you're very tired and quite lucid and everything's in a constant state of flow. There's no filter on me right now, Tim. Oh, I'm that's in a dangerous position to be in. We're just getting unfettered brain. Mm. Yuck. Straight, straight Patrick King, no chaser. That was the name of my second autobiography. This is a funny joke. We decided to put hummus... Oh, wait, what is that? Yams on On Kim Cattrall's face. And on Abdul's face. Because Abdul does what Kim Cattrall does. Yeah, we didn't really know what to do with the character of Abdul, so we uh, we were writing scenes for him. We sort of thought of a parrot, and we were going to CGI a parrot in, but then we got an actor. A villainous parrot like Iago from Aladdin. Because as uh, you'll notice, eagle-eyed watchers of the film, of which I'm sure all of you are, Oh, no, that bloody thing's <laughs> overheated again. Um, oh, oh, we're going to go off on that thing. Uh, Abdul was the one who was responsible for their frankly hideous and slightly terrifying four horsemen of the apocalypse outfits when they're in the <laughs> desert. Imagine that. Preach it, brother. You know, that's a character that we wrote in just to make fun of the girl. It was kind of like an audience surrogate for everyone watching the movie. Like, man, I wish I could fuck up these girls somehow. And that's that, how we did it. That's exactly Abdul. how we did it. He he was pranking them the whole time. He was... Uh, it was a goof. We, he was an avatar. Really, wasn't he? An illusion. A mirage. Michael, what have you been up to since we wrapped on this film? Because I haven't seen a lot of you. I always wonder and I try and read up on you, but uh, you're not featuring a lot in the in the glad rags or the sad rags. Bought really a low-cost airline. Bought one of them budget airlines. With the money left over from the condo? Yeah. I thought we said we were putting everything we had into that thing. What? Yeah, we did. It's gone. That money is gone. Well, what money are you buying budget airlines with? It was a loan. I got a couple credit cards for it. How'd you, how'd you do that? Showed them some bank statements from our production budgets of uh, six. We, we've already got enough eyes on those bank statements as it is. We don't need to risk other people wading in with opinions. But the bank is going to be fine as long as I get them the money back at some point. What I've done is I've uh, created a low-cost airline, flung in and out of Fiji, tropical Fiji. 
popular tourist destination. It's a holiday spot. And I'll tell you what, those people do not like paying a lot for flights, but they love leaving every now and then. So it's a volume game is what I've uh, tried to establish there. Get people moving all the time. I named it um, Lion Ear. Pop that on the ground, eh? Maybe let's not um, potentially ruin thousands of dollars of technology by putting a water bottle on top of the table, eh, Guy? What do you think? Is what I, I, I would seal, say if your name was Guy. Off, <laughs> I'm calling off, you Guy. A sealed this off guy. water bottle and safe hands you know, can be placed wherever it is deemed appropriate. Mm, have some of this chalky. Help yourself. Nom, nom, nom. Uh, and this scene, we sort of, I mean, we, we'd lost our minds a lot like we have now, so it's kind of a perfect moment to bring it up. We told these two to ham it up as much as possible. We told them to sexualize the shisha as though it were the dick of God itself, I believe was the exact phrase. And uh, you'll notice, I mean, they really did give give God's penor, uh, which is the industry term for penis, uh, a good filatin. Uh We called it penolatin. I can actually do a really good impersonation just with my mouth of a shisha pipe. Do you want to hear it? Yeah, I would. I'd be thoroughly interested and impressed. Check this out. This is. I'm ready. So what? Hey, you, is, you just open up your this mouth. This is Michael. You've got your fingers on your neck there to do some flicking of some. Some. <coughs> Let me just clear your throat. throat. You've got the. It's very quiet. It's like you're doing it in the back of your throat, but it does sound somewhat like a. Like a sh- like a shisha, or a hooker, as they are called at some uh, kebab vendors on K Road or Karanga Happy Road, which is a popular food dispensary and street in Auckland. And hashisha, locale, a locale for hashisha. Uh, now, at this point in the movie, we thought we'd better reintroduce some old themes, namely the fact that Carrie's married, and a lot of people have probably forgotten because they haven't been paying attention, using the opportunity of the film to sing into their own thoughts and maybe consider their own mortality in life as opposed to uh, using the film as a source of escape, which is why a lot of films were made in the first place. Um, so we remind everyone that Carrie and Big are not only in a relationship but married at this juncture, uh, and... Uh, she, as you will recall, has just kissed Aiden. Uh, what he thinks is in real life, so the real life ramifications of that are we were feeling on set while this was being shot. But in the in the fictitious world of the film, you'll notice Carrie confessing to her husband, Mr. Big, uh, that she has been running around smooching all the strangers, uh, or not strangers, but ex-lovers. And uh, he was busy brainstorming in his tower of ideas, he calls it, in his big book of ideas, uh, he's a, sort of was in this big glass doorless room with no keyboards or access to the outside world. Just a, a screensaver of randomly changing numbers to resemble the stock market. Uh, so we sort of reintroduced the theme of marriage and love and all that into the film here. Some say it was too little too late. Watching it back, I'm inclined to agree. But uh, we did get some beautiful footage of, of the New York City cityscape. The New York Cityscape. Uh, in the background there. Look at that. We actually borrowed the set from the Wachowski siblings. Uh, That's where they shot a lot of the first Matrix in those buildings behind Big there. Little known cinema fact for you. I'm back. (laughs) Just had to pop out for a bit, but I'm back. You're back and you're better than ever, I would say, Michael. 
Ah, oh, this is the bit of the movie that you always think is the end, and then it's not even nearly. It feels conclusive. Doesn't it, though? It feels conclusive because sort of the only semblance of plot that we've attached to our protagonist is being played out right now. But uh, don't forget that we've got those other four stray bits of wool that we're trying to assemble into a, a pullover or a jumper by the end of the film. Uh, that never happens. They, they remain as five separate bits of wool. This has been described as the main bit of wool before. Good gracious, <laughs> it's good It's really gravy. defeated you, hasn't it? This woolly mammoth of a film has really taken its toll. Let me take over for a bit there, Patrick King. We're working as a team, Michael. I am 50% of the directing brains behind this, so let me inform you about what it was like to shoot this scene. I cannot tell you how many times I pushed Sarah Jessica Parker into that pool of water that's behind her because I was just so aggravated by both her character and real-life persona at this point. I was like, fuck it. Let's dump her in a pool and drown her. <laughs> Everyone started freaking out. I did it a bunch of times before they removed me from set and they decided to get Patrick King to sub in. Set of old number one, Michael. Yeah. Well, first of all, How don't call yourself... How are you getting through those, those, uh, number, those bottles num- of water, Michael? Don't call yourself number one, Michael. Okay? It's just Michael. You are Michael. For God's sake. Check your fucking ego at the door. All right, Michael? Okay. And secondly, that is one of the great advantages of having two directors on set is if you want to swan out and go buy yourself a new pair of sneakers or cross trainers if you're trying to get ready for a half marathon maybe, uh, you can do that. Is it what you were doing while I was pushing Sarah Jessica Parker into a pool? Yeah, I was training. Uh, awesome. I actually, I ran it and I was going to get it in, in, in under one hour 30 for my 21k half marathon. I ran it in uh, 142, which was, a, a, I mean, a, a little bit disappointing. It wasn't the hot hey, Arabian sun. I don't mean any... Um, thing by this, any insult or uh, I don't mean to insinuate anything, but you know you don't have to train to run to be a showrunner, right? Like they're two different yeah things. Look, yeah. Well, yeah, you did a great job of explaining that to me on the finish line, didn't you? Didn't seem to think it was necessary to bring up before then. It didn't occur to me that you could confuse two things that were so Maybe. dissimilar simply because you they know share how my part brain of the works. Word. Didn't occur to you to maybe help out a friend who was losing a lot of fluids. Oh, look. You're all right, mate. A lot of toenails. You, you know, my neither of my big toenails has grown back since that half marathon, don't you? You don't need big toenails. What? You, you seem to be pretty heavy. Can I have one of yours? You seem to be pretty heavy with your big toenails. Touche. You know how many nerve endings there are underneath those toenails? Six. I'm on edge constantly. You're just nervy. You're just nervous, are you? I'm not nervous. I'm nervy, yeah. My toes are exposed. Exposed, though. It's the name of my next movie. It's about a, a man who has no toenails and no closed toe shoes. He's always wearing sandals, always getting questions. Going, where are your toenails? It's, a, it's an independent film I'm working on with uh, the good folks at uh, Indiegogo. And by that I mean I, I've set up a little uh, Indiegogo fund to try and get the money to make. Yeah, I like how you phrase that as if Indiegogo is some independent video house that are well, assisting you with the production yeah, of the film. I mean, look, it depends how It's you... a bunch of internet beardos it who are throwing you coin because depends. they think you are an absolute madman and they want to see what you come up with. It's all about how you frame it, isn't it? But uh, the fact of the matter is they, they will get a co-pro uh, when the credits roll on that film. Here we thought we'd just get Charlotte to uh, <laughs> resolve her conflict with Carrie 
Like oh, the total Lord. walkover she is. Uh, just can we just make it stop? It is. It is really. It's just. We're still going. I'll, I'll let you know what's happened. Carrie kissed Aiden. Aiden kissed Carrie. Charlotte got upset because Carrie made a call when Charlotte was like, hey, guess what? You probably shouldn't go and have dinner with your ex-boyfriend when your husband's at home in America. We literally just touched down in Abu Dhabi. First port of call, find someone I used to have sex with on the rig and go and have dinner with them at a classy hotel. Just add champagne and let's see what happens. So then what does happen? They bloody pash. It's as predictable as the rising of the sun in the morning, Carrie. <laughs> so then what, what I, to which I say to you, as I did on set, Michael, what if you're in the Scandinavian winter? Oh, you got me there. That's a pretty um, trivial technicality that you're bringing up, though, to railroad an otherwise excellently made point, if I do say so myself. At any rate, um, so look, Charlotte's looking to try and mend the bridge, offering an olive branch, which is odd, considering she was the injured party. (laughs) Carrie Bradshaw decides to keep being a bitch by not only not apologizing, but just making the (laughs) everything about her. Everything's about her. And Charlotte's got stuff on her plate. You know? She's worried about her husband, Runkle, who's back home with an Irish big-titty nanny we came up with. Married to a woman studio. named Marcy on the opposite coast of America, a known sex addict and premature yeah. ejaculator. Wait, what? <laughs> you had me, you had me, you had me, you lost me. Well, it comes back to uh, Char- Charlie Runkle insisting on playing the character Charlie Runkle from Californication. Oh, I see what you're saying. Done it. Done it just. And that, and that. We thought we'd better put in a, a, a solid figure just to advertise how untenable and untouchable the hotel room in this movie is. I'm uh, really sorry. The agreed upon fee was twenty two thousand US dollars a oh, night. Yeah, if yeah, people yeah. wanted to have a vague idea of how much money we were throwing around on set, it was real. I, just, I don't. We're this. <laughs> we're doing a live stream here, folks, and I tell you what, the camera angle was just like barely got us in it. It's a little better, isn't it? This way. There we go. The fact of the matter is, if you want to make a movie and you want to visibly see the missteps to avoid and audibly hear them, watch this movie once without the commentary. Listen to the commentary once. That is more or less a do's and don'ts list exclusively containing don'ts in the industry of filmmaking. (laughs) Very astute. Very astute Patrick King. Oh, that's touching, isn't it? Some pocket well, change from Carrie Bradshaw extended <laughs> to her manservant at the five-star hotel they just got for free. For Christ's sake, Carrie. We were trying to save the cat. Fucking <laughs> hell, we, we really missed that one, didn't we? Yeah, the hotel staff uh, who actually saw us shooting that scene called that a cat massacre. We didn't quite <laughs> understand what it was until we learnt the term saving the cat. Uh, what's this question? How long a video is available for would some pinpoint because I have no Oh what they I think someone wants to sync up. Sync it up. Um I don't know if they even keep the video of Oh yeah, no, give a time code. Two Check hours me. and two minutes. Two hours, two minutes. Oh, you're gonna fuck this up somehow. <laughs> yeah. <I'm> dangerously <laughs> close to making an error. <laughs> well checking the runtime. Two minutes. 202.35 right go. now. 
Um, Which leaves a whopping 26 minutes of runtime. Would you be confused about how there is that much runway left on this film? Like, how could that possibly be true? Believe it, folks. And the stakes now, we thought, to make them hilariously unrealistic would be that if the women don't get to the airport in time, they're going to have to fly all the way back to America in economy class, which is where peasants and paupers fly. Economy class, the refuge of the weak, hiding place of the cowards. Real men fly first class, always. You said it and you're saying it, pal. If you're just joining us by some fucking miracle, uh, we're giving you the director's commentary of Sex and City 2 right now. And uh, we've been doing it for just over two hours. And uh, tensions aren't flaring, but spirits aren't high. (laughs) Far from high. I'm aware that I'm speaking almost exclusively in double negatives. That's because it's really tricky to frame anything well right now. We need to focus on word economy and good ideas from here on in, man. This is, uh, oh God, almost, oh, yank in my ears. I'll give you a little scratch. Is that yeah, nice? I think it is not bad. It's just good to have some sort of, I'm almost tempted to ram that old um, nasal spray back up my schnoz just to feel something again. It didn't feel good, but it was something, you know, just to remind me I'm a human being. So in this part of the movie, you'll remember Carrie Bradshaw accidentally left her passport at the souk when she first went there to buy shoes uh, from this man. It wasn't referenced at all in the rest of the film uh, and we realised this when we were wrapping up in Abu Dhabi so this is the last thing we shot actually was her getting her passport back uh, just in case we wanted the option of putting that in in case anyone was paying enough attention to the movie to remember that she'd lost it in the first instance it's difficult to know whether or not it was worth it because we never got any feedback from any of our friends or family who watched the film apart from obviously my my direct family who were as I said very abrasive I mean do you stand by our decision to pursue that passport thread michael or do you think we could have left it out <laughs> i could have taken or leave left it uh, a real coin toss as to whether or not that stayed on the cutting room floor to be honest oh and my that, so, okay. god i admire our ambition five years ago i question why we decided to introduce a new thread to the film and what should be the final part of the final act like, this is Act 3. We need to be at the point where um, either the all is lost moment or we've started to wrap some of the shit. And we're in neither. We're in this murky, hodgepodge, swampy zone where we're introducing a new idea of counterfeit manufacturing. Counterfeit salesmen. Like, these the are forbidden supposed to be- experience. We've referenced it earlier in the film. Someone literally in this film... We must have been on a lot of coke when we wrote this bit. Describes buying counterfeit goods as the forbidden <laughs> experience. Like buying a Prada bag that isn't actually Prada is so luxurious, so wonderful, and yet so evil that we would call it the forbidden experience. Like, who the fuck did we think we were? That that's what the forbidden experience would be. It's called Sex in the City. Surely, surely the forbidden experience would be... Like butt stuff. <laughs> Just uh, general public displays of affection or sexuality, which we then decided to crowbar in at the last possible turn. Just to sort of, I feel like, intonate more uh, cultural imperialism. 
because we felt like we'd been in Abu Dhabi, we were rapping on the shoot, and we didn't know if we left our American fingerprints all over this goddamn town. So we red dragoned the Middle East with this film. We yeah. busted out our American dicks and slapped Abu Dhabi via where did we shoot this game? Morocco, right across <laughs> its uh, bearded face. And then I actually ran all the way across the globe around the equator until I was at the exact counterpoint, the pole opposite of where Tim was, and took out my big swing in American cock. And bloody gave the thing a thwack all the way back over to him. You got to stop calling me Tim. You know, well, I haven't used that since I was a child and I do not take to it. Yeah. Do not like it at Sorry, all. Sorry, Michael. Michael, Michael. Apology accepted. Pashru Kong. Bite me. She was actually, as we say, uh, Kim Control, totally method. Really wanted to be bitten at that point. Uh, just to feel something. I don't like Michael with his bitten. nasal spray. She loves being bitten. It's a weird thing. But God bless her. All God's creatures, eh? All things bright and beautiful. All creatures great and small. All things wise and wonderful. The Lord God made them all. That is the sound of a man with nothing left to say. Well, let me take over for a bit and tell you about shooting this scene. I had a lot of fun coming up with this slightly gender ambiguous uh, character who leads them in. It's sort of insinuated heavily um, that that's a woman because she's sort of leading them to the other woman. She's in the same clothing as the other woman in this uh, scene and sequence appear in. But um, chuck a massive beard on her just to throw people. Keep people guessing. That's my motto to making movies. You love to goof around. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I do. I do. I like people to... You're um, a goofy dude. They have to analyse what's happening around them. They have to get a joke or solve a riddle or uh, remember that Carrie Bradshaw left her passport at the shoe rack when the call to prayer went. And that's why We I, were sick of people dumbing down movies for the audience. We wanted to leave a bit of work in your court. Uh, and that's why... You know, a lot of the accusations of lazy writing or unfollowed plot lines, uh, we believe the blame lies squarely at the feet of the audience. If you didn't connect the dots, you know. Fuck you. If we released a book of connect the dots puzzles and you brought back the book without any pen markings on it and then said, fuck you. this book makes no sense, we'd say that fuck book you. makes perfect sense. Fuck you. Fuck you. Thank you. That's right, Michael. Uh, have another look at it. And then by the time that they've gone back and looked at the book again for the second time, taking them two and a half hours or what feels like a lifetime, they would have completely been confused as to what they were doing in the first place. And uh, we've, we've got away scot-free. Akin to how I feel right now, confused about what they are doing. Jesus Christ. And there. There, right there. In that 500, moment. 500 miles from home. The in most the, offensive moment hard, in film history. That's right. What's happening right now on screen, I'll just explain to you guys, is um, Samantha, I guess we were trying to insinuate, has just suddenly got massively menopausal. So she started having hot flashes and she's wearing very little clothing. She's outside. She doesn't give a shit for the Middle East cultural norms. So she's not dressed modestly. Um, She's in a predominantly Muslim country. A lot of religious men start taking issue and yelling at the woman for dressing scandally. Whoa, mama. And uh, then a, a different set of uh, women, like locals who are there, they kind of 
siphon them off into a side street and get them to come into the secret indoor flower shop by the looks of it. And then reveal that underneath their full body burkas, they are in fact wearing Louis Vuitton's new season apparel. Um, which is not, is not dated well, the apparel, by the way. It's a cold, hard slap in the face for Abu Dhabi. And um, I'm not confused at all about why they decided to um, not let us film in the country. Yeah. It's just like, it's a big fuck you is what we were trying to do. What George Bush did with bombs, we tried to do with, with a film. in the city too. Yeah. Yeah, one of them just we dressed up as basically a big pregnant bird as someone's very astutely figured out on the um funny thing. The uh, that actor was neither pregnant nor a bird, but you wouldn't know it. Not with the way we shot it. We've now very tastefully put our four protagonists in full body burkas so that they could elude the watchful eye of the religious men looking for scandally clad <laughs> westerners. And then uh in a vague attempt to sort of tie the entire movie together with some semblance of a start and finish point. Uh, we had Carrie Bradshaw reference uh, the black and white movie It Happened One Night that she watched in the hotel room with Big earlier in the film. I mean, the likelihood of someone remembering what at this point feels like 10 years ago in their life, a fleeting moment, is very low, but we did it anyway. And <laughs> we've thrown a lot of stuff that doesn't pay off in the film at our viewers. Like the audience, there's a lot of balls in the air. And I mean, there's only so many the human mind can catch. <laughs> And we're really pushing that boundary out. How many can you do, Watcher of Sex in the City 2? How many balls can you catch? That was going to be the original tagline of the film. Uh, we didn't credit him in the uh, credits, but a big shout out to Oscar Wilde for that joke we used on the airplane. Uh, Thanks, bro. Really big ups to yourself, Oscar, if you are listening. Hear me now. Hear me now, hear me now. Any Oscar Wilde fans out there, uh, if you could please just scratch your left elbow right now. Good on ya. Good on ya. It's good to scratch an elbow. Now, at this point in the film... Oh, now we're back from Abu Dhabi. I just would yeah, like to let so, everyone know. What are we up to? Can you just wave around on the mouse pad? What does that say? Two still another 14 minutes left. So remember that we shot all of this stuff in Carrie and Biggs' uh, apartment in one afternoon. So that was actually four o'clock in the morning we were shooting that stuff where she looked so fresh and uh, big credit to SJP there. I mean, she really held her own and kept her sanity together for for what was a tricky time. Michael. Uh, Patrick King. Yes. Looking back. Yes. Looking back. Who's that? I know it's that. Like Shapeshifters, song Lola something. Mm. Oh, for old Basement Jacks, God knows. For fuck's sake, the thing with this movie is I regret it. I regret every <laughs> I'll go frame, on the record as beating that up. I regret it too. We shouldn't have made it. We certainly shouldn't have released it. And I particularly feel bad for the two guys who thought it would be a funny and ambitious idea to watch it every week. I mean, that is an unsavory piece of self-punishment that frankly is is unappealing Yeah, more than it is entertaining. Hard out. Hard out. Um, let me tell you about shooting this scene, Please. Patrick King. Um, Michael, I was out getting sobu noodles. I could have left this scene, to be honest. Take it or leave it. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't really for me. The thing I think which I found difficult when working with you on this film was we would finish a full day's shooting and I'd say, how do you feel? We When did we get good coverage? And you'd say, today's shooting... 
Patrick, you know, I could take it or leave it. And it didn't really instill a sense of confidence in what we were doing for me personally at all. If anything, you made me second guess myself and ourselves at every turn in the filmmaking process. I don't think that's conducive to a very satisfying or happy uh, piece of cinema. I'm just kicking the tires on the film all the time to make sure what we're making's exactly you say what that. we want. You say that, but what we wound up with was in no ways inspiring or exciting. I mean, you say you're kicking the tires for the betterment of the film. Do you not feel that maybe you just undermine the operation at every turn? Well, you live and you learn, don't you? That's what I did. I lived and learned. You lived and you learned, but you never got an opportunity to apply the lessons learned. I know, because Hollywood was too quick to cast us out, ban us from making more movies, banned from the industry. If anyone from Hollywood is tuning in right now, uh, we apologise for talking about the film industry, but technically would like to argue that talking about an industry and being within 500 metres physical proximity of an industry are two very different things. Very different things. And therefore, um, we'll see you in court if if you've got an issue with it. Would you go so far as to say motherfuckers? Yep. Yep, I'll call I'll call all I'm calling out all your motherfuckers. So we thought the most satisfying way for Carrie to learn a lesson about what it is to be a self centered piece of work, uh, who has no respect for anyone else's problems but their own, would be to give her a very happy and satisfying ending. Uh why exactly we did this is lost to the annals of time. I feel like having had to experience the film wholesale just now. Maybe it would have been better off to teach her a lesson, but we'll agree to disagree. That's on not that. the film we made. That's Patty. not the film you're watching, Patty King. What in the world does cheating on your husband? Oh, in what world does cheating on your husband get you an expensive ring? Yeah, but if she was scolded, Periscope watcher, then wouldn't that just be like real life? Films are about escapism. Films are about James Bond not getting shot despite hundreds of henchmen who are military trained with very good guns can never land a bullet on the guy. They the say, movies are all about cheating look, on your husband and getting rewarded yes, with diamonds. Yes and no, Michael. Films are about escapism, but we said at the outset, this movie is not about escapism. This is about, movie is about playing with the concept of time mm. to the point that the audience will be left unable to focus on the action of the movie and forced to consider their own life. Yeah, escapism. That's not that's not escapism. It's escapism in the same way that a mushroom trip is. You remove yourself from reality to observe it. They look through the film to consider their own lives. I suppose so. We're through the looking glass now as well. Thank you. I, I do believe that this achievement is up there cinematically uh, with the likes of Boyhood. We got Sydney Lauper. Uh, we kidnapped her and extorted her until she would let us use this movie to close out the song. Sorry, to close Is out. Sydney Lauper. Yeah, I didn't know that. Well, I mean, you I'm were really you were you catalog. were a party to the kidnapping. So. Yeah, but I didn't know who we were taking. You didn't recognise her by face. No, sir. Not a big fan of her work. Oh no. Don't really like eighties artists. Just as a as a rule. Talking Heads. Talking Heads is the exception. But I still couldn't point them out in the lineup. Wham. We were kidnapping them, I wouldn't know. Wham, I've got a, a personal affection for because... Because um, of your relation with... Yeah. 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 Don't be afraid to let... Dickbot actually, show. during the course of filming, got tattooed across his artificial intelligence skin, uh, fuck machine and <laughs> wingdings. He got that just uh, across his torso above his wanger. So he got it. So he, t- he he sort of measured it out so that at, at peak erection, when his his penal was as hard as it could be, it would be pointing directly in the middle point of fuck machine and wingdings, which of course is uh, 
There's a palm tree. <laughs> I reckon fuck machine is such a good nickname for someone. It's so aggressive. It's just having a mate of you. We've got a friend of ours whose name is Brendan Green. And uh, he's Brendan a Green. And I've introduced her as Brendan Green fuck machine. I think he should he should use it himself. It's bloody good. You're full of ideas. Yeah. Chocker. Your true so, colors. yeah, we made sure that everyone knew that they kept both hotels. And then uh, we the very... apartments, he- you mean. Yeah. We don't own hotels. Yeah. We Fuck own it. hotels. I genuinely am just throwing any words out there now. <laughs> and then we also thought we'd better ham-fistedly make sure everyone understood the decal, your neckwap moral. Um, so we we had Carrie Bradshaw speak the famous words, you need to take the tradition and decorate it your way. Decal, uh, I mean neckwap. You know, in terms of a connect the dots, we've pretty much got point A and point B on a blank page for you there. So you do the maths, friend. This is not how people lie on a couch, PS. This is escapism from how real people would lie on a couch. You'll notice that at this point we've made Big just a floating head. Big Uh, is just lounging on top of a sofa and Sarah Jessica Parker is perched completely horizontally on top of it. This is not how real people kiss either. No, Jesus, they're really phoning it in by this point, aren't they? They had really packed up their Bloody toys hell. and taken it away. And then we had the movie within the movie end, and then we had a terrifying power surge across of all of New York, actually, which oh, couldn't yeah. have come at a better time in terms of technically because we would have been we didn't back up any of the footage. It's a miracle the movie got finished. And, and post place. we added shimmering diamonds as the lights were going out, we turned it into a cool effect. That's right. Uh, and, you know, everyone who went to this at the cinemas, obviously they had a great time. There was hooping and hollering and cheering all across America and the world at this point in the film. Some celebrating the fact that... I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Some celebrating the fact that the experience was over. Uh, and we, we, we sort of thought we'd tease out the idea of a blooper reel through the credits. Uh, so this song's sort of fun. It's, ra- it's raunchy. It's jaunty. It would suggest that you're going to get some behind-the-scenes footage. 
and even now, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, it'll be remiss of me not to say that we don't, we don't put it in. Um, but you know, we we like people to stick around to the end because we always we do like to bury little treats amongst the credits, don't we? We like to bury little. Oh yeah, there's little clues and little, the names that are coming up on, on little the screen gems. right now. Norm Lewis, who played Reginald, actually, um, personal friend of both of ours. He's uh, better known for his roles on Broadway in uh, New York City. He's a well-known Broadway actor. He knows who we are. And we, we know, know who, who he is. is. You'll see that we listed one of the uh, actors as Shifty Man. Uh, we, we were going to give him a character name, but we thought it would be much more fun to, uh, to just attribute an idea to him. Probably appropriate at this point in the film because we haven't done it already to describe the attire that we're wearing. After all, Sex in the City is known for its wardrobe. Um, I'm wearing a, a silk blouse. Patrick King is wearing what I can only describe as a woman's shirt. It's a blouse made of 100% pure silk with uh, strawberries, both whole and cut in twain upon it. In an unplanned marriage Manor. of theme, I'm actually wearing a T-shirt with bananas on it. So just... Some a lot of fruity yeah. happenings in the room, bananas for scale. Indeed. That's right. And as we read uh, <laughs> through the list of camera operators right now, it sort of it, it reads to me as a as a sort of a walk down a hellish memory lane. All of these people would later take us to court for our treatment of them on set, specifically you, Michael. Hey, I don't know what you're talking about. Sorry, you finish your point. Well, you know, just that y- you would insist. Um, you insist upon these people doing things outside of your jurisdiction and outside of their responsibility on the set. You know, you, you had a lot of people peeling grapes, which I still, it doesn't make any sense to me. A grape is ready to go. You don't need to peel them. And these camera operators would then, of course, use bring these up in court as they press charges against us for um, grievous misdemeanors on set. What I was going to say is someone brought up the bananas for scale thing. Bloody good yard to you. Whoever's running the subreddit, for um, the podcast that our mates do about the movie. Good on you guys for getting back involved. There was a little quiet period there, and it broke my heart to see that I was posting on there. There are so few people commenting on it, and I, I just love that it exists. Warms the cockles of my heart. Here you go. Here's a banana for scale for those of you who are on the Periscope. For those of you still listening. <laughs> Not again. Don't suck the banana Just a little again. kiss know, for the banana. We know how that happened. We've got to get the word out about you guys. Uh, so anyway, pretty. I mean... You know, to anyone who stuck around in the cinema, and we noticed that the percentage of people who did actually stick around right at the end of the credits in the film was depressingly low. Mm. We, at a very generous estimate towards ourselves, thought it might be somewhere between the 95 and 97% margin. Yeah, uh, we were banking it, on that, yeah, really. It was, it was, the number actually wound up being whittled down as low as sort of uh, one. Mm. In some, in some, in most cases, none, which is a real shame. Because they missed out on cool stuff like this song here that we picked. We got specifically because it's talking about color in the lyrics as well. Hey, you can just, what is your color? You know, it's like, yeah. what is the, your characters? Like, so, so, what is the nequab that you need to decal Anyone who was still in the cinema knew that they were sort of exploring themselves and saying, first of all, what is my color? And secondly, how can I expose that to everyone as my true color? By decaling. So you got to decal your color and show it. Um and everyone who did stick around at the end of the credits, of course, we, we would then reveal at the end of these credits, we'd come in on live speakers because we'd watch all the audiences watching the film. We'd say, there's a fortune cookie under your seat. And everyone would take it, their fortune cookie and break it with whoever whoever was nearby. And they'd open it and inside it would say, decal your color. 
uh, which is a little, just a little bit of fun that we like to have, wasn't it, Michael? It's a weird looking banana, dude. Yeah, it's got a little. Uh, <laughs> What's going on with that? It's got a little prick on the end there. Fuck, I don't like that at all. That's really weird. It's creeping me out. I'll get rid of it. Thanks. Oh, it's because you're eating it from the bottom, like a, like you're supposed to, like monkeys do. I am. I didn't know they had nipples though when you eat them that way. Monkeys? No, I knew monkeys did. The um. How did you know that a monkey had a nipple? No, I knew that. I've seen that before. There's photos of them. Who is this Timbat that Michael and Patrick King want us to send support to? He's uh, a good guy. Just a friend of ours who's fallen on some pretty hard times. <laughs> <laughs> it would be funnier if it uh, was. And yeah, obviously a big shout out to, to New York uh, and the Mandarin Oriental Nan Rama in Marrakesh, uh, Morocco, which I is where say the film was shot. Thank you very much to Bergdorf Goodman Incorporated, the Plaza Hotel, um, the rug company. We thought it was really important to get them involved and to shout them out in the credits. So I'm glad we took the time to do both of those things. Frankly, the whole storyboarding, filming experience of this movie uh, was, it was hard work. It was a love of labor, wasn't it? And A labor of love and a love of labor. <laughs> we love working hard. <laughs> and when you work hard, you get this. It's a New Line Cinema release film, Sex and the That's City right. 2, which we like to remind people of right at the end. And so right now, as, as you get to the end of the credits, anyone who actually stuck around to watch the movie, uh, probably the whole way through, got there was this little Easter egg we buried. which Is was an after the after scenes, the credits after finished, the credit scene. finished rolling, uh, the actual entire film, would it would play again yeah. in the cinema. So it's a little Easter egg. The whole thing, unchanged, would play twice. And, and back uh, to back. Because we are... Big on authenticity, and we are expert filmmakers, and we want to be true to the art form. Um, we're going to be running the director's commentary through the second. Right, so anything watch we of the film as well. maybe pick up on or tell you about in that first director's commentary, we're very excited to tell you. Uh, we're going to do a second pass at the film right now, just to make sure. What I'm going to do, no one though, feels shortchanged. Is um, we're actually going to step out. We've got two people who have been standing behind us, watching us do this the whole time. We're going to bring them in now. Um, Tim and Guy, do you guys want to jump in for the for the after the credits scene? Okay, cool. I'll go get him. Oh, God. Hello, it's me, Guy Montgomery. And myself, Tim Bat. Welcome to the worst idea of all time, episode... 41. Watch 41. Watch 40... Oh, shit. Have I unplugged something? Oh, no, there's the movie. Everything seems to be going okay to me. Uh, so, this is... We've watched this movie quite a few times now. We've already watched it once today. We were sitting behind uh, Michael and Patrick King. For the first one, and uh, now we're doing it. We, we've subbed in to be on the mic for the after the credit scene, which is um, the entire movie again. A real, a real, a real treasure they buried there for you. For any of you dedicated movie watchers, sure was, and also a convenient way for us to bring back into alignment the number of watches and the number of episodes we're doing for season two. What a fortunate <laughs> piece of circumstance! From memory, that's what kicked off this whole madcap five-hour idea. Actually, guy, you were like. <laughs> 
we need to get back on track and sync up the number of watches with the number of eps. I said, here's an idea. And uh, here we are. Here we all are. And so aren't happy, aren't you glad we made it? I sure am. Um, good Lord. <laughs> so the thing, the thing is... Right. Here's, the, here's the thing of it, folks. Here's the thing. The thing is, this is this is like a smaller microcosm of choosing Sex and City 2 as season 2 of this podcast in the first place and that seemed like a very entertaining and laughable idea at the time and then you sit down and settle into the actual rhythm of having to follow through and it is as unsavory as anything I've experienced in my life before. Are you not excited to join Samantha, Carrie... Charlotte and Miranda again, and Sam. I think I said Miranda twice or something. I could care less what you called them. Are you not excited to I'm see the sequence where we see the humble origins of these four sassy, successful women? In well, New we've York already City? seen them. Are you not excited to be back on the doorstep of Bergdorf Goodman? Yeah, I'm. I'm fucking. Are you not thrilled to be thrown the curveball again of suggesting that we are going to Samantha Jones's wedding? Now, in this part of the movie, we've actually got a guy. This guy in the background of frame behind the jewel lady is on the phone. He checks in every week with the executive saying, yes, they're back again to watch the movie some more. Uh, New Zealanders are here. And he he checks in every week and God bless his soul. He's still talking about us right there. I love him to bits. Uh, If I could give him a gift, you know I would. What would the gift be? One of these. That's right, Charlotte. Your best gay friends are getting married together. Um... And I feel like they only inserted this gay wedding purely so that they could say the term. Like, I feel like that maybe the directors had a bet with someone that they could get the words gay wedding into a movie over 50 times. <laughs> and still make it profitable. Oh, to God. everyone on the, on the Periscope, yes, this is absolutely yeah, happening. Yeah, this is happening, folks. Strap yourself in for another clear calendar for another two hours and 25 minutes because we're going again. We're the thing live. is that this wedding I'm still okay with because it is the most efficient. And still, and we move through. We're in different rooms. We're meeting yeah. different people. We've got a song and a dance. You know, there's shit happening. It's like, yeah. and you know, it, I mean, you're still okay with them not introducing any satisfying story threads to the movie because it's only the beginning of the movie and there's still room for the movie to develop yeah. and for there to be a reason to watch it. Yeah. But by the end of the wedding and the time you're in New York for an unholy amount of time, you realize we are beyond help. <laughs> that was a fucking misleading little red herring motherfuckers yeah. god damn it oh far out how many minutes in are you I think like probably th- I'm guessing I shouldn't guess so you can actually sync it up where are we at 5.15 5 and 17 5.20 now because there's a bit of lag 5.20 um, mm. No, look, no one could blame you for picking out now if you're watching this I gotta live. say though, it no seems like a bit you. of a slap in the face for you to spell out the fact you've done it once today and can't do it again. Hey, guess how many times we've seen it this year? Bloody... 40? Yeah. This, so what is, is, the, it? this is 41. This is 41 right? and it will be episode 41, a five-hour behemoth. Uh, uh, hey, is it worth it to no. just be back in sync? Uh, yes, not now, but it will yeah. be when we do episode 42. It's like ripping off a band-aid, man. It's exactly the opposite of ripping off a Band-Aid. Yeah, that's This true. is like removing a Band-Aid one atom at a time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fuck me. Okay, righto. Here we go. We're at the gay wedding. We all love it. If ever I could see you. We've got a men's choir, uh, a crane shot, swans, people dressed in white, hats, 
And here come our film's heroes. Pretty much when we were making the movie, we wrote down a list of things that would trigger, you know, that you associate with a gay wedding. You're back to eating. But I'm not I'm chewing. Like, I'm, I'm just talking with banana oh, no, in my you're mouth. You're being so careful to not chew as well, aren't you? I'm doing great. You are doing great. I'm sorry for ever doubting you. The great thing about bananas is like baby food. You don't really need to chew them. Why do people buy bananas as baby food? Like, it must be more expensive than just pureeing your own bananas, right? Baby food? Yeah, I know parents have lots on. I get that. And you want convenience. But, I mean, bananas are pretty much... Just chuck them in a food processor. They've got and, no structural integrity. Yeah, like they're not they're not a hard thing to transfer into baby food. You just put them in a in a spinning blade. They're good for you too, which is what I love about them. Very radioactive though, as we have covered previously in the podcast. So here we are at the wedding where the gay people get married and we all make jokes about them. Uh and we 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 unveil a misleading pace for the yeah. film. Like to set a trap for you all. This is kind of like uh, what was that? What's that book that's then a play that's then a film that Leonardo DiCaprio was in about kind of the excesses of the wealthy. Oh, the Great Gatsby. Yeah, it's kind of like play? we said. Yeah, well, it was a book originally, but then it was a, it was. A, I'm pretty sure I've got this right. It was a book first. It was always a book, really. It's still a book. No, but the play's big. Like, nah, the play's a very it's nah, a good it's not. big play. The book's big. Um, I don't even know if it's a play. So what we... It definitely is a play, I can assure you of that. What we uh, did is we said to the set designers, we want the great Gatsby in monochrome. And they did it. Lo and behold, they were so... So compliant. Guy's tapped out at this point. He's throwing the mic away in disgust. He can't do it anymore. Give yourself a couple minutes, Guy. Let me try and weave some magic here. Stanford's back. Second time I've seen his goofy face today. Boy, I've never been more excited to see a human turtle in my fucking life dressed in an all-white tuxedo. Jesus Christ, what's going to happen next? I would never be able to guess, except for the fact that I've seen this film 39 fucking times. What we're going to go through is a sequence of awkward back and forwards trying to suggest that there is some sort of old-school friendship going back years. We're throwing lines at each other that are kind of meaningless. Just the pitter-patter of a conversation that you walked into, which wasn't even salacious enough for you to feel guilty about eavesdropping on, but somehow some people decided it was a good thing to put into a movie. Oh, remember that time when I got hooked on coke? That's the most interesting thing that the human turtle says, and he's referring to something that happened 20 years ago. You know what would have been good then? A flashback. We should have put that in. I would have seen that in the movie. A flashback 20 years ago when Stanford was at the height of his goddamn coke binge, and then we've actually got some exciting then we've got tension. Some variation. We've got some stakes. We've yeah. got, like, interesting characters coming in. Also characters who exist outside of the surreal bubble of people who have no concerns in the world except having state-of-the-art flat-screen televisions in their boudoirs. I feel like that's what makes the movie so unapproachable and impossible to engage with, is that no one has anything even approaching a relatable moment. Except for Stephen Brady. (laughs) Everyone can relate to Brady the Rat King because Brady the Rat King represents the worst in all of us, but it's a very human story of power corrupting and absolute power corrupting absolutely. Guy's lost his fucking mind. We're back with the crown. Here we go. (laughs) I haven't seen... I'm going to go round two on the nose spray. Yeah, 
get it up yeah you should probably uh is this you're only supposed to use it once a day though no it's all right you should probably bust out that asthma inhaler as well oh yeah good point uh there are no rats at the wedding it doesn't matter how many times you watch the movie or how much you want something to happen the fact of the matter is it never changes oh my god that oh fuck that is a lovely noise this guy is hot and this guy in the background here in the pink jacket is working so hard to find his frame. The whole movie, everything he does is big. I feel like he misread his role as Mr. Big and misread the title Mr. Big of the character as a direction from Michael and Patrick <laughs> King. I'm Mr. Big. In the last movie I did, I was Mr. Sad because it was a drama. <laughs> in the next film, I'm going to be Mr. Cool because it's a comedy. Sunrise. And I tell you what, this Liza Minnelli cameo becomes less and less impressive with every passing screening uh do you want to know the active ingredient in this nasal spray sure xylometazoline imagine that how unwieldy is this going to appear as an audio file it's Uh, literally five hours of nothing yeah i don't know how to kind of deal with that to be honest but i would like to take this opportunity to thank carmicola whose logo is now been cropped out of shot whoops on the periscope wrong way the wrong way and also Woo. to Big Pipe Internet. Who, who have been uh, providing the internet to allow us to periscope this the whole gosh darn time. They're giving us the juice. And hasn't it held out perfectly? Save for the fact that your phone is on the cusp of explosion at every turn. That's not Big Pipe's fault, though. No. The fault of that lies with... Squarely with old Timbo. I was going to say the name of the phone. It's HTC. We well, can't put it... I mean, they weren't really designed for a five-hour continuous <laughs> periscope stream, to be fair. It's not a consideration they had at the time of design. Although it must be a consideration phone companies have now. That is. Snapdragon or Qualcomm, the company that made them, got in trouble recently because the uh, new 810 chip was uh, overheating in basically every phone they put it in. To T. Prosser, that is not an erection behind our heads. That is an accurate painting of Dan Patrick scaling a rope. For the second time, to those of you who are purely listening (laughs) to this audio file. How the first time around, you piece of shit? God damn it. Mazeltov. And we are preparing for Liza Minnelli's stunning performance once again. What screening did you enjoy this the most? Uh, probably the first, and it's diminishing returns after that. That much, I am sure. Um, of. The musicians, like, they always catch my eye just because they're in the back of shot, and whatever's in the back of shot is what Timbo's paying attention to. And the brass section of the band, they do a pretty good job of faking it. The drummer, clearly terrible. They've the got less to do though. They've just got to make a motion as though they're playing on the like you know on the occasional beat. The drummer is holding time. What I don't get though is, does that mean that Liza Minnelli was mic'd up for this? Because she's she's got to be lip syncing, right? Like she recorded this in a studio and then lip synced over this bit. No, Liza Minnelli insists on doing all of her performances as live audio events as well. It was actually technically a nightmare to nail on the day, but it's an insistence that she makes, uh, and it's like pretty much a deal breaker for her. So just, I get it. You're being, you know, you're being a dick. You're being a contrarian. But realistically, what they did is they recorded it, and then she um, lip synced around that recording, right? So why the fuck couldn't the drummer just hit the drums? Because he borrowed them from his brother. <laughs> okay, fine. Oh, nice one, guy. That's great. We'll just leave that like that, shall we? Real piece of shit, man. Hope you know that. 
Bloody hell. Um, yeah, no, the dance doesn't do anything for me now. I'll tell you that for free. Samantha's wearing the world's biggest ring. I don't know why. It's like she found a seashell when she went to the beach. It was like, yep, I'll never leave you. You're my one true love. I may have hundreds of sexual liaisons with men every year, but I don't care for them like I care for you, seashell. You are my one tri- true ally in this otherwise cold, heartless world. Why did you get married, Miranda? So we wouldn't have to dance to that song. Tell you who we didn't make enough of, uh, or not us actually, but watching uh, Michael and Patrick King discuss the film. They didn't really talk about their dealings with Steve and what he was like on set, which is something I like to speculate about. From all accounts I've heard, Steve is a legendary dude, uh, both in character and out of it. Have you heard that? (laughs) Yes. Have you heard whispers of this fact? (laughs) <coughs> that nailer appears to be having the opposite effect on you. <laughs> that that is where a nailer is sent me right off. Bloody hell. Get a little bottled water in the situation. Steve for crying an awesome guy to hang out with. For crying out loud. Um I feel like at this point in the broadcast it would be fair for us to open up broader questions than those that pertain specifically to Sex in the City too. Part of hemp play? It means such what, as? like yeah I know what do you like what do you make of this what do you make of what we're doing here does this feel like it's just completely devoid of meaning and purpose to you like it does for me yeah yeah originally I was like this would be a funny thing to do but now I just think it is pointless <laughs> like it's 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 stupid there's like it's, this is it's real stupid now it's just silly we're just we're, we're wasting everyone's time we are mostly our own. Oh, overwhelmingly. But also anyone who decides to listen through this far and then the particularly insane people who are like just out of a vague sense of need to know they've ticked off all of the minutes of recording mm-hmm. are also with us at this part of the journey. Although you do have access to us probably at close to our lowest ebb. The ebb's not that low. The energy's low, to be more accurate. Oh, so like moods are okay, but... There's just no, so there's just, no way we can down in the moment. We can't generate enough heat off of this radioactive film content to justify the length of the broadcast. I love Alan. I think she's so great. But I hate her husband. He's such a dick. He's a real piece of shit. This is the Mormon couple who are like, "What? You're not having children? Well, Burn we, yourselves like we could, alive. we could uh, checkpoint all of the emulation, emulation, emulsion." Emulation. Emulation. Checkpoint all of the backstories we've created for people, like namely these two being a highly sensitive Mormon couple. Uh-huh. You know, and as we accumulate uh, moments in the film, we could try and piece it all together to see if it makes sense. <laughs> sure. As a We're going to of- have a heck of a time when we've got eight seconds of Coffee Man appearing on screen and we have to weave together all this. <laughs> and we have to weave together options. 40 episodes worth of... 40 alts. That's a little bit unrealistic. Maybe it's like um, we take a comic book approach to it, like Marvel, and it's their different universes. Like Coffee Guy 616 is like the one true Coffee Guy that most of the fan fiction follows, the storylines and stuff. But then there's there's alts to that. It's like Bizarro Coffee Guy. Yeah. And he's actually a giant cup of coffee. 
any imaginable number Who's of drinking a human. Like, there's any Real imaginable number. Whoa, <laughs> that's good. I like that world a lot. We're in Russia. <laughs> Coffee drinks you exactly. What are the origins of that in Russia books? Like, oh, it's just some internet meme. Who knows it? how they start? Someone in a room. I mean, it was the probably one of the best. <laughs> no one outdoors. Memes are exclusively started by people in rooms. Absolutely. One one of the best applications I've seen recently of that one is, uh, oh, I don't know, just because it was topical, trading off some topical currency was the um, uh, the turkey plane being shot down. That's Norm Lewis, by the way, in the black jacket. No, there. wait, sorry, the Russian plane being shot down, and they said in Soviet Union, Turkey shoots you on Thanksgiving. Ah, uh, you know, there's something there. Yeah, there is. You've got like the ingredients. For oh, it's a not meal. me. That's just, that's someone. That's a look. That ain't me. I have seen the whole turkey shoot joke Thanksgiving thing repeated. It ain't me, babe. No, no, no. It ain't me, babe. Who's that? It ain't me you're looking for, babe. Who that? Robert Zimmerman. I think Bob Dylan. Yes, yeah, this yes, is yeah. How you have I sex. defy you, Tim. Have you ever been having sex like these two are, where all you can think to yell out is agreement with what's happening? To be fair, on film you probably don't want to replicate the sounds of sex one hundred percent accurately because it'd just be disgusting. Well, if you want to do a good job as an actor, you have to. No, but being you- an actor is not about like. A hundred percent being the truest version of the thing. It's like, what is the most appealing to see on screen? Is no like way. Your motivations are all off if that is what you're thinking on screen. Then why does no one sound like uh, they're in kind of deep guttural sexual yucky noises? Because of you film? perpetuating the myth that people need to provide the most savory version of sex rather than the most accurate. What are you talking about? I'm talking about the unrealisticness of everyone just going yes. During sex, yeah. Don't put the onus of proof on me. You broke you 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 had the comeback to begin. With. Oh my god, we're falling apart. At the same I'm trying set. to just trying to because the film's happening in one ear. That's what you got to understand, folks. So guy and I are like coming through in one ear, and then the film's coming through in another ear. It's um it's a complicated operation. It involves a lot of cables. <laughs> it's like a surprising amount, considering how simple that sounds. Yeah, I feel like you didn't really uh, do the technological achievement that you've created here justice. I feel like I wank on about it. It's just, it's going to bore me. I'm just going to get another bottle of water. Oh, Becky Brown on the Periscope wants to see the setup. Oh, she's keen. She wants to see those mics and what they're plugged into. It's a Mackie Pro FX12. Good board. It's a good bit of timber there. It's a good bit of wood. Lovely bit of lovely bit of lumber. So here we are at breakfast at the wedding, which honestly this is, this is having doing this back to back, I will say this for the experience, is seriously confusing. Like I'm very discombobulated right now. Because I so feel like we're we've just in the film or Yeah, like I feel like we've just sat through this hell. Yeah. And obviously we've had to do it again like soon after before, but never like the another bottle of water, please. Oh, yeah, you you sure can. Like, I don't know. I feel like usually there's probably some sort of endorphin rush Thanks. from um 
from the end of the movie. But in this circumstance, it's like it's almost this is like a hellish prolonged deja vu all over again. <laughs> oh god, I hate that. Another tautology. Yoga berry. Yoga berry. Yogi Bear. He was a baseball player. I'm pretty sure who coined that. Oh, deja vu all over again. Yeah. Um. Oh, he said tons of funny shit, eh? Yeah. He's got a few of them. Don't you dare ever talk off mic, by the way. I, <laughs> I will punch you right in the face. Don't, I love this effect. Don't do it. It sounds like I'm at the other end of the room. Don't do it, man. Hey, while I'm down here cooking eggs, do you want anything? <laughs> oh, guy playing with character. Jesus. Jesus Christ. I'm just going to go to the bedroom. The main one that really shits me is 2am in the morning. If you follow up with either PM or AM by like further establishing what part of the day it's in, you're wasting time. 2am in the morning. <laughs> 2am in the morning. Yeah. When else is 2am, fuckwit? God, it shits me. <laughs> Some people don't have the same amount of information about time as you do. They're just not analytical about what they say, which, <laughs> listen, I full well get. I get that. There's going to be definitely a lot of things I've said on this recording that I regret. But you got to, you got to just, you got to have a thirst for knowledge and self improvement. You know, you're not going to continue to say 2 a.m. in the morning. Change yourself <laughs> for the better. <laughs> you're, I feel like right now, specifically, you're at a point with uh, Sex and City 2 where I was quite often with grown ups through last year where it was like, you just can't handle the repeated <laughs> idiocy. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Like you just you you're actually at a point where you're unreasonably expecting these people to change their ways, which is probably the least safe and most frustrating spot to be in with the film because it's just so unrealistic, but it feels like it's so tangible. You've lost me. Well, like you know the idea that you you want these people to. Well, did none of them say 2 a.m. in the morning in the film? Are you just going off on anyone who says that in general? Are you all right? Yeah, I'm trying to remember. Was it in the film or was it something someone on Periscope said? I don't know. Man, that's not, that, doesn't bode well. that doesn't bode well at all. Hey, the, don't, don't do that. Don't you do what? Grip the mic with your hands. It feels good. The, this entire like thing of why there's these things... It's so that you can't hear it when you move the arm. Money has gone into it and you're just touching shitting the, on it I'm by just touching, grabbing the I'm microphone. I'm touching money. You're shitting on yourself. Now you're watching two friends turn on each other. Respect the record. Oh, I can't respect anything right now. I can't respect myself or no. you or anything. You're only antagonizing me with every word you this say. This is just fucking useless because... I guess it's what tension is in a movie. Why would you introduce the big tittied nanny where you barely go back to her during the film at all? And then at the end, you wrap up in such a stupid way anyway. It's just like she was a dumb idea on paper to begin with, even if you gave her more screen time. And then you just like I make feel, her appear. In the, in the script writing process, I feel like he wrote this archetype and he was just like, play, like and in parentheses next to the big tittied nanny, he just wrote, uh, placeholder so it was like uh, it was just this is never a plot, got filled in yeah there's just a plot device this is an example of what we could do and it's just going to sit there yeah and then you know come shooting day they hadn't done any you know they've been so distracted by I don't know what they were distracted by to be honest I don't, there's no part of this movie feels like attention time and effort has gone into it except there's a wardrobe am I right 
Oh, so lavish. But that wasn't so on the filmmakers. Beautiful. That was on like the you know the suppliers, the brand, the brand providers, and oh, dresses. Yeah. All the labels involved. Like I don't know where the actual filmmaking part. Like for so many weeks, you kept going uh, that there's too many too cooks many guy. cooks murderer should be behind that curtain whenever we watched it. And I'm with you, man. It would be so good to just a real have a bit of enjoyable change of pace. bit of violence in this film for a change. Too many cooks. Too many cooks. Too many cooks. It takes a lot. Have you seen the uh, the the mother infomercial version of Too Many Cooks, the Adult Swim release? Yes. Holy shit, that is dark. Isn't that good? That is seriously dark. That's like, because Too Many Cooks is at least as like mind-bendingly hilarious but there's no like let up in that it's just becomes darker and darker i like the bit where they start like transforming their actual bodies and shit because that's when shit goes real just terror just straight terrifying i've got to redo the phone it's overheated again good on it so to anyone to anyone out there is there anybody going to listen to my story all about the girl who came to play? It's a Beatles song. <laughs> You've lost it, mate. <laughs> you lost it, blood. Help! I need somebody. Oh, Brady. Brady. I've been fucking seen. So just, okay, I'm sort of breaking character here a little bit, but just to absorb the fucking straws at which we are clutching every week in the movie, this comprises like over 50% of Brady's screen time. Yeah, isn't that disappointing? The mouse maze there, very cool um, decor on the outside of the box. Like there's a, a super cool effect. I'm sure he got points at the science fair for that alone. He's got a mouse or a rat inside the maze. What I understand is how does he win? Like, the, what is it? Does it just successfully make its way to the other end of the maze throughout the day? And they go, oh my God, that mouse is smart. You win. Well, generally when you do a mouse maze, it's about like you put cheese there and you're kind of testing, well, how clever is the mouse? Because I've put walls here. So let's time how long it takes and like if it can remember where dead ends are. Yeah, so you're really looking for it to revisit dead ends and be like, oh, I you're, guess a, dumb, you're yeah, a dumb because mouse. Otherwise, you a dumb mouse brain. If, if you put cheese there, right, but it just fluked it, You'd be like, oh, so mice are super intelligent. <laughs> this just in. You know? Yeah. So well, but like, be... so a certain, like a certain number of experiments. Like there'll be one scientist out there who was first experimenting with mice and built a mouse maze and was like, oh my God, we're finished. Because their like one in a million mouse made it to the maze without making a single rod turn. So what will he have proved? Like... I don't know, the parallel universe theory. Oh, right. So <laughs> I'm proving that we can fluke it. What a shit scientist. Just making a whole bunch of really off crap shoots at shit. And if one of them pulls off, that's really coincidental. He's like, see, chance exists. <laughs> he's just, you might not like him. It's but the he's, worst scientist I've ever heard you of. You don't like right? him, but he's getting results. Of all your characters, this one least, makes the least amount of sense. <coughs> oh, Jesus. Oh, I think that the filmmakers made a real error here in getting rid of the only... Sex and City was known for nudity. 
getting rid of the only real semblance of nudity in the film so early. Of course, most people who went to this in the cinemas... But they don't say... They don't wet um, the nanny's top and then go, this is the only titties you yeah, see yeah. in the movie. This it's almost it. like a tease of like, oh, who knows what could happen. If, yeah, you're getting, yeah. if you're getting breast through white singlet now, any number of possible nudes will appear. But this just in, we really wanted to make the movie PG-13 just to really yeah. squeeze The closest any other thing we get to nudity there. in the rest of the film is... Some pretty gratuitous cock shots. We say that like we're massively team. disappointed. I don't need or want nudity in this film. We're just saying this is what the filmmakers Look, I think did. The fact that we're probably about three hours into a record right now would allow for some uh, leniency as to the subject matter of what we talk about. Our brains are at their wits' end. Yeah, you got to forgive us, folks. You got to forgive us what we do. At the trespasses we take against you, and, and the trespasses against themselves. Look at this motherfucker making a million motherfucking cupcakes. This motherfucker is the motherfucking stupidest motherfucker I ever did see. Oh no. Look at the problem. I will never understand. I think I flagged this the first time we watched it. Charlotte is a high society lady. And I know maybe she enjoys making cupcakes. Maybe she finds it uh, like relaxing or meditative. But in this circumstance, it obviously isn't. And I just cannot help but wonder why at no point does she pack it in and say, I don't want to make these cupcakes. I'm out. I'm going to hire someone. I'm going to buy cupcakes on the way to the party. I'm going to do anything else instead of following through with these goddamn cupcakes. Me, 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 me. And how do you get a child so upset on camera? That is not acting. Like someone that young doesn't have the capability to access that emotion without pretty much that emotion being activated. You cannot get a child actor to act that upset through acting. Oh. Life. Whole life, whole life, whole life. Life. Do, 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 do. Life, whole life, whole life, whole life. Do, 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 do. Do, 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 do. Do, 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 do. Do, 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 do. Do, do, Cut. Hard cut, guys. You just talk underneath it. I'm going to sing over you. Oh, it's so distracting, though. Sometimes life is being trapped in a closet against your kids that you can't handle. Sometimes life is putting estrogen cream on your vagina while you're at work in your PR firm. Sometimes life is being a cool-looking actor in the wrong movie. It really feels like you've bailed on me here, guy. I need your love and support right now. This one's going out to all the boys. Fighting overseas. 
God bless you. God bless America. <laughs> Imagine that if there was an NZ, and uh, what are they called? USO show. And uh, <laughs> these like officers that were on their third tour in Iraq got that song. <laughs> life all over. It's like, oh, doesn't funny things happen during the course of your life sometimes. It's like, I don't yeah, I fucking see got my arm blown off by an IED yesterday. Life is funny, isn't it? Isn't it twee? What songs do they sing at, at USO shows? They must all be just big old flag waving. You know, you donut burning, guitar picking. What are, what are those songs? Cousin Passion, Hollering Good Time. Garth Brooks covering Nickelback's Remind Me. <laughs> Remind Me would be the worst song. And yes, a US yes. show, because all the officers would either be like, Christ, it's Nickelback, shoot me now. And there'd be a lot of guns around to make uh, that happen. You know, or the alternative is, uh, this is just a really sad emotional song. I once saw Nickelback. They were opening for the Rolling Stones How? in New Zealand in How did 2005. That happen, eh? I, I remember that actually, and there was, and quite rightly so, public outrage. <laughs> like, and we I, haven't had a protest like that since the Springbok. I got tour. there early. I went to the concert with my dad, and we got there early, and Nickelback were playing. Uh, and the like, no one was interested or cared. Because the crossover, like, they just had one hit song, and the Stones were like, they'll help sell tickets, I guess. Which is a silly... You know, concession that, from the I Rolling nah, Stones. I don't think that's what it is. Mick Jagger is an economist, like, like any, from day yeah. dot. Everything he does is about profit. What any, he's trying anyway, to do is get himself down to just the slightly younger quadrant than what the Stones they were, focus on. They were um, singing, and then Chad Kroger, the lead singer, was like, the pedal pop oh, line. I just lo- I love it in New Zealand. Oh, I might buy a, might buy a nice little property down here in Wellington. You know, if you if you live next door and the smell of marijuana is wafting over the fence, that'll be me. And I was just like, oh how desperate God. can a human being be? Fucking hell. Chad Kroger, you human penis. What is the time? How long have we been here? <laughs> <laughs> a reasonable question. And the answer is it's uh, 20, 25 to 3. Christ alive. We started this in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. And it is now like, not even. you know, we're really into the afternoon. Like we're really headed out the other side of it, truth be told. God damn. Oh, and here is the bone of contention we're that not, will we're derail even, the rest of this movie. When the fuck is this ending? Uh, I did the math real wrong in my head when I tried to calculate when this. Holy shit. I did do the math wrong. I was like, okay, we'll start watching at about 10.30 and then we'll be done at about 2.30. We'll be done about 4.20. Fuck. Oh, man. I fucked up. I really done goofed. Oh, you done goofed. Consequences. I uh, would like to congratulate anyone listening to this as the audio file because you can actually see, like, you can chart the emotional journey. I'm sorry, as opposed to what? Well, like... We have no gauge of how far through the actual enterprise we are, really. But they can chart the emotional journey against how much time has actually lapsed and how much time remains. No, I mean, I took issue with your premise. You said, like, if you're listening to this as an audio well, file. Not, it's if, a podcast, mate. Well, not, you know, no no one on the Periscope. Like someone who's just sat down oh, and I listened see. to it and made it this far through. Oh. Is that not? Yeah, okay, right. 
Like, well, I'm just, I don't yeah. like. I don't imagine that many people are going to make it to this point of the podcast. Some of you, some of you, fucking lousy layabout cheating motherfuckers, have probably fast forwarded the audio fucking file to this point just to see what's happening. Well, guess what's happening, motherfucker? I'm deriding you for your laissez-faire attitude towards this enterprise in podcasting. Jesus. So let me tell you what the situation is with my phone because the per- the periscope's gone. It's gone dark, um, and you'll only hear this after the fact. Periscope. But uh, the phone, I think the reason it's so hot is it's actually taking more power to run Periscope than it is getting a charge from the wall. Oh, really? Yeah. Holy shit. That's incredible. So, like, the battery's dead. (laughs) Yeah. But it was charging the whole time. Yeah. It was plugged in the whole time. Fifty-two. But I am 50 fucking two and I will rock this dress. Oh, Christ. Do you reckon she's in the TV series? Didn't someone tell us she was, the sales assistant? Uh, probably. Probably as some bit part character. Who told us? Who have we watched the movie with recently who's seen it a bunch of times? Paul Shear? No, no, no. <laughs> Welcome that, along, by the way. To anyone who just listened to the Paul Shear episode and decided they'd give the next one a go to see how they like the project, welcome along. How are you? Three and a half hours deep. <laughs> look at you. Yeah, look look at you. At, you haven't you done well. Look at you just going for it. Good on you, Just man. giving us the benefit of the doubt. Well done. Well done, brothers and sisters with us on this journey. Brothers and sisters. Just to let you know. I hope you're sisters, feeling all right. We are in... Carrie and Big's apartment now, and uh, <laughs> and who cares? Who fucking guy's on his phone? He's officially checked out. There's supposed to be one of the rules, man. I am. <laughs> what does that mean? I am. It's not like a defense or anything. I was on my phone. I'm going off it again. I just had to. Yeah, okay. All I know is I'm lost without you. I'm not Fuck gonna me. love. Oh, uh. God damn. How am I gonna be strong without you? I That's need you by my be. side. I used to love Delta Goodrum. My little sister bought the CD and we listened to it and we drive around the North Island as a family when I must have been about 14. And I didn't really let on, but those songs really affected me. I had a crush on a family friend. I never said anything. I was too nervous. And we drove away early in the morning at about 5 a.m. listening to Delta Goodrum. And that was a truly poignant and emotional moment in my adolescence. It got you, eh? And I've never said that out loud to anyone until now. And that is like purely on account of being exposed to sex in the city too for this long. Well, let's talk about it some more. So uh, did you ever confess your love to this? uh, No. It was like a... um, This person? Boy or girl? It was a girl, 13 years old, and no. In hindsight, <laughs> knowing what I know about... Like that I'm just kind of throwing bisexuality on you as a little uh, bent just for this episode as well. I like that. Yeah. You know, in adolescence, you're particularly finding your feet. Subject Things are subject to change. Carrie Bradshaw just walks into our lives week after week and makes the same fucking complaints about the same non-events and problems. She's like the anti-Delta Goodrum. Yeah, I'm in the She's Brooklyn. like Alpha Goodrum. Well, the good news is that we're at the movie premiere. 
which means that at least the notion of them going to Abu Dhabi will be raised soon, which means that eventually they have to wind up at Abu Dhabi, which means that they spend... Tim! The wheels are in motion, though, guy. The wheels are in motion. Do you think hubris has gotten the better of us? Quite possibly. Hubris. The notion that we could be entertaining while commentating Sex in the City 2 for five consecutive hours. Yeah, but it's, I, you know, this is what it's all about. Yeah, this is, isn't it? You get in deep. We're kicking What tires, you do, you put on your, gal- you put in your galoshes, you walk outside in the rain, you put your feet in a puddle, and you get in deep. You fill your galoshes with water. You empty them. But as you empty them, you're only picking up more water on the way up from the oh, ankle deep water. Suddenly you realize you are under the water. You've fallen into a babbling brook that is above your head, and you've sunk to the bottom inextricably, and you, all you can think to do is undo your wet gumboots and try, and try and tip them out. It's not doing anything, and you're drowning. You've drowned, you're dead. You've drowned, you're dead. You're goddamn dead. There's another kiss. I'm just throwing them out there now. <laughs> it's another crane shot. For a crane How shot tr- is always a gift. How do you get a cherry picker inside a, like a building, inside an inside? You know? Good question. Tom, Jacob, Jingle, Hannah, Smith, John. His name is my name too. You can't just check out and start singing shit. You can't. I won't let that happen. I won't let that be what this is. But we could just take a a walk through the recesses of my mind as I recall phrases from different songs that impacted me during my upbringing. (laughs) We'll do two more. It's an entirely different product we're releasing though, isn't it? (laughs) In a way, though, look this is what all... is what is hallmarked the uh, the product thus far, guy, is the inability to really just fucking corner the thing. It's a slippery flat for it, fish. It's a slippery. What are you? Listen to you. You're worried about me losing it. No, I'm just saying there's no parameters. No, it's the beauty of it. It's the beauty of the enterprise. So things aren't an upset unless there's an expectation not being met. But if the expectation isn't there, then it's not an upset. It's like a long-winded way of saying Vaughn's Vince Mantra, Vince Vaughn's Mantra and Dodgeball. Dodgeball, Dodgeball. Oh, my God. Here we go. Here we go. getting lazy. Repeat after me. Yellow lorry leather fuck tits. Yellow lorry leather fuck tits. Nice one. Nice one, guy. You are a funny dude. Turtle man. (laughs) (laughs) You're here again. You're back from outer space. Turtle man with the bifocals. showed up with those bare glasses, wearing them upon your face, and you told Carrie Bradshaw her husband's having fun, and now you've wreaked havoc, and and your work is done. The only one. And now you're back. That song will always make me think of The Replacements, the Keanu Reeves movie where he uh, assembles together a ragtag team of second-grade football players and takes them to whatever the fictitious equivalent of the NFL playoffs is. Maybe they don't make the playoffs. They certainly outperform their expectations. And then there are a bunch of replacement players, you know. I gotta say, for how like uh, sexually forward both Penelope Cruz and Chris Noah are being towards each other, or their characters are in the scene, Carrie Bradshaw handles the whole thing 
pretty tastefully. Very with a very relaxed right, understanding. Actually. Yeah, like I, I have I have kind of been viewing the um the uh, uh I've been on guy on big side a lot, and it's been in a vacuum, right? Like I removed the context of that scene before I've cast my Watch dispersions. This. Yeah, so I kind of separate them out too much at this point. So it's like, yeah, Big is making some bold plays in front of his wife. And he, like, he, he throws out in cool front of it. his wife as he like stops talking to a stranger that neither of them know who is quite striking and obviously very flirtatious. He says, I'll try to keep it up for you. Yeah, man, this, that is a bold move. <laughs> and Cotton. Carrie Bradshaw just takes it. Like one of the few uh, level-headed responses she has to something here, although this is even not level-headed, this is like too understanding, which might... Yeah, she's gone too far the other way with that pendulum. But then, so they come back to this and she starts throwing outrageous shit at him, but nothing... It's like ships in the night. One issue happens and the other one kind of dismisses it. And then Carrie's not being called out on her shit in this one either. Do you know what they need to do? They need to communicate in the moment, guy. Carrie and Big need to talk about this shit as it happens. I'm a huge advocate of that, Tim. You can't let shit sit and fester because then you become Carrie Bradshaw and John Big. And no one wants that for their lives. It's horrible. We know. We've We've spent a lot of time with this couple and they're not having happy lives. They aren't. I don't, you know what? Like, you know, they get the glamorous movie launches and they got the fancy apartments and the the trips to Abu Dhabi. I do not envy either of these characters and their lifestyles remotely. Eating a little bit more. Chucky. Chucky. It's good. It's 50% um, cocoa. So that dark chocolate gives you a good energy hit. So this should help get us through the remaining 12 hours of the film. Good on you, camp leader. I'm so glad you're here. Go fuck yourself, <laughs> bim tat. Ah, <laughs> uh, it's all a bit of fun, isn't it? Is it? <laughs> it is all a bit of fun. That is why we got into this game. What? For a bit of fun with friends. Yeah, man. I was listening back because I listened to a big cut up of the first season, the best of real, and that bit's in there where you talk about the reason I wanted to kick this off is just so I could hang out with you more and we could become better friends. It's really sweet. I say that real early, eh? Real early, yeah. It's really sweet. Um, that cut up- God almighty, how the completion of the podcast has changed. We're- you need to listen to that thing, man. It was a real trip to listen to that three-hour product. So I'll tell you what, folks. Um, someone's made a best of real. Brett, name him. I don't know if he wants to be named or not. He might not. Yeah, no, he's probably, yeah. Brett is the awesome dude who organised um, large portions of our trip to LA in the first place. In the, in the first one, where we ended season one. Uh, and um, he like he worked at Cine Family and organised the whole theatre so we could do a screening and shit. It was bloody wonderful. And now the dude has um, found some time in his shed to cut up season one into this three-hour-long best up, which I don't know who the, <laughs> who the, the audience for that product is. But it'll Is it exist. you, gonna, person gonna, who's just listened to three hours of one continuous ramble? We're gonna we're gonna try and sell it because we're, we're gonna sell some things, man. We spend a lot of money on this podcast, and we haven't made much back. <laughs> haven't made uh, well, in fact, any. <laughs> you might say mm, we gotta give a shout out to our friends at Kamakola and Big Pipe. Of course, yes, yes, you're dead right. I just mean like at this stage, we're still paying oh, yeah, for the microphones. Yeah, the we're still running at a loss. A little bit of gear, a little bit of gear. Fuck. Speaking of, goddamn, I could go for a pizza. Are you hungry? 
Um, yeah, I mean, I could eat. Are you actually not that hungry? I'm not super hungry. I've got like, you know, I'm, I'm hopped up on bananas chocolate. and chocolate and water. That's uh, not very filling, though. They're quick burners. Yeah, you're not wrong. And saying that, I mean, if a pizza was to miraculously appear, yeah. I wouldn't be devastated. Yeah. I wouldn't like turn my nose up at it and not partake. Mm, I hear you. I hear that. Um, shit. Now Should I'm just pizza? watching you do decision making. Yeah, it's very hard after this amount of sex in the city too. So what Carrie doesn't realise in propositioning her husband, Mr. Big, with this. Do you realise... Oh, wait, no, she's not talking about going to Abu Dhabi. I was going to say, she says just to bang it out. I was like, that's a good allusion to running into your ex-boyfriend. Uh, that would have been a neat little bit of foreshadowing. Maybe it is. Who's to say? The filmmakers, who we've already heard from. The thing of it is, though, Carrie is currently propositioning Big with a deal which uh, he will turn back to her and she will find very unappealing. And we're about to run into Coffee Guy for the second time in as many viewings. Well, that's something to look forward to, isn't it? We see the waiter there taking his order on the corner table. She goes, what do you want? And he goes, a fuck ton of caffeine. She goes, okay. And she goes and gets it. Meanwhile, the gals are still planning a trip to Abu Dhabi in the foreground. In the background, Brady the Rat King is taking a sweet time playing Pokemon Yellow on his DS. You'll see him there. It's underneath the table. You can get yellow for a DS. And he's started jamming through his first lot of Java. Very quick cuts there. Second loading of Java for the coffee guy and a third. And with that, he says, up, up and away in my beautiful, my beautiful balloon. And that's exactly where he's going. He's going to fly a hot air balloon all the way to Oz. Um... Not Oz as in the land of by Lewis Carroll, I believe, originally wrote The Wizard of Oz. No. Uh, he's going to Australia. Lewis Carroll. That's where he's goddamn going. C.S. Lewis? No, that's Lion, Witch and Wardrobe. Welcome back to all of the Periscope users. Tim's phone has sufficiently cooled down. We're on a slightly jauntier angle now. The thing is, it didn't have a lot of... Ba- the battery's going to run itself dead, folks. Um, there you go. This is but a fleeting moment in time. So welcome back for the duration of however long this works. Yes, yes, but you have a husband. Yes. Yes, I am Samantha. And you'll have a husband. I will never have a husband for I am a sexually adventurous and independent lady. I'm the spawn of John Lennon and Linda McCartney. They had a secret love tryst. Don't tell anybody I'm going to fuck a robot in the Middle East on the show. Oh my God, you're like 75% Beatle. Your dad was a Beatle and your mum was having <laughs> sex with a Beatle. Oh. oh, that sounds weird when you put it like that, eh? What did you do last night? You could say I slept with John Lennon or I fucked a beetle. <laughs> if you said the latter, people would be like, holy holy smokes. You fucked <laughs> you a beetle. How did that beetle. even, like, just from a pure logistics point of view, Dude, where you at? Why do they call them a dung beetle? Is it because the D infests on dung? <laughs> Fuck. Could be. Could well be. Keeping it together over here, baby. <laughs> hey, we're 100% good. Uh, what, where are we at? Do you want to give a, throw a time check out there for our periscopers? 
What, how many minutes and six have we clocked 53 up? minutes, 48 seconds. We are looking at another hour and a half of movie. <laughs> no, more than that. An hour, more than an hour and 40 maybe. Wait, what did you say it was up to? 53. 50. Is it? Shit. That's actually quicker than I was than I thought. Yeah, we're moving along at a reasonable clip here. Oh, we all missed you. See, now I said this last week. I don't think I said it during the ep, but while we, oh no, week before while we we're watching it together. Fucking so this bit here in the movie, this is like just the natural end of the episode because it's like Michael Patrick King knows how to write yep. for the TV show, yep. and it's like we've kind of. It's been a shit storyline. It'd be a bad episode, but it's Absolutely. like beginning, middle, end, and then they drive off and live happily ever after. That's an episode. So you're kind of like, oh, what a short film. And then they just start an episode two. So it's not like we've done the beginning and you we're consider that, to the middle. That's it's the like prologue we've already to the had, actual movie. We've already had beginning, middle, and end, and now we're back at the beginning of a brand new thing. It's just a fuck around. This was a fuck around for filmmakers. Yeah, it is a big fuck around, Tim. And you're a real fucko. You're a real fucko. In the great words of Barley Breen. Harley Breen. Yeah, he calls everyone fuckos. Yeah, it's a good entrance. It's a good strong entrance for a comedian to make. Just arrive on stage. G'day, fuckos. Funniest introduction I've ever heard. When I um, uh, lived in Wellington... There was a guy who did like a new faces competition, got on stage, and there, w- there was about 150 people. Like the room was 100% packed to the rafters, mate. And he just got on stage. He's obviously not really been on stage before and just kind of got blinded by the light that was shining at him. So I went to shield his eyes and just went into the mic. Fuck, there's a lot of cunts out there. Like very genuine. Just there wasn't an ounce of comedy about it. He was just making an observation in an unguarded and, moment. Yeah. But it was, the, it was the funniest introduction I've ever heard. And God bless his soul. That young man grew up to be... Bill Cosby. Jesus. <laughs> I was going to say Nick Swartzen. Oh, yeah. Much more savoury character. That talented man. And there's the Euro message. <laughs> HTC are telling him he's unable to charge his phone because he's using too much power to fix this problem, reduce power consumption. Well... I can't. Get out of it, HTC. <laughs> we'll just have to run this thing into the ground and charge it again. <sighs> Fuck, what are you up to, Big? He's just creating the same problem he creates day after day, week after week in oh, his relationship. Good to, know. good to know. I thought I was missing something. Like he was trying out a new option. Oh, dude, we're actually getting seriously close to not having to watch this movie anymore. I know <laughs> yes. that if you run the numbers, like what is it? It's nine and two is what? Eleven. Eleven. Yeah. That's not many. Yeah, yeah. That's real. That's very heartening. Like that. It's still a lot of time spent. I don't like thinking it's about- It's still more or less an entire day in a human year. Spread across a shit stream of a few months. Eleven times two and a half is almost exactly. Um, here's the thing though. I don't like to focus on finish lines until I'm like right next to them. Otherwise, it's just like, cool. I'm done. I'm going to take my foot off the gas. And I will not relent with this. I don't even know what that would be. What would that be in this project? Me taking my foot off the gas. It doesn't make any sense. Like I would still need to watch the movie. There's no not watching the movie. 
I don't know what it would be. Have you ever had a dream with these characters in it? Uh, I think I have. I think I've had one. Yeah. How about you? I don't think so. And we're off, ladies and gentlemen. Finally, these fucking bastards are on a plane to Abu Dhabi. Woo! Goodness gracious me. Could it have taken any longer? I think not. But they are pleased to welcome us on board and shit. Hello, ladies. Oh, boy. <laughs> Just because we're on the way to Abu Dhabi, it doesn't mean our work here is by any means done. The thing is, I've got things to achieve this evening. I can't imagine, like, I'm going to be fit to work for at least two or three hours after this experience. It's so draining. You do, it's like doing the 40-hour famine. You just need to kind of clear the books afterwards, have a good sleep, rest up. Is that what you're going to do? How much, money no. do, how much money do you think Pringles paid? They get, like, two bits of seriously good close-up shots and one bit of name recognition out loud. I reckon early six digits. More than that. I reckon in the 200s. Two hundred thousand dollars, like more between two and three. More, I and I look. I don't know what I'm basing that on because I've never worked in the film industry. But that's what I reckon. That's what I'm wildly. Guessing. I think they paid one million dollars. A million bucks. Anyone out there who works for Pringles, please let us know your marketing budget and how much of it you lost on this stupid <laughs> venture. They've made the same grievous error. Actually, came up one holy... the same error as these guys did. Do you know what would be a good way to protest the company? Um, to really fuck them over would be to do uh, a boycott of a product that's in a, in a movie. So, you like, don't you like. take issue with the movie and then you boycott the product that's been product placed because then the that company is then like, what the fuck? Like, we paid all this money to be in the movie to try and shift units, and you have literally taken our money and done the opposite. That'd be effective as it really make those filmmakers. Second so guess. Apologize for what he Sounds like did. a lot of trouble to go to. I reckon it would elicit some pretty powerful lobbying, though, from the peeps. I disagree. Sounds like nonsense. Hey, I respect you, man. All right. I don't like you. Right now, in particular, I look at you. Look at me. I don't feel anything. <laughs> like. Do you want chocolate? No, I'm okay, thank you. Just like we're sort of, um, you know, we're just... I was on trying this, to defuse the situation with a little sweet treat. We're just on this journey together. Like, I don't think either of us knew when we first decided we watched Grown Ups 2 together that we'd land here. Who could see that coming, you know? No one. Those were more innocent times. More efficient times, to be sure. And that's what made watching Paul Blart Mall Cop so much easier, I think. Yeah, it was just like, oh, cool. Here's a, another one of those wonderful rare movies that isn't Sex in the City 2. <laughs> that is kind of what it feels like. You ready for a photo? We are still here, coming to you live from Greyland, New Zealand, as we watch Sex in the City 2 for the second time in as many hours, <laughs> although it's actually the second time and probably we're approaching our fourth hour now. 
Um, searching for new things to say, new feelings to feel, finding more or less nothing. Sort of like in that song, American Pie, when they go to the levee. That it was dry? The levee is dry. Thank you, Amon T. Them good old boys were drinking whiskey and rye, singing. Uh, general film watching outside of Sex and City 2 to at Spangly Goblin on Periscope. Uh, I I love good movies. Yeah, I... I Who doesn't, you know? I actually watched for the first time Punch Drunk Love this week. Did you? Yeah. What do you think? It's really good. It's quite uncomfortable watching, but it's fucking beautiful. I also saw the program, the new Lance Armstrong movie last night or the night before. Oh, is that good? No, I was pretty disappointed. Boo. I want to see um, Bridge of Spies. Yeah, that looks good. Next thing I want to get to. I had a friend who worked on the uh, on the set dressing and props department of that film. Mean. Who said two things. Tom Hanks is the world's most wonderful man. More or less exactly. Tom Hanks gave away like the last pastry. He was like, no, 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 you, they went for it at the same time. He's like, no, 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 you have it. I've been watching oh. you. You've been working harder than me today. Oh. I'll have it one of the days when I'm working hard. God damn it. Tom Hanks, America's true sweetheart. Fuck, I love Tom Hanks. And the other observation was that Steven Spielberg is so unfazed. He's like, it's just a, it's just his day job. Like, it's just another day it, at work for him. That's cool, man. I dig that. Because that doesn't take away from how hard he works or anything. But I just, I dig that he's now on his own of like... He's so I, I've got this. I know how to do this. Let's get it done. Let's do the process. That'd be cool. Yeah, fucking frazzled I'd be trying to make a movie, trying to bloody put one of them together. Pretty frazzled, I can imagine, Tim. Fucking frazzled. Going to have to um, turn the phone off again. By Periscope. The great frazzler. The rizzler, the frazzler. The Mr. Bombastia. Fine, take them. I don't even need these hormones. Do you think, Tim, this movie has defeated us? No, dog. I think as long as we're watching it, it hasn't won, which is maybe showing my own, now that I've said it out loud, like perception has been warped. I feel like it might have defeated us. Like, how? I feel like we. How could you see victory in watching. Like, when the adversary is the movie, how is the victory in keeping watching it? Like, I think the the measure of success is whether or not the content we're creating on the back of it outweighs the misery and difficulty of watching the product. And I think that specifically right now, we've broken that barrier and like the movie is taking more from us than we are giving to the world. Oh, I see. Yeah. Fuck. It's a net negative. That's cool. Yeah, it's not. I didn't frame our uh, work very favorably there. It's a net loss, is what you're trying to say. And I don't mean to do. I don't mean to do that to you. Appreciate it. If you could have any superpower, what would it be? Mm, you just get one. Hmm. Super strength would be pretty cool. I've always preferred speed to strength. Like, if you could be the world's yeah, fastest or strongest person, what would you oh, be? Oh, fastest. Definitely. If it's by, like... But I don't know. When you get to super... So you mean if it's by, like, actual human metrics? If it was by human metrics... So you're as I would fast go, as if, Usain Bolt. If, if it was by human metrics, I would go strong. If it was by superhuman metrics, I would definitely go speed. Because I feel like... 
the difference between what I can run in Usain Bolt and what I could pick up versus the world's strongest man, like the latter is a bigger gap. Truly? Than what I reckon I imagine would be like yeah, because four it, or five seconds over 100 metres? Yeah, because it's like, what's that? There's not that much difference. Whereas I can pick up fuck all, but the world's strongest man could pick up like okay. you know, 200 kgs or more, something. Yeah, that's fair. Doesn't this uh, hotel manager tolerate that magic carpet, uh, vaguely racist jibe, spectacularly well week after week? He well, never lets it get to him. Actor is British. He probably took no offense to it. He's just like, "Yep, we're all making money today." <laughs> and what a good day that is! It's a good day to be alive. Good day to be working on Sex in the City too. You know what's crazy to me is none of these people on set, and there are a lot of them. Uh, both on set and on camera right now and behind the camera would have had any consideration for the adverse effects that this mo- this film would have on on us. There's no consideration when they were making this for what we would do to it and ourselves. I can't help but think that we're to blame. <laughs> I'm inclined to agree with you, Mr. Carla Mann. You're kind of smooching the pop shield. It's like I'm almost falling asleep on top of the microphone now. I just... And I'm still what... Listen, I'm still... My eyes are glued to the screen. But fuck. Have a banana. Nah, that's not it. I'm like full. I'm full of chocolate. But... I just don't want to be watching the movie, that's all. I am in exactly the right place. The thing is, they've just got there. Yeah. And there's more than half the movie to go. Yeah. And this is funny to me. This is quite literally, we have made the exact same error yes. with this director's commentary as we made with season two of the podcast. Yeah. Like I, we keep saying that it's an error. It's definitely more difficult. I don't know if it's a a loss. I don't know yet. I'm on the fence. I, I certainly am like, not dismissing that idea. I don't. I don't look. I don't think it's an error. I think we've, you know, we've we've battled hard. We've dug deep, but I think, you know, for us or for me specifically, I've always been like, and I've always been. I would never make a grave mistake like biting off something which is bigger than I can chew. Just again, because it sounds, just funny. because it sounds funny, and then we are quite literally in the middle of doing exactly that right now. Nah, once we're out of the, once we're out of this, it'll. I don't know. I actually think this might stay with me for a bit though. This has been horrible. You'll carry long term effects. Yeah. I will carry them. That line doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I've never got it. Belly up, ladies. As she, um, what's that called? Drapes herself on top of a piano. Belly up, ladies. So just for those of you, I don't... Is qu- that what you I would don't... say when you would cheers glasses? Like when you nah. were Oh, yeah, you can say belly up. Belly up. Bottoms I, up. No, you say bottoms I, up. You I don't quite up. know how to address... Like the timeline of the movie right now, because if you've made it this far, and I'm assuming you've listened to the first version of the movie, which means you might vaguely know where we are. But if by some miracle you're just wandering through the bloody alleyways of the internet and have stumbled into the third <laughs> hour, three yeah, and a yeah, half, whatever we're up to. of this podcast, you have no concept of. Uh, Carrie, Samantha, Charlotte, and Miranda are just checking into the Jewel Suite at a very swanky hotel owned by. Shake, I can't remember Shake. his name. The Shake. Uh, so they're just being shown around by Get On, who is Carrie's personal butler. 
And uh, they're being very impressed by the facilities and the rooms. In spite of the fact that Miranda and Carrie have to share a bed, even though like there are seven different rooms which aren't for sleeping, it makes no sense. And now they're going to go and for the first time really uh, start absorbing and observing the different cultures that they have as women in the American West and the women of the United Arab Emirates have. Feel like I did a good, boring, factual job of rehashing what's happening to you. Way to paint the picture, dude. I feel like good on you. A history. You. I feel like a substitute teacher of history. Well, done. hey, cheers. Well done. Bellies up, lady. Mmm, it's good water. Yummy water. Yummy water. Ooh, I wouldn't mind kissing you upon the belly button. What's that? A ball of lint as large as my throat? Oh dear, I'm choking. Oh, I'm not even a human. I'm a cat and it's coming out as a hairball. Ooh, please pet me. Don't take me down to the litter. I do not like the kitty litter or the litter of kitties. I am a grown-up cat, a grand cat, a grand daddy cat, and I live in the mountains on a kingdom of cheese. Why is the cat looking belly buttons? Curious cat. Curiosity killed that cat. Uh-uh. Almost. Hello, my name is Igor. I am the vice consulate to the president of the Russian United States. I would like to talk to you today about Microsoft PowerPoint and the developments we have made with this product. First of all, it is 10 times more powerful. The battery lasts forever. Secondly, it has a pointer now. <laughs> Fuck, I'm dead, bro. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, man. No, I think you're good. I think you're good. I've just, I've just done a quick tally in my head. You're all good. It's all Samantha's fault, as far as I'm concerned. Oh man. Okay. Uh, oh Jesus. It's so hard. <laughs> Get off me, guy. Guy's manhandling me. It's not good. So yeah, this woman is responsible for decal Uniqlo. She's the originator. Oh, I didn't get back to my original point in the first run around. We're well, watching a, it behind the directors. It's a good thing you get a second crack at it. Isn't it, Just? Just for moments like this. Excuse me. Um, uh, we see on the clock that it's... Oh! Was that, where the, was that where the AM comment came from? Probably. Probably was. It's the 6th of August on that clock. And... Um, the last bit of the movie takes place on the 4th of July. And we know that Carrie only goes to Abu Dhabi for Less than days. a week. It's like less than that even. It's only three days, I think. Um, so, Jesus. It's just a noise I make when I'm interested. Um, Halfway into the movie now. 90% of the movie takes place over three days. And then 10% of the film takes place over a year. What's that about? <laughs> I've got no goddamn idea. It is shaping up to be a beautiful day here in Auckland. <laughs> <laughs> Our man outside would be tempting. This unair-conditioned studio that we've been festering in for four hours I now. I can only imagine what this place smells like, eh? 
really starting to take on a life of its own. Isn't it crazy how you're just on a gradient? As long as you're part of it when it's starting as neutral, a room can smell so (laughs) fucking terrible and you just climatize to it. That is, yeah, no good. Bloody teenagers is what it is. You're opening windows. Bloody teenagers. Open a fucking window in here, would you? Fuck. You kids, you dastardly kids. And silence reigns supreme here at the worst <laughs> idea of all time, HQ. We can't let this beat us, bro. We can't. We're bigger than this. We're better than this. We're tougher than this fucking film. We are tougher than this film. No one has asked for what we're doing, though. And I don't think anyone is going to get through it. Yeah, I'd be very surprised if any if if you are if you're here right now, if we're beaming into your head, oi. Fucking well done. Yeah. Like I if, feel like we are seri- I could share secrets with you because there's so few of you. Do it. Share a secret with one of these people. Um it's a secret. It's a secret. I don't know any secrets. Yes, you do. You've done secretive stuff before, and yeah? What kind of stuff? I'm desperately trying to think of something. What I'm not a, even getting stuff to load into the mental lobby of like, can I put that through onto the internet? I just can't get anything to put into the lobby in the first place. I happen to remember when I was about eight years old at a toy shop, there was a display of, uh, I didn't know what it was, but the advertisement was a very handsome Western man who was wearing a cowboy hat and a it was sort of a cartoon of a real person, a red bandana, denim shirt brown leather sleeveless jacket with a sheriff's badge on it and he was looking at sort of like smoky he's looking at whoever was walking through the toy store and he was atop a very big display of sort of small rectangular boxes and i deliberately walked straight into it and knocked the entire display over and as i helped the staff clean up i pocketed four different small boxes damn and, Four of them and i took them home and all they were i didn't even have a fucking cap gun they were just the caps for a cap gun and I, that's when I learned the harsh lesson that crime doesn't pay, although it is very easy to get away with. Yeah, I mean, you just need to transform what you did to diamonds instead of caps, and then you're fine. I've shoplifted precisely once, ever. I was like nine, I think. Yeah. And I lifted a chocolate bar from a dairy. That was it. I've actually shoplifted quite a lot. Have <laughs> you? Yeah, I've stolen a lot of gum from oh, the, Jesus. from like the Blenheim Kmart or Farmers so or whatever the equivalent is. Yeah, gum. How much gum? Just like a, a lot, hubba bubba. And then also when I used to go skiing, uh, I was lucky enough to get to go skiing some in high school at the cafeteria there because everything was so expensive. I thought it was absolutely fine to take their chocolate bars. And what you do is you take off your helmet. I'm just confessing to crimes on... Oh, I, There's no probably a statue of limitations on something this trivial. It's all good. Uh, and I'd put the chocolate bar inside my glove. So like I'd have the gloves inside my helmet. So it just looked like I was just carrying... Where you know, were you getting the chocolate bars from? The, were they just from out the, there? the cafe. Oh, the I see. The, this mountain. is how I know. You went to a rich kid's school. At our one, it's like fucking nothing was out on display. It was behind a glass, probably bulletproof window where you made... Well, we would have been skiing at like the same mountains. At like Porter oh, Heights. Skiing. I didn't go skiing, mate. Didn't have the money for skis. I was uphill in the snow both ways, 10 miles just to get to school. Didn't have holidays either. In the holidays, I go to a different school. I like you, Tim. I thought you meant the school tuck shop. I thought that's what you were saying. Are you, no, you, no. You're talking about a, a... On the mountain. The chalet. 
All right. Is that the term? Yeah, sure. It's so hot in here. Yeah, it is warm. It's getting. I'm getting moist and unsavory. Should we just open the door? See what it does. Yeah, I mean, anyone who's made it this far into the record deserves all the oral, oral punishment and ambience we can throw at them. Just smash the door open. I'm gonna go for a wee as well. Oh, what? Okay, off you go. You've got an iron bladder, Brian. Hurry back. So um, now I'm left alone with Carrie and Miranda in a souk, which we have been informed by the film's tasteful cultural exposition is a uh, marketplace in old WW, like a traditional old market, Middle Eastern market. Be a pretty cool thing to see, but this one looks like shit because I don't think the set dresses have done a very accurate job of picturing, like recreating... What I imagine would be a pretty kind of cool and bustling environment. This one just looks sterile and dead. Like a real movie set. This set really looks like a set. Carrie is going to buy the shoes. A pro move when they're only 20 US dollars. Good on you, SJP. Way to work that financial problem through. The shop owner is someone who we've never talked much about on the podcast. The guy who's actually holding Carrie's um, spices and passport through like 85% of this whole movie. He's he's really escaped our wrathful eye. Probably because he's a nice guy. You can tell just in the limited amount of time he's on screen. he's, He's very kind. And when Carrie tries to give him money... Uh, at the end of, well, I say the end of the film, at what you think should be the end of the film, she goes to give him money because he's been holding on to the passport, gives it back to her scot-free, and he won't take it. He won't have it. He's just like, no way. That would change the altruistic nature of this good deed into a profit motive, and that's not what I'm here to do. I'm just here to do a good thing for you from one human being to another. And that shows me... Shopkeeper man is a stand-up guy. Now Aiden's here, just like every ways. I was going to say every week and always, but I'm going to stick with every ways. Every ways you look, Aiden is there. Coming at you from north, south, east and west. It's like that Agent Smith scene in The Matrix Reloaded, the burly brawl. It's just Aiden's everywhere, wanting to smooch you, even though you're married. And he says dumb fucking shit like, this is the best mirage I've ever had. You see mirages, you idiot. You have dreams. You have visions. You don't have a mirage. (laughs) Fuck. Guy's back, everybody. And not a moment too soon. How you doing, guy? How was your piss? Did you bloody love it? I tell you what, it is. there is a whole world out there which is outside of this room in Sex and City 2 screening for the second time. And you genuinely do lose sight of that when you're doing this recording. I'm going to go be part of it because you've inspired me to take a wee. 
All right. Well, I'm very happy to pick up where you've left off, which is uh, the idiocy of the script writing with regards to Aiden's insistence on he's having the best mirage of his life. It makes no goddamn sense, Aiden. You have <laughs> a dream, etc., etc. I was just reiterating what Tim said to try and warrant a smile from him as he left the room, a.k.a. the prison. I never felt like this with grown-ups too. I never felt like I couldn't stomach what was happening on screen. It was a battle at times, certainly, and uh, it was hard going, but it never genuinely felt like what I was wrestling with was too mighty, too cumbersome to overcome. Like this scene in particular, I'm familiar with all the beats, I know all the action, I know exactly the narrative purpose that it's trying to serve, but I cannot for the life of me meet it at face value. Like, the experience of me talking over it right now and having these thoughts, this pretty much happens on a weekly basis when I watch the film. I'm never, ever... Oh, I've never noticed that before, actually. His left arm there, he does... He's so flirtatious, Aiden. He gently brushes your left arm, which is like a... If neither of them were married, would be, I guess, a pretty savvy move with regards to Carrie's response to it. But as a married man talking to a married woman, it is wholly inappropriate and unseemly and sort of I guess a harbinger of doom or harbinger harbinger sounds right to me so it sort of foreshadows them hooking up and at this point in the in the broadcast and in the podcast and where it falls both in this particular episode and the season you already know that don't you well, the thing of it is, there's still so much action to unfold. Well, not action, but screen time. There's just still so much uh, volume to absorb. And no matter how much I know it's coming, and I sort of am used to what I'm seeing, I can't, I can't meet it. I can't meet the movie on its terms the way I could with an Adam Sandler film. And I don't know whose fault that is. Like, it's not a it's not a testament to Adam Sandler. I don't think that that makes Grown Ups too any better for what it is. I just think that understanding that a movie doesn't need to be two and a half hours long to get a message across is important. And the the time in this film does not make up for the lack of care. If anything, it, it serves to highlight it. And I, I couldn't I couldn't be more furious, more spurious, which is a word I don't get to use nearly often enough. Tim Bat's back in the room, ladies and gentlemen. This is an intense thing to walk back into up that path. <laughs> Super daunting. Paint a picture for me. So there I was, emptying my bladder of um, probably three litres of fluid. Oh, yeah, I went and got chips. You can just say, give me the chips. Give me the chips, That's please. Fine. There are the chips. And um, I kind of like, it didn't take long for me to start acclimatizing back into the normal order of the world i was looking around at stuff that wasn't sex in the city too i was in places that wasn't abu dhabi or new york city and i start walking back up the path and you're just yelling god knows what into a microphone in a room by yourself like i'm getting an x-ray vision into a senile old man whose wife unfortunately died years ago and all he can think to do to fill his evenings is yell at the stuff he sees on the tally but there's a whole rig you're mic'd up that's almost exactly what it feels like there's though. equipment around you 
You do feel like you've lost everyone that you love when you're going through this. It's not pleasant. Sometimes life's not pleasant, Tim. You know what I'm saying? But uh, life finds a way. Sorry for the prolonged silence to those of you listening. Um, I'm just chewing a chip. Tim's setting up Periscope for the sixth time. It's not going to work. It is not going to work. I guess the only thing that would draw you to listen to this much of the podcast would be a blind sense of obligation to yourself to know that you've ticked off all the audio content. The fear of missing one classic gag amongst the endless hours of dross and valueless chatter. Doesn't quite roll off the tongue as well as FOMO, but I get the general idea, Guy. This is quite a vision of terror, though. Because it's a, it's it's this is when there's very dramatic music playing. We're in Abu Dhabi and emerging from the sand dunes um, with occasional palm trees in the background. The four women just emerge with the most ridiculous outfits on that Abdul has picked out for them, and it's it's the real dramatic music as they appear in slow motion, just walking up the sand dune. You're like, oh no, they're back. We thought we did away with them. But they weren't gone for too long at all. A mere few frames. Hello, my name is Guy. I am a cool dude. I wouldn't kiss your sister if you didn't want me to. Hi, you're listening to the worst idea of all time with me, David McGilligan. And me, Thomas Waddlesworth. And snacking on something that crunchy into a microphone surely is the worst idea of all time. And now we can stop watching the movie and retire the podcast, for we finally arrived at the logical endpoint of the gag that is calling the podcast the worst idea of all time. That was it. That was the payoff. Almost 100 episodes, almost two seasons. Like, I don't know what the hour count we're up to now if you combine the two movies, but it's probably about five days, I reckon. All up of talking about them or watching them? Watching. It's more than that. What's Grown Ups 2? 1 hour 41. Um, Roughly. Oh, man. It's so hard to do the math when everything's based 60. Yeah. Fucking clocks. I'll do it for you. You hold steady. Good man. So the calculation that we want to do is... Uh, one, talk, about, talk about these macaroons. They're never eaten. 1.6 times 52... Is what? Hatimi, well done to you, sir. You got a cheers from the girls. And here's Dick Pot, his first entrance into the movie. What a pleasure and a thrill it is to see him back again. Hey, Dick Pot, what you got to say for yourself? Cumulatively. My apologies, ladies. It'll be 8.9 days spent. Holy fuck. Wait, is that at the end? Yeah. Of both? Yeah. So just nine, wa- nine just days. watching. Nine days. Fuck. Oh, that's not good. That's not good, brother. Brother, my brother. Not good at all. 
Hi. What do you reckon? What do you reckon about anything? <laughs> I just don't know anymore, guy. It's like um we have like I I would describe the point that we are at right now as our wits end as in like is this not the embodiment of is this not how it was first discovered that I'm at my wits end with you was a turn of phrase yeah definitely that you reach the end of your ability to process original and humorous thoughts when exposed to the same thing hmm. are you at your wits end with this getting there right do you think you've got anything funny or Valuable left to contribute to this conversation. It's like Inception. You just got to go to another level. We need to go deeper. We need to go deeper, man. Because uh, do you, you know what, what it feels me, like to me? It feels like the first time. You said it, friend. Do you know? It actually, it feels like the very first time. It, it feels like the, the first time. time that you've seen this movie. It, it feels like, like the, the very, very first time. I agree. Karaoke in New York. Tired. Karaoke, Karaoke in, in the, the Middle, Middle East. East. Fresh. Fuck. Oh me. yeah. Da 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 da. Boom. Where's he doing? Where's he off to? That's the question we ask ourselves every week. And um, this question has been addressed twice already. But this week, I think we have to ask the question, what is time? <laughs> time is a human construct. It's it's the way we conceptualize it is just sort of like how we stumbled upon an understanding. It's not probably the most useful way to think about time. A lot of physicists think about time very similarly to how they think about distance. How's that? Just that like it, it you know it's it is travel travelable. It's a it's a like a it's a useful but by no means binding measurable for something. Do you prescribe that it's sort do you of like, like a constant that can be measured, I guess, and used as a coordinate? You know, mm. like when you're talking about subatomic particles and stuff, that starts becoming important. You know, but in the broader scale, like in our day to day lives, yeah, I guess it's more useful for us to think about time the way we do, not right now. Should we shut that door? I'm worried we're going to freak out the neighbors' kids. They're constant screaming, and singing. I think it's time they were exposed to it. <laughs> yeah, you say that, but I have to live here. Yeah, but like we also have to sit in this room together. <laughs> Don't say this like we've both entered into an agreement with the neighbours' kids and like they're not pulling have their we, weight have, on this Have thing. we not? <laughs> Look, Certainly not. They have to live in their house. We have to sit in your room. By Jove, the door remains open. Yeah, I guess so. I've got a headache. <laughs> it's fucking foul, man. It's going to be a bloody migraine. That is unsurprising to me. Understand, 
I gotta say, I think all of the gals give a fantastic performance during the karaoke. I have spent the time uh, over the forty-one. This is, of course, the forty-second screening of Grown Ups Two. Do you know what? No, does this mean that technically, because we did this to align the pod to realign the podcast correctly, are we still somewhat off? Because will it not be now Watch Forty-Two, like Watch Forty-Three, Episode Forty-Two? No, because before it was like. Watch 39, episode 40. And then... So the watches were one back from what the episode was because I split Paul F. Tompkins into two eps. So Paul Shear was episode 40, watch 39. Yeah, I think we said that wrong at the time. And this is now episode 41, watch Watch 41. Yeah. So this is the 41st watch. Yes. Yeah, so the freebie was the one that we got uh, Michael and Patrick King to do. Yes, correct. That was really nice of them to step in. And it I sure feel like was. we are wearing the hangover of exhaustion that they, in fact, should be carrying around in their lives. Quite possibly. After all, it wasn't as if we were talking for two and a half hours while the film was on at the start of this. No, sir. Certainly not like we're going to push through for another two and a half hours of conversation. I'm actually really impressed both with how... Uh, Ricard Spurt handles talking to four strangers with yeah. confidence. Yeah. And also how all of the strangers, all of the uh, protagonists react very well to like everyone's very comfortable on themselves and this entire conversation runs very smoothly. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of the innuendo, but I am impressed by his confidence and smoothness and also and you know, the the way it's dealt with by all parties. I don't even know if you can call it innuendo when you're thinly veiled you mean your name's Hordum. Dick Spurt? Yeah, just like the script. It's all yucky. <laughs> it's all yucky. The script is yucky. Dick Spurt. Come on, people. Sounds like he's a dick expert. I mean, you are talking to the guys It'd who... would be the other way to go with that. We're eh? involved in the room with uh, Mr. Big. We, we come up with Mr. Big's Jaskuzzi. So we are by no means... Our hands are by no means clean of that's true. bodily fluid. Yeah, that's true. They are sodden with semen. <laughs> I love this. We don't bring this up often on the podcast, but when Samantha says, it doesn't matter, men, babies, we agreed ages ago, we're soulmates. She, They're her, not the same. Yeah. And her your attitude towards kids kid. throughout this movie are constantly like, she just equates her one night stands to her friend's children. And like decades long marriage. Like with the same flippance, every goddamn opportunity. Here we see Abdul illegally opening <laughs> the mail. It's not his mail. And Carrie's so not like... Abdul, sorry, got on. Uh, Carrie is so... So, like, absorbed in... Yeah, that's what I was looking for. She's so in her own head and so self-centered that she doesn't even realize a goddamn crime's being committed in front of her eyes. I mean, God. It's opening up other people's mail. What's next? Sex on the beach? Come on, everybody. Sex. On the beach. There's going to be a party tonight. Oh, way. Oh, way. Oh. They got it. They got it. They got it. Oh. If you are listening to this podcast, I want you to use this hashtag right now. Hashtag send help. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag send help. That's what we're There's looking for. There's actually a little um 
running. I can't watch it anymore, man. I just like. There's actually a running gag I have with my girlfriend. What's that? Sent out. Sometimes when we're having a nice kiss, mm. I'll uh, I put my <laughs> my lips super close to her ear, and I'll just whisper, "Send help." That's funny. And then keep acting like nothing's happened. <laughs> God, that woman puts up with a lot, doesn't she, guy? <laughs> Sophie, you're a bloody angel. Is it? I think that's funny. Maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> do you think that's funny? No, it is funny. I think it's funny. Oh, that's good. I do think it's funny. She does tolerate a lot of that kind of stuff, though. <laughs> hey, mate, it's what makes you you, you know? You're the whole package. <laughs> Even the parts that should have been left off. Yeah. That's what makes a human being a human being and not a human being because there's nothing as boring as a bean. Sure, they're a great source of fiber and they'll give you some energy for a while, but beans are bad for you. Hi, it's me, Warren Peason from the pea community, here to tell you that beans are bad. Oh, do you know who like beans? Mussolini. Do you know who's a baddie? Mussolini. Have peas. Gandhi ate peas. Oh, yum, 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 yum. Who's your favorite athlete? Is it Michael Jordan? Guess what he had for breakfast? It was peas. No one eats peas for breakfast. <laughs> Michael Jordan ate peas for breakfast. Hey, do you know what I heard on the um, season one best of cut up as well? That fucking dude who turned Paddy Schwartz Party Time into a song, like a legit jingle with a cool guitar and drums and everything. <laughs> Fuck, it's awesome. Really? I, that's the single best, like... And look, I love everything we get sent. Every message is a gift. Um, everything is so cool. But that's probably my favourite little submission from a fan of anything. How does the song go? Paddy Schwartz Party Time. It's Paddy Schwartz Party Time. And it does that a few times. And then um, it's got you uh, talking about oh, he's riding around on a leopard. He, that's right. He took us singing and yeah. put it into a... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he like um, just chucked a bit of reverb on it and then kind of cut it up so it actually worked in some sort of a rhythm and fucking added drums and a wailing guitar to it. It's amazing. That is impressive. Did such a good job. What a good dude. Fuck yeah. So if that is you, get in touch. Remind me who you are because I miss you. And I'm sorry I forgot. We are very slowly approaching the main conflict of the film. You'll be greatly relieved to hear as Carrie Bradshaw heads out of the hotel for a meal with Aiden, her ex-partner, who oh, just hashtag seen help keeps showing up. Help for Carrie. Hey, this is the worst bit of Carrie's character in the movie when she, when she bl- says, puts Charlotte on blast. So Charlotte's very recently like, "Yo, what up, bitch? Why are you meeting up with your ex when you're overseas away from your hubby?" who you haven't seen in ages and you're having a drink with him at his hotel. And she goes, in response to that, just because you're worried about your husband cheating on you doesn't mean everyone's cheating. It's like, fucking hell, Carrie. You rein that in, Missy. Yeah, that is super heavy. Biatch. Just because you're worried about your okay. marriage, everyone's Biatch. cheating. That's what she okay. says. That was the line. Just because you're worried about your marriage, everyone's cheating. Fuck you. And look, Charlotte, and I like that we stay with Charlotte as well. It was a good decision. We stay with Charlotte to see some of the aftermath of this havoc that it's wreaking. You know? I do know, Tim. Do you know how I know? Because every week that you've been watching the movie, I know this is going to come as a shock to you. Yes. I've been doing the exact same goddamn thing. Uh, I forgot. Right next to you. But you've been so absorbed in the content of the film, you haven't noticed my presence. Uh, for which I commend you. And also say, fuck you, buddy. Yeah, I just like to really zone in. Get in there nice and deep, like... You know, 
Why go to a bar when we have a bar? Well, here's an idea, because you don't go to a bar purely to get ethanol in your system. It's to have the fucking ambiance and atmosphere of hanging out with other cool, good-looking people and just, like, be out, you know? Mixing with your fellow human beings. It's a sense of community. It's being part of something that's not just yourself getting fucking drunk pointlessly in a hotel. Put that on the floor, guy. The risks are too high. You know, spill water everywhere. Be terrible. You got a Tell real bone to pick with me, don't you? Not right now, though. We've got we've got to keep it together, guy. We start turning. This is like being trapped in a jungle together. If we turn on ourselves, we're really fucked. We're our best assets. We are our own best assets, and you, sir, are a mighty fine-looking piece of fish. How'd a how'd a fish like you wind up wiggling his way on the shore? I better put you back out in the ocean. Here, get in my back pocket. Oh, God. I won't do anything unsavory. <laughs> I'll just get on my boat. It's a Hanes Hunter 5000. I'll drive you out. Drive you out to your home bay. Hey, hey, dude. Whoa. And then when we get to that home bay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw you overboard. Watch you swim down into the murky depths. Then I'm going to call up my friend James Cameron. He owns a submarine. He made a movie you might have seen. It was called Jurassic Park, although they never released his edit, uh, which is bullshit if you want my honest opinion. Do you know I was a huge fan of dinosaurs as a kid and my mum wouldn't let me see Jurassic Park? Uh, dinosaurs the concept or dinosaurs the TV show? The concept. Why wouldn't she let you see Jurassic Park? Cause it was too scary. Too scary. I think, um, yeah, my uncle actually, he, he took my two older brothers to see it at the movies and not me. Open the door, get on the floor, everybody do the dinosaur. Open the door, get on the floor, everybody do the dinosaur. God damn it. You do. You got the most help a woman could afford, or a man for that matter. You get all the goddamn help in the world, and you still do a lackluster job as a doting parent to your beautiful children. You just get drunk in this hotel lobby over and over again. And that's how the party is. Fucking hell. Spirits are not high. Periscope's just come back online. Yep. I don't know how long you're going to be able to survive for Periscope. The battery's For those of you asking if we're okay, the we're answer not. is obviously yes. We we're are not okay. fine spirits. I have never felt like I've been in better shape. I could run a goddamn marathon right now. Hashtag sent help. The beauty of the situation is I've been watching this movie for so long now that anything else seems like a Look good Look at option. this asshole. Hello from Toronto. This isn't some casual meetup, bruh. We've been in the trenches for like four hours now. You can't just rock in with a hello from Toronto. I'm sorry for my friend, hello from Toronto. He really has no right to be treating you the way he does. He's irate and uh, frankly confused. I'm a bit down. Good and proper. Yep, 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 yep. This is a taste. I, this is the more voice I do when I have a lovely bit of popcorn. Ooh, that's very good popcorn. Maybe I should give some to my friend Tim. And then I come to your house. Yeah, you do. You often bring popcorn around here at weird hours. I'm into it, though. It's cool. It's a lovely little friendship thing. Lovely little wee bit of friendship, guy. Ooh, that's a lovely bit of friendship. <laughs> it sure is. It sure is.
Homer, Wyatt, and Jake. Uh, thanks, mate. Always a gift. Free, very thanks gift. for the hot tip. <laughs> Homer, Wyatt, and what's the other one? Jay, Jake. 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 Tate. Tate. Tate, of course. Tate, Tate Gate. Yes, naturally. That sucks, man. That really led me astray. I was gutted that I got... Um, misled. Yeah, misled down that kind of rabbit hole, if you will. Oh, I've well. mixed metaphors. But Tate Gate, mate. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'd like to send a big Sex in the City 2 happy birthday to the Moosa Bides. We have sent you $10,000 worth of flowers. The Moosa Bides is a bloody good internet handle. I dig that. The Moosa Bides. Um, okay. She's showing him the wedding ring and like a, a red rag to a bull. Aiden takes that as an absolute invitation to try and bed this woman because he really kicks up into a new gear after she shows him the wedding ring. Sexually aggressive, not in a like violent way, but just so full on. And uh, what's, what's the synonym for aggressive in the way that I'm using it? Uh, aggressive pointed is that right yeah i feel like pointed kind of works they're just toying around with each other having fun with mispronouncing different words what's crazy to me and you're about to see it is aiden will eventually brag about the fact every time he comes to abu dhabi and i know we've mentioned this before but god help me i'm clutching at straws he remembers one of the new uh emirates and he then lists this is a guy who's probably been here five or more times. He lists three of them. And then he's like, how good am I, right? <laughs> I deserve a kiss. I deserve a gift. For I deserve a gift from you, Kerry. There he is taking it. I'm going to have another banana for a banana, as always, worth filleting. Did you just have a, bana- have a banana before? How many bananas have you had today? This is the second banana I've had. Oh, okay. We've been sitting here for almost five hours. Yeah, true. Two bananas if, if in I five hours. If you is, do it, it hasn't happened today. Is reasonable. It was a weird thing having to... Um, <laughs> just kidding. It's not my birthday, arsehole. Oh, good stuff. Yeah, good job, the moose abides. You really pulled the wool over everyone's eyes there, you piece of shit. <laughs> Joke's on you, motherfucker. You're watching the worst thing that's ever happened to the internet. What is this? What is this? What is this? What is this? Very generous offer from our friend Dan in the UK saying he'll buy us beers sometime next year, hopefully, Dan. Look at all that fucking yam on your face, eh? Don't get caught with yam on your face is what they always say. Yeah. Well, of course, uh, when they wrote the script, it was jam. Don't get caught with jam on your face. But uh, Kim Cattrall refused to apply the sticky preserve to her her skin, and they used yams. Um, reportedly full of estrogen. She's still got some on her face right now, which we thought was a funny gag. Hmm. It turns out we were wrong. Someone commented on Periscope, uh, it's sex in the city. I don't know what the context of that comment was, but... In my head, I said it in the same way that um, Ron Howard introduces its Arrested Development, because it's the same number of syllables. It's sex and and the city. Share that. Um, I did that once. Oh, it was, 
old radio show that I did with Matt Heath, the Matt Heath Drive Show. I don't know where this came from, but I uh, now I'm okay. I, I'm not too hungry. I'm sweet. So for um, those of you who are listening purely to the audio file, I'm just offering Tim a bite of my lovely nanny. I've got enough nannies on my t-shirt, mate. Don't need yours. Have a bite. Anyway, give the people what they want. They want to see you have a bite of nanny. So I was have a lovely bit of nanny. I was going, have a lovely bit of nanny and continue with your story. I was thinking in my head. I was like, it's the Matt Heath Drive Show. I envisioned you biting it off. Yeah, I know you did. I found a loophole, and then I was like, that's the same number of syllables as the final countdown. <laughs> like, it's the Matt Heath Drive Show. Yeah, it is. and then we made that sting up and proceeded to use it like every afternoon for about two years. Just like just, that's how you make content, baby. Isn't that funny? That just some stupid idea you come up with, and suddenly it's out there. This movie, the working example that that is not always the best model for content creation. A thought came into my head. I filmed it. Six and thirty-two. That's Michael Patrick King for you. Oh, I don't want that banana at all. That's good for you. Not into it. I'm deep oh, into this them. is disgusting. We're up to the this is what, Samantha Fellatio bit, and it's just like I'm doing that with my banana chewing. to emulate it. Yuck. It's like a Pavlovian response. You're seeing it happening on sta- on uh, screen. I keep wanting to say on stage for some reason. I've been doing it this whole day. Every time I go to say on screen, I say on stage. Oh, yuck. Come on, man. Don't I got, do that. You know I get ants in here. Yeah. I accidentally got some banana on Tim's Bad pop man. shield. He's dealt with ants and fleas before. Yeah, the fleas thing was short-lived. It was an easy fix. It was an exciting time, bomb. though, wasn't it? Exciting time to be alive. By a bomb. That's off. brutal, man. What's that? Those fleas, they thought they found a wonderful little uh, niche, territory. little niche. A little in, environment in to set up camp. And then you literally come in with chemical warfare to a flea. You say, you know what? Fleas, I appreciate that I, you know, let you in here. Whoa. You're getting real heavy on me, man. Because I'm thinking now, like, because the couches came from a different suburb, they were like refugee fleas as well. Maybe they weren't... Like, oh, you're putting a lot on these fleas now. They weren't having a good time at the old house. And they were like, oh, what a, I get a bit of sunshine here because I'm next to a window and new people come in all the time. And uh, and then I fucking gassed them, bro. Mm, it's not a... You know, yeah. Like Saddam Hussein on the Kurds, I fucking gassed them, Jesus bro. Christ, bro, this is getting dark. <laughs> you did this. I didn't do this. This is you what you did to the fleas, I mean, they 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 bit us. And they made us itchy. That seems like not good just it's not moral equivalence to gas something to death just because it makes you itchy, is it? Nah, but you don't think like a flea. I don't know what level of consciousness you ascribe to a flea, but if you're willing to pull off a bomb to kill them, well, I can't think it's very high. Can you just finish the fucking banana that's in your mouth? Stop telling me how to eat my nani, man. I'm telling you how to talk. Don't tell me how to talk either. Right. I do it just fine. All right. It's just food mouth, man. He is super proud of his time difference, math. <laughs> Absolutely stoked. I nailed it. I know what the time is. Who's the artist? The pictures in the background. They're ours. They'll be going out to the people who gave us money as part of the Kickstarter. We finally painted them. Well, they're actually not done. Not quite done yet. Good zing, Darcy Rhodes. More like fartist. <laughs> A fart joke is always good. Never out of place. I've always said that. 
Look at All right, sorry for my trying to get herself off the fucking uh, hook. Yeah, it's big. Sorry for my absence from the conversation, everybody. I just had to um, finish my banana. For a banana is always a good source of potassium. Mm. And then if I could, I'd use the like the cracking of banana skin as a as the audio cue there. Yeah, it does need something, eh? To represent the opening of a banana. Because it's like whenever you say a kiss is always a gift. It's kind of like hearing a uh, slogan. Yeah. Like what's the McDonald's one? We gifted. We gave each other gifts. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. That's right. It is too. But there almost needs to be a... Th- the thing I'm thinking is like a musical punctuation at the end of a jingle. So it's like, for a kiss, is always a gift. For a banana, is always a good source of potassium. Potassium. <laughs> Someone opening a banana and remembering how much potassium they're about to get. For a it's banana, is always a good source of potassium. Oh, potassium! <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. Or maybe even Potassium Ahoy. Potassium Ahoy's good. <laughs> it's a good name for a banana company. Mm. <laughs> she feels awful and so do we. It's Carrie Bradshaw announcing her infidelity to her husband, Big. What's he going to do? Return to the stock market or quickly rush out from his busy day and buy a diamond? Or maybe neither. Maybe he'll work on his big book of ideas where he stores all of his entrepreneurial developments and musings in crayon or charcoal. This segment of the podcast brought to you by Faber-Castell. For the fanciest colored pens, you're thinking Faber-Castell. Hello, it's me, Mr. Castell, here to say I'd just like to give a big thumbs up to Tim and Guy and what they're doing. And if you're colouring in, you're probably colouring with Castell. Call me Castell, it's Mr. Faber. Bonjour, it's Mr. Faber. I just wanted to say, if you like to colour in, then you probably like my pen. Uh, okay, bonne nuit. And that's it from us here at the Castell Factory. Back to you, Mr. Crayola in Detroit, Michigan. Uh, back to you. The line's gone dead. <laughs> There's a problem with the satellite link up there, I'm afraid. I'm really sorry for the technical difficulties. That's okay, mate. I am... what, a, what, a great, what a great new show you put together. You're a hell of a producer. I'm having major technical difficulties with my brain right now. Oh, man, alive. Fuck. Look at that guy, that security guard. It's so hard to act in a scene where you just got nothing, eh? That does a good job. That's the hardest thing about acting is not when you're talking. It's when you're just uh, reacting to what someone's saying. You forget how you do that. Are you always, like, when you're acting, you always feel like when you react to what someone's saying that you're meant to be doing more. Look at you right now. I'm talking. It's like nothing's going in. You're like a stone wall of emotion. I'm in a pretty unique zone, though. I don't think I'm giving an accurate representation of what a person sounds like when they're receiving voice. Why are you keeping bloody... Receiving voice? That's my new word for listening. Receiving voice. (laughs) (laughs) Why is Samantha keeping Connie's in her passport? Connie's in the passport. Trouble at the mill. That's what what my mama used to say. That camera is not having a real good time auto-focusing, eh? This is Carrie Bradshaw right now. Jesus, it's busy. Yeah, I'll do an impression of Carrie Bradshaw right now. Blah, 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 blah. 
Does anyone else want to talk about me some more? McFucking blah, McFucking blah, blah, blah. Charlotte, you're lucky I talked to you about myself. McFucking blah. By the way, Charlotte, I'm sorry I treat you like such a bitch. That's Carrie Bradshaw. What do you reckon? Pretty on point, eh? Oh, man. Is this over yet? That needs no to way, Jose. The movie lives. This is this is absolutely this is the the far and away the strongest time today when I've been like this has got to end right now. Funny We've that. Got to pull the plug on it. Time marches on. The show must go on valiantly. If I had to describe myself with three words, they mm. would be fluid, mm. poker, mm. valiant. You go. Um, three words to what? Describe where I'm at. Steel. Cold. Vacuum. You're in a cold steel vacuum. Yeah. That's dark. Yeah, yeah, well. How's Carrie still talking about her kiss? I don't know, man. No idea. Look at how... I love how... I really love um, Miranda's performance there. Every time it gets me. It's like she's sleeping with her hands on her legs. Like, you know, that rugby pose you do in a, or a sports photo when you're in intermediate or grade school? It's like that, like fists on legs, Fist clenched, sleeping. Knuckles facing the photographer. And then the when the hotel manager comes out, she wakes up and she sort of startles and moves her hands. It's very good acting, which I'm a big fan of. You love good acting. You've always said this. I have... Bay Joan bringing the heat as he does every single one of these viewings. A fine actor in the wrong place at the wrong time. Bay Joan is a towering juggernaut of good acting in a valley of ineptitude. What have I just kicked over? That's not good. Oh no, Baidoon is cancelling all the meetings and telling the girls they're going to have to pay tens of thousands of dollars. Which is the actual cost of this hotel stay. I have to grab a cloth, you cover. It would appear my co-pilot, uh, Captain Batman, is having major technical difficulties and has left the room, which is kind of weak considering how little of the movie remains. Miranda's just explained to everyone that it's a crime to not pay for a hotel room in the United Arab Emirates, which is insane because that would imply they didn't know it was a crime to do that in America. It is a crime anywhere. It is called theft. But such is the entitlement in these uh, gals that they've never had the consideration for what constitutes theft. They're just constantly getting free stuff thrown at them. Heroes. Heroes one and all. How are you meant to be sympathetic towards this? They have to pack up all the clothes they bought because everything was free. They don't have to pay for excess baggage so that they can fly home first class and still have a fucking slew of excess baggage. There's nothing at stake to these people. They don't have to, like, it's... 
they're taking like extra bags, one and all. You know what I'm saying? You got to pay seventy dollars for one of those extra bags and still fly economy. Not these people. I don't know. Where are we at? I mean, it's you know you don't have to think about it that much, but it's an option. Where are we at, guy? I'm back. We're at the home stretch. Your boy's back, baby. Co-pilot bat in full effect. You're gonna take this. Oh airplane. no, this is the bit where you think it's at the end, but it isn't. It's an optical illusion or a mirage, as Aiden would say. Yeah. Oh, whew. a hallucination. That was the word I was looking for before. Got it. You have a hallucination. You don't have a mirage. <laughs> That's what you were trying to say this whole time. No, from last time. I yeah, think I know. Took me three hours. <laughs> Amazing. What's wrong? You forgot to buy... Your... I forgot that I'm not supposed to peek out the fucking mic on a film set. Oh my God. That's not her job. It's not not her job. It's like how when you're an actor, you got to walk to your mark, you know? That's fair. <laughs> You've just given up. I haven't given up. I've been working my goddamn ass off all day. All right, mate. Toiling away in the mines, the Sex and the City 2 mines. Trying to find diamonds amongst the bloody rhinestones. I have found nary a diamond today. Nary a diamond. A lot of coal. A lot of coal. This has felt uh, sort of actually almost, when you consider the risk we put ourselves at, pleasantly detached. Like, it feels surreal. It doesn't feel like an actual event. The fact that this is all on the record is surprising to me. What do you mean by that? Do you mean this doesn't, like, you're losing your grip on reality? Yes. <laughs> Jesus. Not cool. It's all right. Photo time. It's quite relaxing. Because how much can you read into someone trying to talk about sex in the city too for five hours straight? I mean, no one comes out of that looking good. Do you know what I'm saying? This is a lose-lose for us. I guess so. You've done a great job of documenting it. I feel like it's probably just photos of the big microphone thingy in front of our heads, so you can't see anything anyway. Tell you what I have done, though. There's a couple of redundancies we're using here today, because uh, imagine if we recorded this and just, like, the fucking file didn't record That would be soul-destroying. Good God. God damn, wouldn't that ruin your day? This is a spicy meatball. It certainly is this week. Weighing in at five pounds. Um, okay, back in the game. Get your head back in there, guy. Get back in the ring. Get my, get get my head in the game. You gotta get your, get, your, get, your, get your head in the game. So here, Coach we're, said, here we're getting um, the payoff to the don't have the forbidden experience comment where some counterfeit merch is going to get um, purchased upstairs. Just like I um, would describe the payoff as palpable. Tim, where does the rain in Spain fall? Spain? Yeah. you think about it. Where in Spain, though? What part of Spain? What sort of... The south? Hmm. I agree. Probably the north, actually, I think. But You get more tropical activity in the south, though, one would think. Yeah, but it rains in, you know, 
those northern parts of Europe and it's not exactly tropical. It's not tropical in England. Certainly not. No, I would accuse England of being tropical. Not this not this weary traveller. What's that you say? You accuse us of being tropical? Oh, oh I don't think so. Uh, not bloody like hello. That is not bloody likely. It's me. Guy Montgomery. I'm melting. That is Guy Montgomery doing Michael Caine doing Guy Montgomery after four and a half hours of Sex and the City 2. Carrie is such a bitch to all her friends. That's not just a brain eruption from Guy, that's a comment from the Periscope. And online stream watcher, you couldn't be more right. She's just wretched. She makes everything about herself. Self-centered. It does feel good knowing, at least for today, we are now on the home stretch. Who told us that that handbag she's got is like subject to an entire episode and it's $30,000? Did Jen tell us that? It's possible. I don't remember. Because she was pretty familiar with the Bat Cat, as we call it. (laughs) That is what we call it. We always call it the Bat Cat. Who's got a $30,000 handbag? Who's the market for that? I guess the same market for people who think that this movie was a good idea. There aren't many of them. The soundtrack is going off right now. It's a great... uh, You love it, eh? Yeah, it's a great spice up on the Sex and City 2 theme song motif. Because they've kind of decaled the knee-quab of traditional Middle Eastern beats for what they've done there. It'd be like what I'm trying to do is kind of a fusion DJ project. Oh my god, yes. I get Oh my god, yes. Old school, like oriental music. Yes, yes. And mash that up with a bit of breakbeat. Oh yes. Maybe chuck in some Skrillex to really set the night up right before I start getting into the more obscure shit. That is absolutely Yes. And then we all just yes. fucking hammer some pingers yes. and uh, listen to 8-Bit till oh, the sun comes up. We put pingers in our eyeballs till they come out our bloody urethra, mate. Absolutely. You are listening to Radio Live. This is BBC One. Coming up next, we have... A damning indictment on England's national broadcaster, Guy Montgomery. Was that off? That's right. I'm coming out. (laughs) Weapons blazing. (laughs) Fuck you, BBC. This entire director's commentary has been a Trojan horse for my opinions on public broadcasting (laughs) in Britain. How dare you? God damn. Good gracious. We're back to the most offensive part of the movie, which is the... Middle Eastern women emerging from the cocoons, which are their full body lengths. And that's a goodness gracious. Great balls of fire. Ooh, oh my God, I kiss you on the chin. I kiss you on the chin until you begin to tell me, stop, please stop. I don't like that. I say, okay, Tim, here's my cat. It's a tabby. And you pet it. Have some milk, young cat. Meow. You creepy dude, Guy Montgomery. Let it be said, a creepy, confident man. <laughs> that is a massive insult. <laughs> I'm just at my wit's end. Oh, we all so are. So to speak. All of us are, mate. Where they paint murals of Biggie. <laughs> what? 
Is it's, that your takeaway from our two trips to the to the American states? No, she said New York City, and I quoted oh, right. Blackstar. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. Brooklyn, New York City, where they paint murals of Biggie. That looks like the... Oh. oh. <laughs> That's not good at all. <laughs> <laughs> Explain what's happening. The uh, battery on the computer that we are watching the movie on is telling us it's running low. On ten percent, um, which is surprising because I'm pretty sure it's been charging this whole time. And then the computer above it, the screen is just shutting down. Also, it's uh, it's a scary time to be alive here. At <laughs> the worst idea of all time, HQ. And Tim, God bless his soul, is just looking around the place trying to find anything to revive these dying <laughs> bits of technology. It is scary. We're in a race against the movie to finish. It still has a whopping 16 minutes of runtime to give us. I think you kicked the power cable out at some stage. It's right here, so we're fine. I don't know if you picked that up, Tim, being very unprofessional and off microphone there. Uh, the guy's tough to record with, but he was saying, I've accidentally kicked the power source out, deflecting blame as always. Uh, but not to worry, it's it's very nearby the, the tablet. If you could imagine vaguely Middle Eastern sounding uh, caper music playing, that's exactly what we're hearing right now is the four woman... Uh, Decaling their kneecobs with handbags. Jesus wept. We're still here, right? We're all still here. And Miranda's telling everyone that if they're not careful, they're going to get bumped from first class. Oh, no. Which is untenable in the eyes of Samantha, Carrie, and Charlotte. Now we see an exposed car. I've always thought it would be hilarious if at this point in the movie, the car that pulls over wasn't in fact a cab, but a police car, and the woman were locked away <laughs> in for a good this time. prison forever. Um. It'd be kind of funny as well if the movie took a, a very uh, off-note, gory direction and when she put her leg out there dangling it for all to see, a car just like smashed into it and took it off. It's <laughs> like wasted her so, shin. <laughs> just anything to jar you out of the... Yeah. Like, what's the opposite of comfortably numb? Uncomfortably numb. Oh. It's like a Weird Al Yankovic bloody version of Pink Floyd. That's how I feel. <laughs> I feel like I'm in... A Weird Al Yanko PF cover. Just trying to reduce it to an acronym for no real reason there. I could tell. I could tell. Oh, fuck. Great. We're back at New York City. Dude, we've almost bloody got there. We've almost bloody All the way there. from Auckland to New York City. To, to Abu Dhabi. Oh, yeah. Abu Dhabi. Back to New York City and back to Auckland. Your boys have been battling hard. All right. We've been working our asses off today. Was it worth it? Almost definitely not. I can't imagine anyone still being tuned in. Okay. Oh, you almost got me real good with that banana. Right in my eye. I go waving that thing around like Here it comes. Mommy. Say hello. Charlotte's back from outer space. She turned up to pick up her kids with those dumb looks upon their face. Carrie's fingering all of the mayonnaise and Big's shirts. It's a big callback. 
big callback to season one. Do you know that saying it again, like probably about one year later, it's no less satisfying to say fingering the Steve Buscemi has been fingering the mayonnaise <laughs> is like one of the most well-built sentences in the English language. There is something rewarding about saying it out loud. Steve Buscemi is fingering the mayonnaise. It's almost like the quick brown fox and that it doesn't, but it feels like it, you, you every traverse letter. over every yeah. sound that's in the English language that make up words. It's mostly sibilance. Steve Buscemi was fingering the mayonnaise. There is a lot of sibilance. Hey, don't worry everyone, Mr. Big made it back to their apartment. And he's looking mysterious and confused. I think he got lost. Oh my God, that was a hearty yawn. I thought he got lost out in that. Out in that big city. Oh, he got lost out in the wilderness. What if I talk like this? Hello, you saw me? This is how I talk now. <laughs> it's yes. a disturbing face that you're contorting <laughs> your features into right now. Terrifying. Oh, that's just how I look. Oh, man. I can't look too much at that directly. Fair enough. I'm just throwing anything out there. I appreciate the offer. I appreciate the gift that you've thrown out there. Um, Look, true blue home stretch now, folks. This is this is us. Big's justifying why he's just gone out there and bought a diamond for his cheating wife. And I feel like with this speech and, and this gesture as well, it's not justifying it to her. He's just trying to justify it to himself. It doesn't make any sense. I think, but, you know, in fairness to both of them, I do think that their relationship is stronger for, for this experience. Well, that, yeah. I do genuinely believe that they will be happier having gone through this hardship. But a diamond isn't what you need for that. You just do it. It's kind of like it's it's again, no, the, not, no, no no hold hold on for a second because this is what this fucking movie does, guy. It attaches warrantless consumerism to every emotional moment. So with this, it's like I could just in any other movie, we've done such a good job with the characters in the story that me forgiving her is a big payoff. But you don't like the characters enough in this film for that to be it. So you've got to attach a very expensive item. To let everyone know, all the psychopaths in the audience who can relate to this lavish lifestyle, who are rich as fuck, they're like, yeah, yeah, I get that it means a lot, but how much in US dollars? It's like, I don't know, $16,000 ring? Oh, great. Well, now I can understand what you're talking about because I'm a psychopath who doesn't empathize with humans. That's what that moment is for. And to be honest, if you watch the movie enough times, you start to feel like a detached piece of just a shell, shell of a man. An empty skin. You quite finished there? Yeah. Mr. Yeah, sorry, George just, Bernard Shaw. I don't know what I was going on about. How's that for a little sparkle? I guess the movie was going to end at 4.20 and I'm pretty much bang on. It's pretty impressive, eh? Well done, you. Well done, you, mate. Oh, fuck. It's not a joke. Is that banging up the script at this point? Why? Sydney Lauper, True Colors, kicks in. Shot of church accompanied by Microsoft clip art for office space. That's such a fucking cool 
part of town though that they pan down from. It's not a coincidence. <laughs> yeah, true. Oh, I get it, guy. I'm not a moron. I know how films are made based on their aesthetic like qualities. Instead of put up wanting. Yeah. The doing it doing it under fireworks. Did the, some the bends, way it was eh? meant to be done. That truck we decided this yeah, was the bends. bends. We didn't decide that. The filmmakers decided that. Yeah. We worked out. Fourth of July. Sex and City 3 will probably. T- <laughs> this is an interesting one. It's neither a sequel nor a prequel. It takes place in the time in between when they arrive back from New York, but not the end of the. Like the prologue in the film where Dickbot is fucking Samantha. So it's all of the like Brady gaining a lot of power and influence under the sewers. So it's almost like gaining prominence concurrently to parts of Sex and City 2, but just with the focus on it's different characters. It's a snippet of just that last bit of time. Wow. Okay, so for example, they're in Abu Dhabi from the 3rd of August till, let's say, the 8th, and then they get back, and the prologue takes place on the 4th of July. So it's, it's like September through till July. You rephrased that. I tuned out and I got... It doesn't matter. It's really not worth revisiting. It's a shame. I wish I'd paid attention. (laughs) It didn't warrant it. It did. You got to take that tradition. Decal it. Your Nikwab way. Decal the Nikwab. Well, while I'm impressed that we made it through, Tim, I don't feel any richer for the experience. I feel (laughs) like something has been taken from me that can't be given back. I'm with you. I don't even think we've contributed anything back into the world. Like, this this is a very empty feeling. Very empty feeling. We've we've lost our uh, few periscopers who were with us on the journey. My fault, not theirs. But, um... Thank you to everyone who has made it. Fuck us, I think, in conclusion. Joke's on us. I gotta say though, look, it is just just clicked over to four twenty, and it's the end. You're a legend. You're a stone cold fox. Good on you, guy. Hey, good on you, guy. Hey, good on you. Good on you, Tim. A big thank you also to our friends Patrick and Michael King who who lended a lent a helping hand. Thanks to Karma Cola and to uh, Big Pipe Broadband. Big Pipe Broadband is what you want. And uh, don't say thank you to us. So thank you to yourselves and to your mother and father. Hey, look after each other out there. This is literally the only reason this happened was so we could sync the number of watches to the episode <laughs> number. We just went through all of that. Just <laughs> Jesus Christ. All right, guys. We'll see you in a week or so. Bye. 
Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.